This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. John Clark, uh, our buddy, yes. aficionado, has been by here for years and years and years, uh, posted on his Twitter account yesterday uh, about uh, one of the Phil's utility players, a guy named Brad Miller. And he was in the locker room, and he said, Brad Miller told me that he brought the luck, uh, the lucky bamboo today in Philly. He believed that it would end the losing streak. So he has a little bamboo plant, and he oh. brought it into the locker room. And he said, uh, this will bring us some wins. I can feel it. And John said, if you win tonight, he said, when we do, every Philly will have bamboo in their locker tomorrow. So we'll see if that ends up happening well, or not. Well, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. Yeah. And it worked last night. Yeah. And so I would hope that every Philly in their locker today has a bamboo plant. Well, is bamboo lucky? I have no idea. To uh, him it is. I'll tell you, and Nick, I'm forgetting the name of the player, but he brought in a bag of flies. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the guy who lives in Delco. Yeah, the guy from Delco yeah. brought in a bag of flies. I tell you, um, you know, it was obviously, it was a, a seismic event because it was a shift. It was... As bleak as could be, but to have that happen, I wouldn't screw with the bamboo. And the Phil, I, mean, <laughs> I would they, stick with it. The Phillies were having fun with it because yeah. uh, they they changed their Twitter handle last night, yesterday, to uh, Four Leaf Clover. They, uh, on their account, they posted a penny with the the head up, and there was one other. Oh, a ladybug! A ladybug, I guess, is also good luck. So the Phillies were yeah. trying anything, and they're in the middle of a seven game losing streak. And as you guys know, athletes and ballplayers in particular can be very superstitious. Let me ask you, how so in in matters like that, Preston, when no one's looking or whatever, if you pass by a like a a quarter that's on the ground, if it's tails up, yeah, do you pick it up? Yeah, do you think I, about quarter, it for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I have, as of the last few years, kind of bailed on all superstitions. Yeah, you fully embrace Santeria. Uh, no, that's oh, not true at all. Okay. Uh, I have, uh, I've bailed on all superstitions. It has dawned on me that, and in and, and jinxes and things like that. You know, so, so if you say, wow, what a beautiful day. Right. Oh, dude, don't say that. You know, we got a party today or whatever. It's gonna, I, I've realized that, that in, uh, in logic that whatever I have said or done has absolutely zero consequences whatsoever on the outcome of the weather, of a sporting event, and all these. I mean, it's nothing. Nothing at all. So I've, I've realized it, and I don't care about it anymore. All right, do you do anything that in any way you think is a ritual that, it comes to mind. Nothing like for example, comes you're, to mind right now. I, I have had many in my yeah, life, absolutely, yeah. but I've just kind of bailed on them. I, if, if if I come up with something, I will let you know. I mean, I Chances don't. Are there's still something lingering well, that I do and don't even really think about what's it. What's the difference between a ritual for you and a tradition? Because you, you have end every show with Ray John, it, but that's not superstitious. No, that's no. just sort of a traditional yeah. thing. Yeah, but, but you do it every show. I want I, years ago. I just I well, I wanted a tagline. That's your tagline. And there's also been days when you've forgotten to do it, and it didn't. Uh, your didn't career wasn't. Just, yeah, your career oh, wasn't. No, destroyed. that's not true. We took a huge dip in the ratings every time we forgot to say it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you've ever. <laughs> have you? He's noticed? always said. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's forgotten a couple days. Really? Yeah. Yeah, on a rare occasion. Rare occasion. It's, not, it's not often. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm a little superstitious. Yep. And I understand that it's ridiculous. I'm also like, all right, you're so a lot superstitious. I'm a lot. I'm I'm very super. When it comes yeah. to sports, for I'm sure. super duper stitious. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
You're uh, like, but but I mean, yeah. th- that's the way you are, and that's fine. There is something at my home, though, that I'm. It's not superstition. It's more of like an OCD thing. And the pentagram with the it candles. It's not a pentagram with candles. Uh, there is uh, like a double light switch that is in my laundry room. Okay, go ahead. And mm-hmm. I can't have. They have to either both be turned up or both be turned down. I can't. That's OC- I think that's more OCD. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I said. I, I, I said I, OCD. I do like, the same. I do the same thing as well. So. So there, there. I'm, I'm much more. I, I'm, Preston. I was thinking yesterday, and Casey to that point. Um, I'm very equalizer in, in. Um, you know, I put things down and I even them off. You know, yeah. like in, the, in, and that's he was very much that. And I, I feel weird if things aren't lined up properly. I don't like peeing in the left stall in our bathroom, and sometimes when I go in there, it like sets me off. Like I'm like, oh man. This isn't the stall that I go to the bathroom in. I've seen you take a dump in the latrine <laughs> yes. just to avoid the stall. Yeah, well, that makes sense to you, doesn't it? But now yeah. you can't find it. So your ritual is always the left stall. No, the right stall. The right stall. Okay. The right stall. And when somebody goes is going to the bathroom, I'm like, oh man, I gotta wait. Why did uh, you? Why? Why that one in particular? I don't know. You don't know? Okay. I don't know. But ever since I because I like the right stall because the toilet sits a little lower to the ground. And uh, oh no, no, I'm talking about the urinal. Sorry. Oh, the urinal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the difference. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I don't see. They're both exactly the same. Wow, that's weird. Uh, let me tell you something, Preston, and you okay. can back this up. Down by the Fanatic, that bathroom, yeah. the the smaller stall, uh, the toilet is way down low. I like that. And whenever you flush, if you're still, if you do a complimentary flush, you're going to get your your nuts <laughs> spray cleaned. Yeah. That, the jet on that thing is so powerful. Yeah. So you got to kind of. Hoist yourself Raise up. Raise up a little bit. Yeah. By the way, I like those smaller stalls back there. I feel like veal when I'm in those things. <laughs> yeah. I feel just kind of, I don't know. You're cozy. Well, you're cozy. cozy. <laughs> yeah. I like it that way. Hang on a second here. I have uh, Jim runs Chester County Bamboo. And uh, we have him as our bamboo aficionado on the line. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Preston, how you doing? It's John. Oh, I'm sorry, John. What's up, buddy? Here's the deal, man. I love the Phillies, and I love that we're going to start winning. Here's the problem. This is not bamboo. What is it? Oh, my God. It's in the Lily family. It's not a bamboo plant. Oh, so you saw a picture of it? Well, no, I saw it last night, and I saw it this morning, and I just wanted to clarify before we get on the bamboo train. You're saying it's a a lily plant? Is that what you said? That is correct. It's in the Lily family. Oh, my God. They're going to lose. Yeah. Wow. Uh, interesting. I did not know that. Is by the way, real quick, John, is bamboo considered lucky? Uh, to the Asian cultures, absolutely. That would actually be black bamboo, which is Phyllostachys nigra. Okay, is considered lucky. He knows the stuff. Yeah, so at least he's making up that. some good stuff. I, I, when I uh, there is a, I cannot tell a lie. Okay, understood. Yeah. I uh, to tell you the truth, with this stupid bamboo Thanks, thing Sean. from the Phillies, I, I wish I wouldn't have known about it until maybe they win ten in a row. Right. Well, that's right now, thing. it's like okay, like are, are well, we? You got to get off the schneid. You got you have to. That's what the the intent on this one was. Was like you the, everything that they're doing is not working. Right. So we'll try anything to get off the losing streak. Yeah. Right. And right. this was not more about keeping the winning streak going. It was. We got to try something new to get out of this losing right. streak, breaking yeah. the losing streak. Right? But is is this like their attempt at the, the, the Gloria? Play Gloria? Yeah. yeah, totally, absolutely. Play bamboo, and if this happens, you're going to see little bamboo gardens <laughs> popping up in yards and mm-hmm. pandas, you know, all kinds of things like that. By the way, the bamboo grows like 
crazy yeah. around this area. It's it gets out of control. Well, that's why on if the Wishaken Trail, there is a, there is a a part of it where you go through and it, you're like in a bamboo forest. Yeah, really? it is super. That's what I bought my machete for. Yeah. Remember, I bought a machete a while ago. Yeah, it, it's to a, chop through it. It's a weed. My neighbor had it in his yard, but it didn't start in his yard. It started in his neighbor's yard. It just and it and it just grew over. But the, totally like, resilient when it comes to like hardwood flooring, like bamboo flooring is considered green because you're not like you know killing rainforests as a result you're okay. just you know because it, it grows like a weed you're killing something so, else okay. yeah so it, it's not actually a weed you're just calling it that because it's well, a nuisance no it grows Let's... like a weed like, but the case is right i mean if you don't put in metal um uh barriers if you if you plant bamboo in your yard if you don't put metal barriers down in the yard itself uh, it'll spread it'll everywhere, spread like uh, like it did into your my, neighbors and and then the neighbors' neighbors. Maybe my neighbor, my neighbor tried had, had to bring in a like a uh, a backhoe yeah. to pull out. Yeah. Oh my god! That's how deep it went, and <laughs> Some, that's to just take out all the land that had the bamboo on it. Some people will plant it uh, to to have as cover because it, it grows so thick that mm-hmm. you can use it to obscure you know sight lines and things like that and to keep the lantern flies out. And that too, I don't know if they like them or not, but. Uh, it can get out of control. So they need to keep that in mind because the Philly's locker room could be a forest before we know it. Just <laughs> build the bamboo plant. I can't plant. find anybody. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, whatever, man. You know, listen, if, if you go back to Bull Durham, you know, there's uh, the whole thing where they talk about superstitions. And he's, and he's you know, giving Annie a hard time saying, look, if you if you believe that you're winning because you're having sex or not having sex, then you are. Yeah. And that's it, and you should respect yeah. the streak. And so, when it comes to players and people that are that are actually participating in these things, if they want to have superstitions and it works for them, then I'm I'm cool with that. Bats for bets. But like me, as you know, just an observer, it's it's to make you feel like you're a part, like you're yeah. doing something. I think, but it it, does, it has zero effect on the reality of it all. Like the it's and it starts young, like the rally hats. You'll see. Professional baseball players, you know, turn their hat on inside out if they're having like a good inning or something like that. And that's, you know, like my my kids' baseball team does that. You know, they'll they'll turn their hat inside out or they'll wear the hat like a shark fin or something like that. Right. It goes back to like the uh, the, the Pascal's wager, which was the uh, you know, hey, believe in a believe in a god. He, I, this was his idea. You know, what do you what do you have to lose? You know, if if it's not true, that was his sort of thing, and that's been applied over and over to, to things like superstition, which yeah. is. Hey, what the hell? Uh, they didn't win because of the bamboo. They won because I cut my lawn yesterday and I, I did a design like the Phillies outfield. Well, thank so you. That's why they ended up winning. So, wow. yeah. so it's you that did, did you it. Really? Yeah. You, you, you were cutting your bamboo like the Phillies outfield. I'm trying, man. You mowed your lawn to to uh, to look like the infield, or no, like the out. So the outfield, oh, the diamond have... cut. Yes. Oh, you did that. Well, <laughs> you did your own little field Sorry. of dreams. I tried to do that. It didn't turn out the way I envisioned it in my mind. Doesn't look bad. I never could figure out how to do it. Yeah, I, I'm just you know I'm having a little bit of fun with my front yard. He I loves understand. mowing. He's he, he, you, I he, do. You get so excited for mowing. He's I a do. mower. Yeah. I'm a mower. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, Casey. It's I, a great day for a mow. <laughs> <laughs> what a day for a mow. <laughs> We're gonna go off and mow. I uh, I had the opposite experience. I, I told you this off air, Casey, but <laughs> Preston, I didn't tell you. My uh, I was cutting the grass yesterday as well. The left front uh, wheel broke as I was cutting the grass. So I had three functioning wheels and one non-functioning. And I was about... So what's the design like? Oh, it's great. Yeah, just, look, just like the uh, Philly Center Field. It looks like a Venn diagram. It Basically, I was uh, pushing... I had, to, I had to hold the mower up like this with both hands because it was dripping down the dipping down on the, on the left front side. It was, uh, it was just such a giant pain in the ass. Have you guys seen the... Uh, what is it? Husqvarna? 
Husqvarna, yeah, yeah, which is the uh, basically the the, uh, they have the Roomba, Roomba yeah. for your uh, for your lawn. Oh, yeah, 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 I told you guys when we went to Sweden, they were all over the place. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. And they, they wanted they, to endorse that, and they never they ended up uh, not uh, offering. The, yeah, they were great. You basically now said you need, you need a kind of a flat yard. Yeah, yeah my regular, yard is, and a regular yard wouldn't be good for it. But you're basically the same way you sort of lay out like a uh, like a, a perimeter, right, with a wire. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. And in fact, while we were there, I think I don't think it was my son Carter gave the the mower a name because. It was just out there. It was a little bot. Yeah. It was, just, it was almost like the thing that cleans the bottom of your pool, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was just out moving all the time. Yeah, so... And it, it goes back to its own little docking port. Goes when out. It, when, it, when it's running low on, on battery power. Yeah. And, Charges itself back up and starts all over again. Yeah, my yeah. Not right and then it be, then it begins to uh, not like you. Yeah, <laughs> and then it plots against you. Do you have a Roomba? I, I have. A, it's it's another company that is. Um, that is really uh, focuses in on pet, you know, for pets. And yeah. on, here's the deal, though, with any of those things in the house, if you have a pet that periodically throws up or, I don't know, eats the ass out of a mouse, <laughs> um, uh, then it's going to run over that and oh, yeah. spread that and smear that. That's not cleaning it, is that's it? That's not actually, that's exacerbating right. the issue. So after a while, even though they were awesome, if you're walking around having to do like you're you're a guard at Shawshank before lights out, it's not worth it. I was looking at uh, Steve. I think maybe you bought one of these, but one of those interchangeable chargeable systems, so you can charge your mower, you can charge your oh, leaf blower, and charge your weed whacker. They're expensive. I works. It, okay, is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that'll be my next mower because they're terrible. They get awful gas mileage, um, and it's just it, I hate filling up the gas tank all the time. You got to see me. I got my I got all my stuff. I got my equipment out there. My leaf blower, and they all use these these batteries. And yeah, how's the charge? It's pretty good. All right. It I just good. <laughs> I have a uh, a battery-powered uh, weed whacker, and that actually works fine. I, I get an entire yard out of it, and then I'm good. It's a Ryobi, though. We had the... That's fine. Another good... Yeah. We were talking about, though, <laughs> when you get one of these things, it's like... I, I think, Preston, we've talked about this. You get a tool... You're like a man. Uh, well, some of it can be fun. Uh, it's the whole uh, Tim Allen thing, yeah. you know? If you're not doing it for a living, right, and you're only doing it like once a week. So I, I bought a, a, a pressure washer. I trimmed that. In the beginning of the summer. Well, I, actually, I guess mid-spring. And I loved power washing. It was so much fun. I, you know, I got yeah. like a retaining wall, some siding. I had to get some glue up. All, <laughs> do you yeah. hear me say glue? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So how's that power washing feeling now? I, I love you it. Still love it. I, I'm still at a point where I'm okay. like, yeah, this is pretty. Still on the honeymoon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You use it as a water pick now. And by the way, can I just tell people um, the pressure's really, really high, and it can cut your finger off. I found out the hard way. <laughs> yep. When it, I was uh, like 19 years old, I was like, it actually hurts. Yeah, what well, this feels like. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the same thing that's that's blowing. Encrusted dirt <laughs> off concrete. Yeah, we'll rip can, your skin can off. Rip your skin off. Yep, yeah, it's definitely strong enough to do that. So keep that in mind. Speaking of uh, ripping your skin off, I saw this story. Women spend seven weeks of their lives washing their faces and applying moisturizer. Oh. Now, now, around what time of year is this? No, this is in, this is their entire. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought How it was one concentrated effort. Seven weeks of your life is is spent uh, yeah. washing. So basically, I'd, two months. I'd say more for me. More for you. I wash my face all the time. Really? I used to, and you know when I did um, traffic on NBC10, I would uh, go to work in the morning, at like two thirty in the morning. I'd come home in the middle of the day and then have to go in the afternoon again right. and do the split shift. And I would not keep my makeup on for that time in between because I was so worried about uh, just like you know getting zits. 
and blemishes and and wouldn't you look like like sort of like was well, like such a long time yeah, you I did horrible. my makeup at 2.30 in the morning and then you gotta go on the air at 4pm I don't <laughs> going on in traffic <laughs> yeah, I cannot listen in, in my Velma with the traffic <laughs> in my day of uh, you know in college and, and drinking and all that and passing out um, I still every single night remember to wash my face and if I didn't it was like that's amazing that, oh, that Kathy that that Makeup for television, and whenever we've had it on, you feel like you're cooking. It's like mortuary makeup. Yes, I swear yes. to God. It's a lot of coverage. Yeah, yeah it can uh, be thick. Especially with high-def TV now. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how when you showered, uh, do you actually wash your legs? Do you yes. wash your, your entire body? And yes, I do wash my legs. But you know what? I rarely wash my face. I really? Re- yeah. I wash my... Uh, uh, you, don't, you don't just rub water on your face and... Not with soap. And, and oh, you have a loofah, though. You loofah everything. Yeah, but that loofah is, like, pretty far up my ass crack, so I don't want to Do you rub start my with it up your ass crack? No, I finish with it Start with your face and then move into your ass crack. You don't know the progression? Uh, no, I don't, I don't really wash my face either. Now, when you shave, though, um, shaving cream is essentially soap. Yeah. Uh, so there's some cleaning properties to that, and when you eventually wipe it all down, you do you are rubbing it all over your Wait, face. So you just guys... rub it all in all over my face, and <laughs> <laughs> up in there. Call yourself so a bitch. You, you don't put soap on your face; you just run water over it. Yeah. What do you do? I, I I don't use. I use water. Uh, and, it, even on your head too. Yeah. Just water, no soap. I don't use soap. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because he's he's bald, so he doesn't. Yeah, obviously. Face the goes. cleansing waters uh, of uh, my. <laughs> My uh, my uh, special faucet there, you know, the one that makes love to me every Nick, time you, I shower. You have to wash your face. Oh come on, <laughs> yeah. you do, right? I wash every inch right, of my. Okay, I wash right. my legs, my feet, no, my I face, do, my I butt do crack. Wash. I just don't. I don't like. I don't like soap. I use soap for my butt crack. I don't use the loofah. I heard that just using regular water is a is a better thing than using. You know, like really bars out. Yeah. Water, water actually has cleaning properties right. to it. I did, I've read that years ago, and I believe it. And, and that you don't have to fully. Foam your entire body up to get clean. Look at me. What do I have to yeah. clean? By the way, uh, women okay. women not only spend. I'm sorry, Casey, but uh, women spend seven weeks of their lives washing their face and four weeks of their lives exfoliating. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're adding. So the exfoliating, I would consider that part of the face washing process. No, no. Right? There's like specific products that kind of have like a, a grisly feel to them um, that will, yeah, exfoliate. Like emery boards. The, yeah, well, not that, not that much, but yeah, it will take off the dead skin or the dead cells, I guess, on your face. So what? What's your evening ritual as you're as you're prepping for uh, bed? Is it a multi-tier process? Uh, well, it depends on it. You know, usually if I go to the gym, then I shower earlier and um, you know I'll wash my face then and all that. But sometimes if I put on the uh, lotion after I shower, like if my face feels dry, yeah, then before I go to bed, I have to wash that off. Do you okay. lotion up your boobs every night, or <laughs> at what point do you take yeah. your panties off? Yeah. Oh God, they never come off. Um, hey, by the way, is, glued on. Is, is Matt Cowper still in the green room? Because that guy washes and exfoliates and moisturizes his face all the time. Uh, I don't know if he's, he's doing it right now with the hot dog. He, 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 he can't hear you because he's talking, though. Do you oh, want him to come in here? Yeah. yeah. It, wait, he's talking? I know, it's no. shocking. Can you have crazy. Cowper come in here, please? Because he Casey wants to ask him about his uh, cleaning. His grooming? His regimen. Um, and not only this, so uh, women spend seven weeks of their lives washing their face, four weeks of their lives exfoliating, and they also spend six weeks of their lives applying moisturizer and they spend three minutes per day doing so and three days wearing face masks total. Do you do the face mask thing? Um, yeah, so I will do that. I have one that I can do at home. Um, so like I the will, Wolfman? I will do that. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll wash my face in the morning and then at night is like 
absolute must. I have I have a picture. My my wife and daughter take a little. They'll do this the little ladies bath thing. Right, yeah. They yeah, put yeah. the bath bomb on and all that stuff and. And they'll put the mask on, and I came in one day, Steve, and it looked—they looked like Leatherface. Really? I mean, it was scary. Do I frighten you? It looks like their skin is peeling off of their face. I'll find a picture. Look what you've done to me! I took a picture of it. Uh, Matt Kelper is here from our what sales department. Up? Hey, dude. What up, Casey? You're you're a very well groomed individual. Wednesdays usually are uh, the bathroom day because I, I can smell your products. After. This week will be Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> do, you, do you exfoliate? Do you uh, use do. moisturizer? I do. Uh, so I clean my face twice a day. Really? Um, I use this Neutrogena product. To uh, It's a soap product that's supposed to be really good for your skin. All so right. you don't get acne and those but you, types of things. That's you work out in the oil. morning, right? Yeah, I yeah. usually work out like around 5.30 in the morning, okay. 5.15, 5.30, depending. Um, but I use this uh, skin cream that's really good. Um, it helps with wrinkles. It keeps your, I guess, your face fresh and young. Fresh. Fresh, young. Like, a, called, like yeah, a college co-ed? Yeah, it's called uh, Revision Skin Care. It's got a vitamin C, like a high dose of vitamin C in it. It's really good for We know it by its commercial name, Nutella. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but you, you also, so, and you, you like, I mean, so the pro, do you actually like the process? Do you like the whole, yeah. okay, all right. Before you go to bed, how long is the process? Uh, five minutes. Okay. Ish. So, Kathy, how long is your process before you go to bed? Before I go, well, but see, I, I will shower, um, like I said, earlier in the day, usually after the gym. So, just doing the face and stuff like that, probably only five minutes as well. Right. By the way, I can actually smell Matt from over here. You just smell clean. But here's the I key. can smell it coming from over here. Here's the key. They say not they say actually showering's bad for you. Like yeah, showering. I know. They they actually suggest you should shower like once every like two, three days. Yeah. Casey's been telling us that for years. I shower I shower twice a day. Which which probably is not good for the skin. I can't but. I die though if I if I feel that I'm offending in any way odor wise <laughs> and I have to feel clean. I and, and here's what I do. I, I, I shower every morning. It's part of my waking up thing. So before whether, you go go. Yeah, before I go go. <laughs> and then I work out uh, midday when I get home and instead of doing a full redo full on shower. I just get in the shower and I hose off. I just just water, strictly water, and I'm fine. I don't yeah. smell bad or anything. I just get the sweat off of me and cool down a little bit so I don't continue sweating. How I'm- often a day do you bidet? Because now I do it. I don't have a day at all. Well, yeah. I think it's the soap. It's uh, it's like the soap that dries your skin out. Because yeah. I don't yeah. use soap when I shower. So yeah. Am I, is that okay? Putting water on you, i got to imagine, has zero effect but on But I, I don't care. I, I will use soap every single time. I sometimes shower twice a day as well. And I will get out, and I love feeling clean. Like, I'll actually... Oh, I- I you know what's really good to use? And I love myself. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I don't. I don't use like regular soap or even like the Dial gel soap or whatever you call that stuff. I use this tea tree oil soap. Oh my god! Which is supposed to be a really good for your skin. It avoids like any sort of funguses and bacteria and what things. Is this? It wow. removes all like odors and smells from your body. It, it's amazing stuff. I get it online and it's phenomenal. There's oh, some Texas that are saying that Matt's just like uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saying the same. I, mean, I would make fun of you, but you're already making fun of yourself, man. <laughs> all right, I found he, this. He, but it, it works. I want to your guys. Reaction, I found the picture of my wife and daughter with their, uh, their masks <laughs> on their faces. Wow, that does not look that, like something out of a horror it film. Yeah, it, it, looks is, like. it is. <laughs> you know what they look like, Preston? They look like from Saw. Yes. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. 
I came in and saw that. I'm like, well, I have to leave. It, it's terrifying. But <laughs> it's all part of the beauty regimen. Absolutely. Uh, and, and eventually that dries and falls off, right? Women also spend nine days, this is of their lives, nine days plucking their eyebrows and ten days painting their nails. So, oh, man. So, I would assume that you're... A guy who's as attentive to his uh, hygiene and, and his outward appearance as you are, you're you're probably in that realm, right? I mean, you, Kathy's your time your time spent at night is similar to Matt's. Yeah, it is. Right. So I uh, I dodged a bullet the other day because I had to. My eyebrows were getting out of control, so I I have like a little razor that I use, <laughs> uh, trimmer. And it usually I has a trimmer too. I yeah. do, I do the yeah I do my eyebrows, and it has a guard on it. Yep. And I just assumed. <laughs> That the guard was on it. Oh, oh no. no! Did you trim him too short? Dude, Kathy, I am so lucky that I didn't go all the way down to the, the matrix. Yeah, like I yeah. normally do with with the guard, because I did my left eyebrow without even realizing it, and then it wasn't until oh I got god. to my right eyebrow. I was like, oh my god, the guard's not on here. Oh, um, I have it on vanilla ice. <laughs> I have it on the vanilla ice setting. There are people who could do this for you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I can do it myself. I just, I took the guard off. I can't remember why I took the guard off, but I did. And I, I mean, I, because re- normally if I have the guard on, I, I just, you know, you put it right down my, yeah. make sure the safety is on. Oh my God. I did that one time with, uh, with my razor, but I, I, there's a guard on there and it's, it's an adjustable guard. So you can yeah. set it from zero, you know, all the way up to seven or eight or whatever it is. And I, I was, I was going to do my face, and I shaved half my mustache off. I didn't realize it was set on zero. Oh no! And then you just got to shave the whole damn thing. Up. That's the the glory of having no eyebrows or no hair whatsoever. It's just you, you you never screw up. Yeah. It all comes off all the time. I mean, honestly, I wish I did take care of myself the way you know Calper does, and you know maybe not to that extent or whatever. But it's just it just takes up too much time. You're saying like seven and a half weeks. How much sleeping I could be doing with that? Well, listen, you you need a, a, obviously an inordinate amount of time to be pounding that loofah up your ass. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's part of the process where for you. you. Where'd you get this from, Matt? Is this any of your siblings or your parents or anybody have this trait? Gum gum. No, if you if you've ever met my dad, and I think Casey has maybe once or twice, he's like the total like guys guy. Yeah. Like he is. Dude. Just, yeah. He's like you know, blue collar. Yeah. Just not yeah. like you. No, no, I just... Any brothers? This my face mask I have, a, mask I have right. a sister that's four years older than me, and I probably have more products than she does. <laughs> <laughs> what about your wife? Who has more products in the bathroom, you or your wife? Um, well, Carrie, I mean, Carrie, you know Carrie. Yeah, right? this is great. She, I mean, she takes good care of herself, but yeah. I probably have more products than <laughs> she does as well. Uh, I don't... I don't awesome. Listen, I, I, you're not a... Sweet. There's no I'm reason... 40, listen, I'm 44 years yeah. old. The ultimate compliment you can have is when you meet somebody for the first time and they say, you're 44 or, oh, my God, you look 30 or you look 35 or you look 36. Like, the ultimate compliment you can get is when somebody tells you you look younger than what you really do. I thought you never would be the guy that's like, oh, you're 44, you look like you're six. All right, so who, who, uh, out of me, Nick, and Cowper, who looks the oldest? Because we're all the exact same age. Nick is freshly, uh, fairly freshly. I look younger shaven. when I shave. Yeah, um, yeah, you do. You look like yeah. I'm used facial to the... hair makes you look a little bit older, I think. So yeah. I would say right now, Nick, I look the oldest, the youngest, the youngest. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I have a baby face. Well, thank you, man. The cutest Thanks, little baby kid. face. It's been thick. <laughs> it has been. It's been totally <laughs> sick. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. That um, is. A, that's a. That's a. That's a peek into the world of uh, Matt Cowper preparation. Hey, we got to take a break. Uh, let's. All right. Uh, we can. We can look over there. We will gladly do that, and we will be right back. Stay with us. If you like what you hear. 
he can see it too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. Want to see something funny? Uh, or maybe really messed up? Well, watch The Daily Rush at PrestonandSteve.com. It's a sight to behold. Or something like that. From 93.3 WMMR. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. The Purina National Dog Show is Saturday and Sunday at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. If I've done math correct, and I may have done it incorrectly... But our next guest has been hosting this for 17 years. We'll find out if that number is correct or not. Please welcome the one and only Mr. John O'Hurley. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you very much. Joy to be here. This is actually year number 18. 18. 18. Yes, if you're proud. We have talked over the years about this and spoken about the event. Is it still, John, I believe, one of the single most viewed events on television, if not the most viewed during, viewed during the course of the year. I would say next to Super Bowl, the National Dog Show presented by Purina is number one. <laughs> it's it's, it's thirty, uh, roughly 32 million people watch it. It's, it's staggering, the number. And it goes up. Here's the odd thing. It goes up every year. Yeah, yeah. And, and where everything else is a slow descending spiral, including my career. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be kind of working against uh, gravity. You are a fan of uh, of. Uh, Canines, and uh, we are. Both, this is a big pet city. It used to have a bad reputation, and and it's it's turning around. A lot of great charities. I'm doing an, an animal charity event tomorrow, uh, and uh, so here is a perfect place for it. And I think that's probably uh, part and parcel of the increase in the audience. I think more and more people are are letting their their pet fandom. Yeah, shine yeah, you know? exactly, and also you know it's a wonderful. The Kennel Club of Philadelphia is just a wonderful partner in this. That we they've they, since they've licensed the show to NBC as the National Dog Show over this uh, eighteen years, they've been extraordinary to us, and it's been wonderful to watch it grow. Not only as a television event, but as a you know as a live event. Uh, if, and I would recommend anybody with uh, kids and the family bring them on down to the uh, Expo Center there. Uh, this weekend, especially Saturday for the taping of the show, it's uh, it's just it's, it's a, a great venue. Event. We we have we have we have uh, you know we have a lot of events there, and it's just it's perfect for this. It sure is. Yeah. Oh, and this this is one of the last bent, remaining benched shows, which means that the dogs, the owners, the handlers, everybody has to remain uh, on property all day long, so huh? that you can walk up and down the aisles. There's two thousand of the top dogs in the country, and representing, uh, I think we have 196 breeds, different wow. breeds. Uh, that, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. So. 18 years of hosting this, how good have you gotten at uh, spotting the winner? Picking the winner. Uh, the uh, I, I've gotten much better. Have you? Much be- well, you know, it's you so that this, means uh, you're betting on it now. <laughs> it is, right? it's, uh, I have uh, you have this unconscious database where you remember, uh, you know, you'll see a golden retriever and you go, "That is the best golden retriever I've seen in 18 years." Wow, and, you know, it, it, and uh, uh, so I'm getting a little bit better. At you, it. you know what's great too is that, the, and I, I, I we've discussed this before that that this is sort of a step off from best in show where the mm-hmm. uh, you know it's okay, let's let's continue this and let's actually do this. And uh, and you 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 bring a uh, your your natural uh, wit and sensibility to the presentation. Well, 
it allows me to say some of the stupidest things I've ever said. I'm telling you, the, fir- the first year when they brought the old English sheepdog up to the judge, um, and the old English sheepdog happens to be 80 pounds of hair and two pounds of actual dog. They brought her up. Uh, they brought the, uh, the the sheepdog up, and um, and this elegantly gowned woman, the the judge, walks around to the back of the dog, and she starts p- picking up all of the hair and putting her hands all over the back of the dog. And I turned to David Fry, my co-host. I said, David, can you explain what she's doing? He says, John, she's putting her hands on the dog <laughs> to make sure that make sure that the shoulders and the hips align with the written specification of what the perfect old right. English sheepdog should be. He said, mm-hmm. because you can hide a really bad dog with a really good haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, you're telling me I went to junior prom. And it, gets, and it gets worse. She walks around to the front of the dog and then she starts picking through all of the hair on the head yeah. of the dog. And I said, David, what is she doing now? He says, John, she's trying to find the eyes oh, wow. to gauge the attentiveness of the dog. And I said, really? I said, well, if she picks through all of that hair and she finds only one eye, she's got the wrong end of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact they let you do that, uh, that you know, that, that obviously uh, I think people are looking for that, that sort of uh, that sort of approach. You know, those Christopher Guest movies like a best in show, they, they show the, the quirkiness of any group of people. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that the dog shows has their uh, theirs as well. It and does. I'm sure you've seen it's, all types of characters over know, the years. It's, it's like curling in Canada. Right. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. The people that are curlers just travel around in groups. You it's, know, what it's what a, they do. And, it's what they do. Yeah. And, and, and you, you know, it's what's interesting about uh, the dog show is that in order to um, host the dog show, they have to consider all of the RVs that are parked out in the lots. Yeah. That, I mean, they have to consider that, in the, which is why when you look for an arena to do a show, not every arena can support it because mm-hmm. of the number of RVs. People, they live in their RVs. The, a lot of them are semi-retired or retired, and this is what they do. They take their dogs it's, it's a It is an event that is surrounded by a culture, that's surrounded by a lifestyle, and, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it's, again, anything of this nature, even things that I am not partic- I don't drink yet, I'm into... Uh, the wine culture and and what goes into people who are aficionados and and, and who enjoy this stuff. Let me get this straight. <laughs> You don't drink, and yet you're into the wine. I, I, right? is talk about self-torture. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but I, I love people who are engaged. I love when people are engaged by something. I, mm. I feed off that. I like to see that. Preston uh, plays golf, uh, and uh, and I, I don't. But I, uh, the, the culture of golf fascinates me. Mm-hmm. You know, so so in this case, I am, I am a dog owner. I love dogs. Uh, and and so this this whole thing. But people who get that into it, the minutia, all of that stuff... Has your has your um, has your own interest and participation because you you are a dog owner yourself? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, has that increased exponentially, or did it in fact mitigate it? After all this? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I still love. I mean, yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love dogs. Absolutely love dogs, and I'm a kinder man and a gentler man with mm-hmm. a dog in my lap. I've written that many times, but uh, but you know, I, I the the dog show world itself is not something that. Attracts me personally. Okay. I don't think I would get into it. It doesn't. Uh, I, I enjoy the spectacle of it. And right. I enjoy certainly, and certainly from a hosting standpoint, uh, I really enjoy it very much. But uh, but it's it's good for the one or two days a year that we do it. I have additionally, I have the uh, the uh, Beverly Hills Dog Show now that we right. do on NBC, and we have that in uh, early uh, uh, early April. Now. Compare and contrast. The uh, the well, uh, the one, Beverly Hills Dog Show. One, I would say that the the Kennel Club of Philadelphia is a little bit more stricter of a of of, of a 
of, of a dog show. It's right. an Eastern style show. But then you have, uh, you know, when you get out into La Laville there, you know, we more Botox. A lot of plastic surgery on the dog. <laughs> big, big. You know, a lot of implants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we have a, we, I think we, we have a little more fun with it out there, and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of celebrity driven. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, so we have a little fun with it. So. John, I wanted to ask you about your, your book, The Perfect Dog. I understand there was a theater production last night. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And how was that? Was that fun last night? Oh, it's fun. You know, they've included this now, the production, every year um, on, uh, on National Dog Show Week. They call it here now. So uh, uh, it's wonderful to see that what, what what started off as a simple poem that I wrote to my son one night when he asked me a question. He says, Daddy, is the dog that's best in show? He said, is that a perfect dog? And I said, well, that's an interesting question. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to answer you in a poem. And so I sat there and I wrote this ode to the perfect dog. And it talks about all the elements of the what the perfect dog would have. Right. And then, uh, But it ends with the phrase, the dog that is perfect is the one next to you. Mm. And, uh, and well he, said. And he has, uh, but in his case, it was a little stuffed puppy. <laughs> and so he, um, he he says to me last night over the phone, because he was he, not here, unfortunately, starring in Mary Poppins out there in his uh, his school, his oh. seventh grade, uh, or actually it's the high school production, yeah. but he's one of the kids in the production, so he's out there. But he said, Daddy, I want you to let everybody know that this is the first musical in the world that was inspired by a stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah. I said, there we go. John, I'm, so, I'm so glad you mentioned your son. My son is also in seventh grade, and uh, I, I had dogs growing up. I have two younger brothers. Um, my son has two right now, and it's really taught him to be a responsible young man. It, it, it takes work to own a dog, and it mm-hmm. takes work to clean up after them and walk them, but it, he's, a, he's a better kid because of the dogs in the house. Oh, I agree. And, and our, he, our, our son, you know, we got these dogs just about the time that he was an infant. So I would also say that was not a good idea yeah. because the dogs were always bigger than and they're, they're bigger than the child. And they're always, you know, they're not as playful. You know, they're, they, 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 you grow up scared. Yeah, of the sure. Dog. You don't yeah. want that. There, there, though, though, and I say this all the time. And, and as you know, we have, we have nine cats. We have a dog. We, you know, we, we, uh, we, you know, we're going to start doing senior dogs, you know, as, as we start to move along and, and bring those into the house, but you never hear, you never hear, you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy uh, was just cherished his kittens. You know, it was, <laughs> it's never, it's never that it's always there. If you, if you, if you don't respect animals, you don't respect, you're not going to respect people. You're not going to respect that life. And you never see that. It's never in the bio of someone who's gone way off the rails yeah, yeah. that they were wonderfully altruistic to animal causes. It was never the case. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, because obviously, and I was telling you as you were coming in, I've been in sort of a YouTube thing. I told Preston about it, about watching these outtakes of shows. Seinfeld, obviously, as, as Peterman and, 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 you know, a classic character. But you were responsible for a number of the, 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 the best segments um, and they usually involve Elaine, and there was the one with the uh, that I just think is one of the funniest freaking things to watch is her trying to keep it together uh, with the episode that involved the urban sombrero, mm-hmm. and, and the pitch has been made to you, and and you are questioning her decision on bringing this uh, uh, George in on this uh, on this. Uh, uh, this pitch, and 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 you just say in your classic, you know, mellifluous way, you know, Elaine, why would you, why would you bring? And she loses it over and over, and it goes on and on so much so that that by, 
by the end of it, you can see they're saying we're we're you're spending a lot of money <laughs> as you're this trying is, to get this, this together. Is, this is Precious Network time. <laughs> yeah. And and you you, you at all at most you crack a grin, uh, you know. Uh, but otherwise, you are you are spot perfect every time, and she cannot get it together. There, How often did that happen? Well, there. I mean, let me put it this way: I can see uh, going back on a couple of the episodes, I can see my right lip starting to curl. <laughs> It, it happened to me yeah. several times, and it would always be the monologues yeah, that I would yeah. get because they were so well written, and you could just chew them up. You know what I mean? You could, they were just yeah. like nice chewy monologues, <laughs> and and, uh, and and you tried, but you and you found yourself laughing at yourself, and yeah. that's really bad. <laughs> well, well, you, well, I think the hardest thing to do, and we—it's the same reason I respond to uh, newscasters who get caught in the moment when they're they're reading something that should have some. Even mild gravitas, and it ends up they realize, okay, what am I, what am I imparting now? Yeah. Uh, in, in that case, it's 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 got to be very hard, especially with writers at that level, to keep it together. No. Did you ever, in fact, fully lose it? Oh, many times. Okay, many many, many yeah. times. Yeah, and it was always monologue driven. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Elaine, do you have any idea what happens to a butter-based frosting after six decades in a poorly ventilated British basement? <laughs> I have a feeling that what you're about to go through will be punishment enough. <laughs> I love it. It is I priceless dialogue. It. You, I was reading about your history. You have, I, mean, I knew about you before Seinfeld, and I, but I forgot. Um, you had done a few Baywatch episodes, did you not? <laughs> and you had, you had played an evil yacht club owner. I really? oh, I did. I did several. You uh, did Baywatch did nights as well. I and, and I also wow. did several episodes of Baywatch. In fact, I did get. Mouth to mouth from Pamela Anderson. Oh, wow! Yeah, really? I, uh, yeah, I was uh, there drowning on the beach there, and she was. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, uh, what kind of experience? Because people don't remember the first the show premiered on NBC, and it was a bit of a dud. Mm-hmm. Then David Hasselhoff actually purchased, I think, the rights to the show, became that mm-hmm. producer, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first syndicated shows that was kind of going across, you know, kind of bucking the trend. Oh yeah, and then it became a juggernaut, Megan, mega hit. Yeah, yeah really and, and and so you were. Uh, uh, and so, um, uh, what was that like being around that? Because I understand that the, the beach was perpetually filthy. Uh, it was cold. Oh, it was a miserable show to do out in the Santa Monica Bay because uh, the bay was not particularly clean. Um, and uh, and you never know once they tossed in the water what was, you know, six feet underneath you. Right, and I right, just right. had no idea. Uh, you know, you, saw, you see the shark fin and that's it. You know, it's, it's gosh, I'm going to miss him. <laughs> but Pamela Anderson, at that time, she was the Oh, well, not, not just her, but the whole, the whole cast. Oh, sure, oh sure. everybody filled out a bathing suit quite well. Yeah. <laughs> nothing like um, and, and nothing like a little spandex to <laughs> Did you ever have your shirt off in any of those episodes? Uh, let I was me on the beach. Think about that. I don't think I did. Well, maybe I did. Okay. I know I, I know I walked into the water like Sherman's <laughs> March to the Sea Bear and I think that's where, <laughs> But I think I was, a, I was a grieving father. I think I was going in to just kind of end it all. I so think you, you were not at that point an evil yacht club owner? Not, not that. No, okay. that was a different character. Okay. That was a different character. Yeah, but she, yeah, they, could, they could have the same actor in for... <laughs> they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so Baywatch Nights, if people uh, don't remember, Preston and I often laughed about this. It was This was their... 
Hasselhoff, uh, apparently X-Files and things had, had, had were were popular, and he thought, well, we'll, we'll do a spin on the same show. So that mm-hmm. when Mitch Buchanan was not uh, on the beach rescuing people during the day, he was mm-hmm. investigating uh, crimes and homicides. Homicides, yes. Homicide. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> also, but also in spandex. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, do you remember your, your experience on that show? Uh, not very much. <laughs> you no, know, it's, it's funny. You blocked it, it out? It, uh, yeah, well, it, it's kind of this cultural swirl that yeah. I just kind of let go now. I didn't, uh, in fact, had you not reminded me of it, I mean, as you can see, I'm having this little tick now. <laughs> if you're just tuning, tuning in, it's John O'Hurley, who's in town with the Purina Annual National Dog Show. When you got started, when you when you decided, you know, I'm going to take a shot at acting, were you already in Los Angeles, or did you go there to do it? Or no, I, I, I started in 1981 in New York City, and uh, York, okay. I was literally Broadway. Uh, uh, I studied opera and um, went into uh, Broadway for the first part of my career and then discovered then I discovered daytime television and I realized that that was you know you could move the decimal point over one if you were on daytime very lucrative time in daytime too and uh, and I I did um, I I was about uh, eight years in daytime I did I was the first twin brothers on daytime (laughs) do tell which uh, which uh, show was it that was on a show called Loving Loving lasted until mid 90s from like 83 till mid 90s I think Mm -hmm. and uh, curious story about that because when you play twin brothers on television they have to find a body double for you so they searched around and they found this guy who looked approximately my height and from uh, the hair color my hair was jet black then I looked like um, um David Copperfield, okay, <laughs> all right, my twin brother. Uh, so anyway, they found this guy, and um, he was a uh, bouncer down at the Limelight, an old uh, church that had become a nightclub. I remember he that was, place. He, yes, he would hang by the velvet rope and say, "Not going to happen for you tonight." <laughs> it was um, it was sort of a freaky. It was indeed. Place, yeah. So they found him, and during the day, he was my body double, which means they would shoot over his shoulder at me, yeah. and then flip around the other way so that I could talk to myself. I could have fist fights with myself. <laughs> and, uh, uh, anyway, so that's that's how that's how that went. But this guy was the worst actor in the world. And it, I would ask them, the producer, I say, please don't have him say my lines. He's driving me nuts. <laughs> so they were nice and just said, you stand there, and that's all you have to do. So for about nine, there I am. Oh so, wow! So You're for right, about that nine, is, so so for about nine months. This uh, guy played my body double. Yeah. And he'd always say, well, I don't think they're going to need me anymore, so I'll go down to my dressing room because I'm working on my play. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm doing a, I'm working on my play. It's, it's uh, the stories of my life. You know, and I go, well, good for you. you know, it, was, it was Chaz Palminteri. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. So, well, I was my wondering. Bo- that's who my body, he was there writing uh, Bronx Tale. Bronx Tale. Oh, oh, my God. As, so my, we've had as my here. body double, oh, yes, he's a wonderful guy. I love Chad. Every time we wow. see him, we, we just chuckle at each other. You know, when, when he, cause we, today we look nothing no, like you each other. Be able to uh, um, no, but he. So we've had him. We love that. Love yeah. that play. Love that the, the yeah. movie that uh, yeah. De Niro directed and the whole thing. But I was wondering. I, don't wow. tell me this is Charles Palminteri. Uh, that's that's wild. So soap operas are a demanding thing. I, I know that for a fact. I mean, there's yeah, I don't really as the world turns. I believe is they're talking about that going off now. Well, um, all my children. I all think my children. They, I right. All my children's off. That's well, gone. I yeah. think uh, the, the, the only two. I think Bold and Beautiful is still there. There's, Young and Restless is there's there. There's four that are still around. It oh, might really? be they're still days. Yeah, remember they they and just the General Hospital. Days they just canceled everybody's contract. Right. Working without a contract right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. all my yeah. children tried to do an online like continue it online. I was on actually. I, uh, Susan Lucci and I, who have been married four times.
names, I think, to each other <laughs> in various in various pieces of entertainment. Um, Erica came, right? I took, I, yeah. Yes, I came on and I took her off the air. Uh, she and I went off on our jet together. Yeah. I love her. Wow. And, and specifically because of all my children, that was and my... I will, I will tell you privately and now publicly. Okay. <laughs> the best kisser on daytime television. Wow. wow. Out questions. She well, being on a soap opera, you get a lot of practice. We are uh, sure. Do. <laughs> but I'm sure you encountered those who were not. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, and this is something that I, I think everyone has wondered who has not been in a situation like this. Uh, it, it's got to be pleasant. It, does it? Does it transcend? Does blood rush? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I'll tell you a funny story about that. So uh, you know the 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 the, the set. Of a show is set up on is set up with several individual sets. Right. So uh, on Loving, for instance, they had this big grand ballroom that was the centers piece called the Alden, of uh, the Alden right. the, or the Alden Mansion. Right next to that was a bedroom where I am lying in bed doing a bed scene. Now I'm wearing those little <laughs> nude little panties that you wear, sure, like, that, yeah. like that. flesh and colored. that's it, flesh colored. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm doing the love scene. And we are going hot and bothered at it. And the scene ends. And then the cameras just go away. And then you're just kind of left there, you know. So, but when they, what they did was they went over and they did the ending shot of the show, which everybody, there's this enormous black tie affair going on in the big uh, yeah. drawing room of the mansion. And the cameras are kind of floating around and catching the activity and stuff. And then they're rolling the credits over that. <laughs> well, I get up out of bed. In my nude skivvies, and I walk into the set, into the party, and I grab a glass of champagne. Oh, that's great. And I let them roll the credits over. Oh. I'm standing there, fuck ass naked, awesome. in, 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 in the middle of the show, and, and I never said anything. And then they said, okay, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Speaking yeah. of rap, we're going to have to wrap shortly, so I, I wanted to get to something uh, real quick. I'm sure you're, uh, did you cut some voiceovers for our sister station, Ben FM, while you're in town? They have you do that this time around? Oh, I've been jiggy with it, yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, we were curious if you might be able to do a couple of voice things for us real quick, because a little while back I had this idea, if we were to cast... WMMR, the movie. Yes. Who would play who? And we went right. down a list of people, and we had people uh, suggest, and we eventually narrowed down the cast of the WMMR movie. What celebrities would play? Exactly. And playing our program director, Bill Weston, John O'Hurley. Yeah. Overwhelming choice. Yes. Well, that's interesting. I would. I was hoping he'd have higher standards. <laughs> <laughs> he. Is, so to understand Bill Weston, he is. He. He is has a, a bit of your delivery. Mm-hmm. He. He is somewhere between Peterman and Ted Knight. <laughs> so uh, yeah, right. Yeah, and that yeah, would agreed. be right. And agreed. that would be the, the deal. So. So we we figured uh, we'd we'd come up actually. Steve did come up with some lines that that might be indicative of Bill. Mm-hmm. These are things that he has said in various forms. And uh, we're calling this the Bill Weston story. Soup, there it is. Bill <laughs> hates soup. Uh, it's a long story. I so didn't a know, lot of this is very inside. Do we have any soap opera music which would. Uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay. If uh, you wouldn't mind, give us a couple of Bill Weston lines. That'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay. Preston, try to refrain from mentioning on air that you occasionally use band aids. It makes you sound privileged. <laughs> 
I just saw the most amazing thing while driving in today. Firefighters were collecting donations at various intersections. Is that a Jewish thing? <laughs> So last night, I was jarred awake from my slumber by a horrible nightmare. Both Preston and Steve were there in the studio, sitting on horses and eating soup. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's say we file that one under, who gives a crap? <laughs> recently widowed quadruple amputee was a terrible guest. She didn't bring the ha-ha. <laughs> Perfect. And last one. On today's show, you had the Pope driving in a go-kart, you solved the John Bonet Ramsey case, and you raised Kurt Cobain from the dead. I'd give it a C+. Plus. <laughs> I couldn't have asked her my All God, that fame. was absolutely yeah, perfect. Loved it, loved it. Although exaggerated, those are things that he has said. <laughs> yes. In various forms. Quite well, similar. I love the idea. Uh, occasionally used band-aids. It just makes you sound <laughs> privileged. <laughs> that was a riff. Even Preston John was simply talking about going to the doctor. <laughs> Even John picks up on that, yeah. that word. Uh -huh. Privilege. <laughs> uh, it's always great to see you. You as well. Thank you. Enjoy the dog show while you're in town. Ladies and gentlemen, John O'Hurley. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Ever wondered where to get the latest MMR gear? Maybe you should pay attention to these promos we work so hard on. <laughs> I said, uh, never mind. Why, it's the MMR Rock Shop, of course, at WMMR.com. It's quite the upgrade from when we were selling stuff out of the trunk of that rusted-out 75 Chevy Nova. So log on and shop to your little heart's content. Tennis shops no longer required. From 93.3 WMMR. All the merch that rocks. All right, our next guest is here, and uh, he is an adventurer taking some serious risks, but all in the name of science and exploration. Uh, I could go through all his accolades, but we're just going to talk to him. Uh, it's a National Geographic live event uh, called View from Above. Please welcome astronaut Terry Burt. Yeah. Program. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Nice to see you, Terry. Thanks for being here. Yeah. While you were walking up, we were saying, for a person like yourself, who's been farther than most people ever... Uh, to get stuck in traffic must just be such a joy. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Uh, so we're, we're really stoked about having you here this morning. Um, uh, and just to uh, give some people a little bit of background, uh, Terry has not only been the pilot of the space shuttle, the Endeavor, uh, STS-130, I think it was. It was, yeah. And also... Uh, you have flown on a uh, on the Soyuz uh, spacecraft as well, commanded the International Space Station for 200 days, uh, and also have uh, performed spacewalks as well. Did I cover all that correctly? I did, and okay. and I spent my summers in York, PA. With my York, PA. Uncle. Well, there okay. you go. Learned how to ski at Jack Frost. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. so you're familiar with the area. I'm from around here, yeah. From Maryland. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. Right. Uh, what, uh, Columbia? Columbia, for the most part, yeah. Okay. Right. Oh, man. All right. Uh, how, where does, where does your trajectory into space start? It started for me in kindergarten. I mean, really? literally, the first book I ever read was about space. I grew up with pictures of airplanes and rockets on the wall. So just when I was little, I wanted to do it. And um, 
Was there a particular a person that you you idolized? Did you, were you like a Chuck Yeager, or was there somebody that you fixated on, or just the the entire program in general? So, of course, Neil and Buzz, you know, yeah, yeah. on the moon. Um, when I was a teenager, I read a book called The Right Stuff. It's which a masterpiece. Is amazing. Love it. And uh, actually, the night before my first launch, me and the commander watched that movie. It's and so good. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, in as a lot of ways, it ended up describing my career. But as a kid, it really motivated me and, and also told me well, I didn't know. I mean, I wasn't born in the royal family of astronauts. You know, yeah. I didn't know I was going to grow up to do this. So uh, it was really an inspiration. So the Air Force Academy, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and, and and so you, you, you get your chops there and you move on to what is, I think, is, is, is an amazing terrifying, um, super cool thing. You, you become a, a test pilot. You're testing out. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you've flown in 40 different plus um, aircraft. Um, and, and with that, there's an inherent risk, obviously, as, you, as it's depicted in the right stuff when Jaeger's right. asked to, to, to test out uh, deals. Uh, you know, is is just the, the, the overpowering, you know, I, I'm going to keep going, keep going. Does that overpower fear or is you have to have fear a little bit, some kind of fear or do you? You know, um, my uh, I, there's I, it must be a genetic defect. I think just as a pilot, I'm just not I just don't get afraid in those situations. Thank God for the defect, because <laughs> if we didn't have people like you, we would never have you know, we, we'd never have those leaps forward. Right. You I, know, I think um, the most <laughs> I, I was on. On DC 101, you guys know the radio? Sure. Yes, uh-huh. there, yeah. where they asked me the same question. Were you afraid of uh, of flying? And the the airplanes and the rockets and stuff didn't didn't make me scared. It was the fear of f- up that <laughs> Well, we can't Screwing say that. that. Yeah. I don't know what you can say. Astronaut. Potty mouth. Ooh. I love it. I, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, because clearly, you know, there's going to be fear because... B- bucket list check, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> to curse on terrestrial. Yeah, exactly. Um... But but uh, in in test piloting and uh, you guys take precautions. You 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 have step by step procedures you're going to do as you're going through to make sure that these right. these pieces of equipment <clears throat> operate the way they're intended to. And mm-hmm. you really don't know until you get up there and do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do have steps that you take to ensure that you're doing it a bit at a time to see where you can take the next step. Um, so I, I know you have those checks and balances in place. One of the questions I wanted to ask about uh, about flying experimental aircraft. Um, is Steve and I have always uh, pointed out that when they make cars and they show you the concept cars, you're like, man, I hope they make that one day. <laughs> yeah. And then they right. never do. They the never... coolest looking ones they <laughs> yeah. never make. Right. Are there any aircraft where you're like, boy, I hope this one really makes it to the uh, makes it to the finish line? Yeah, you know, uh, there was a thing called the X-29, and the wings were actually pointed forward, mm-hmm. and you get less drag. And, like, if you're maneuvering a lot, you can just maneuver better that way. I saw pictures of this thing. It looked cool, but what's what's, why did it... it, Well, I don't know why they they built a test version of it. Yeah. People flew it and then they never built it. It's hard to make the wings on that thing. Because uh, they have a tendency to want to break off, which is bad. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's, it's, it's right. structural. Other than that, it's a great it's yeah. structural integrity yeah. issue. <laughs> the shuttle program. Uh, when I was a kid, you and I are the same age. You're 51. I, I turn okay. 51 next week. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, when I was a kid, uh, the Enterprise. I lived in St. Louis, so we went out to Lambert Field. Right. And when they were flying it across country on that right. 747, they landed it there. So I went right. with my parents to see it, and I was telling these guys, as cool as that was. 
Uh, what I didn't know is these two T-38s came flying in first. I'm like, look at those things. Those are badass. And you were part of that program too, right? The T-38s? It, yes. So we that's our main training that we do as astronauts. And okay. It, it's actually the best. It's not learning the specifics of, you know, how to fly the shuttle or how to operate whatever system on the station. But it's it's real life. And it's training your brain to think ahead and not be afraid. And, you know, the decisions you make actually affect you like you die if you don't make the right decision if you're in a simulator if you screw up you just turn it off and walk out but uh but you say so you say your fear your fear is uh, effing up <laughs> but 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 that's the only fear to, to be that that systematic you know uh, you know there, there's some in the right stuff there are a number of situations that are depicted oh, where, yeah. where they're where they're showing you know they, they're, you're, you're basically sitting i i you're sitting on a huge explo- a bomb you know when yeah. when, they, when the launch takes place um, so you go up on the, the Soyuz, you traveled up uh, to the International Space Station on the Soyuz, and you launched from the Cosmodrome. Right, in Baikonur. Right, which is, is, is now that is the largest space facility on Earth, is it not? It, it's huge. So yeah, g- yeah, it's give huge. us your impressions of that and what that was like. Oh, that was amazing. It was like going back in, to the 1960s. In fact, there's a lot of launch pads, but... The, when I launched, we used the same one that Yuri Gagarin launched from. Oh my so God! It's a mind blow because you would know. see footage of you'd see footage. Now, no, I'm older, but I remember seeing you know you'd see the the footage. The Russians are up to this, and they would yeah. show the launches. You're like, oh my God! And it created a sense of panic, but it's yeah. also very cool. You it know? was cool. I mean, it you know the best part of my mission was being up there with the Russians. I was good friends with those guys. We yeah, stay in, where you still text each other, and uh, we really had a good time. There was a lot of happening down here on Earth. <laughs> yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wearing that button out. Terry, you uh, can't say those words. I know you're really smart and an astronaut, but we... <laughs> oh, man. F word is out. S word is out. All right, I got okay. it. All right. Um, my bucket list keeps on getting checked off. So anyway, yeah, the the experience of flying with those guys was amazing, and it was pretty cool to be from that same launch pad. I used to joke with, with them because... Uh, they were in the Russian Air Force, and and I would say, hey, the U.S. Air Force has a long tradition of being here in Baikonur. Yeah. You know, we're flying today. Back in the day, Gary Powers came over in his U-2, so, you know, the U.S. Air Force has been visiting here for a Right, time. the U-2, the spy yeah. incident. Yeah, no, that's cool. I want to ask about the shuttle versus the Soyuz uh, <clears throat> program. Completely different. Uh, totally, yeah. Yeah, you have, uh, you know, uh, a spacecraft that you can land uh, on uh, and that actually on a runway and reuse. Uh, the Soyuz is more of a capsule-based spacecraft, right. uh, which you do at a, an Earth landing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how um, piloting that? And, and now we know you're a pilot of the um, of the space shuttle, but you you weren't the pilot of Soyuz, were you? No. Okay. No. So is that? Are you just kind of? A, obviously, you have duties to do, but at that point, are you kind of along the, for the ride? Oh yeah, the okay. landing. I wanted to ask about that because yeah. the braking system that's used before you guys hit the ground. Uh, there's a big burst of uh, yes of, of a uh, of an engine. What is that like? The Ru- well, the Russians call it the soft landing rockets. <laughs> yeah, it should be called less of a crash landing. Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Right, because that's what they say. It's it's like, it's like driving into a telephone pole. Oh, oh my god! god. Really? god. Wow. Okay. And with that, by the way, the photographs that you've been yeah. taking, and there's a classic photo that I, I became aware of before I became aware of you know exactly who had taken it. Uh, around the time of uh, Leonard Nimoy's death, it's, yes. your, it's you doing the the Vulcan peace sign, the you know, live long and prosper right. through a window over Earth, over I believe it was Boston, yeah. right, which yeah. is uh, Leonard Nimoy's birth city. It is. It was amazing. In fact, that's one of the stories I tell. I use that picture, and uh, we had a saying in the F sixteen, "I'd rather be lucky than good." Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. 
I did not plan that. I, I, I didn't have any time. Uh, I was just, I got an email that said, hey, Leonard Nimoy died. You know, Spock passed away. Can you do something? I got this picture of the sign and Earth, and I didn't know it, but in the background was Boston. So, Oh, so wow. that was happenstance. Well, it, it was completely, completely that's unplanned. Crazy. It was no just, kidding. Yeah. Right, so the first but it was time... really cool. It was a great tribute to Leonard. No, were you, were you a, a Star Trek a fan? I was. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit, be- you know, it was before I was born, but yeah. I liked it. And yeah. I, it was, I was more in the movies. So the TV show was before, but, you know, they're still showing those old. Oh, rooms, yeah, all so. the time. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily know how to ask this question, so I'm just going to say it this way. Well, um, we, need the, well we need the button. <laughs> yeah, you will not need the we button. We got it. We got it. Um, but is there anything you, is there anything you can say or, or that you have said to flat earthers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. You know, I went to England this one time, and I was on this the British news, and they wanted to talk about flat Earth. And I'm with like, uh, Piers Morgan, gotta, yeah, with Piers Morgan, yeah, yes. Yeah. You guys got to be you're killing me. <laughs> this guy out in Seattle wanted to build a rocket to climb up to a thousand feet. Uh-huh. What <laughs> a thousand <laughs> feet to prove that the Earth was? Yeah, you know, I'm like, okay. So if the Earth was flat, and when I launched to the east, going seventeen thousand miles an hour, I'd still be flying off to the east. You know, thankfully it's not. It's round, and I came back around and landed. Um, so, yeah, you know. But there's no, we were, Preston and I were talking about this. I think it, it's more, there is there is more of a, um, more of a need to be part of a, of a group than to actually have it predicated on any real science or fact. In other words. So there's no science. I think it's no, way to get Twitter followers or something. Maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah. Or And, then, and if they it's, believe that, you know, they're, they're, if they want to believe that, that's their deal. But. There is, I mean, you you have been there. You, yeah. you know, I just don't get it. But yeah. they explain it. Does it boggle you, uh, your mind, that it's still a fairly pervasive perception? I think. It's just a way to get, like, if you're a rapper or something, and you <laughs> get, get some press. It gets you some press. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Maybe that's it. It does, but I, I believe some people believe it, and it's just it, it blows me away because well, the amount of of man hours, people, engineering, science, people who have died, and all these other things that have happened for decades aren't enough proof for you. Well, I think it speaks to a bigger issue in that. Okay, flat Earth's one thing, but there's lots of things. If somebody says something, there will be a group of people that believe them. Right. So it's really important to like have policy and everything based in fact and science, and also each it's, and it, not it's, craziness. It's an incumbent on all of us to do our due diligence and do our re- don't do your own investigation. And don't do, just believe what right, you hear. Right? Yeah. yeah. Look into it. And, and by the way, that comment I made was not just about flat earthers, about people who deny this, that the space program is legitimate. The landing on the moon. Or just yeah. going into space, period. So I, but, I, I know, have to tell you, because I, I, I was telling Preston, I got the, the Oculus, uh, the, oh, the, yeah. the, the VR thing, and so I'm, I'm, I purchased a program from NASA that's a simulation of the of the, the, the Apollo 11, the landing on the moon, and the whole thing. And it's, it's accompanied with audio, and I guess I'm supposed to be Neil Armstrong and the oh, lamb cool. and the whole thing. I'm sitting on my couch and I'm uh-huh. and I'm sweating bullets. You know, <laughs> you were up there. You know, right. as you say, and you're you're cool as a cucumber. But you had an incident occur. I think it was uh, an alarm went off aboard the space station, and it was uh, explain what happened. Was it twenty? Oh yeah. So I wrote 15? an entire chapter. Yeah, my book view from above, chapter five, is about this. Um, the station has three different emergencies that we practice for: fire, which there's false alarms that happen. 
um, an air leak, which occasionally there's a false alarm. But uh, the third is an ammonia leak. Ammonia is the coolant, and ammonia is super deadly. Like yeah. They tell you if, if you smell it, you don't have to worry about it because you're going to die. It's okay. like <laughs> not good. Oh, wow. oh, that's comforting. So, And that alarm had never gone off ever in the history of the station. So one day it went off, and long story short, I don't want to give it away, but the main part about it wasn't the emergency. It was that we had to hang out on the Russian segment, and in the middle of all this mess with Russia, uh, the deputy prime minister called up and said, hey, you can stay as long as you want. We'll work together to get through this. So it was a great story of international cooperation. That's um, cool. So to us, to, you know, when we, we see the fuel gauge come on in our cars <laughs> and we start getting nervous, <laughs> you know, yeah. it is a context we can scarcely comprehend. That's why the T-38s are so good for astronaut training, because when the fuel gauge comes on that, you can't just, like, pull over and stop. You have to find a runway to land on. Yeah. And I've got all my best scary stories were in airplanes, and, you know, those are far, things far you more? have to deal with those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, space, there were some, too, but most of them were in F-16s or T-38s. Uh, I have I have uh, spacecraft questions and aircraft questions. <laughs> uh, somebody texts in, good question. Were you ever, and I don't think so, I think that by the time you got into the pilot program, they weren't around anymore. SR-71 Blackbird, was that already it, uh, retired by the time you were a pilot? I think that thing retired like a year or two after I got in, so I was too young for Okay, that. all right. Cool uh, airplane. How about uh, in spacecraft, uh, the uh, liftoff and getting into low Earth or- orbit or uh, returning to Earth? Yes. What is more exciting slash fun? Obviously, you, you are... You've got things to concentrate on, but I, I can imagine you, you don't let the experience get past you. Yeah, the launching is incredible. The sound, the noise, the shaking, all that. But the test pilot in me, like, you got to go from zero to 17,000 miles an hour, <laughs> which is a big deal. But you got to go from 17,000 to zero. And the uh-huh. test pilot in me, I think I thought that was even a bigger deal. Wow. It's not as flashy, so, right. so to speak, because... But it's hard to do, and the you'll you'll see pictures looking out the window. It's orange and pink, and the flashing coming back in the Soyuz. The air, the shuttle was like an airliner. I mean, it's kind of gentle. The the g forces are not that big. The Soyuz is more like riding a bowling ball, and that thing was like Mr. Toad's wild ride. It was crazy. You no said kidding. when you first saw wow. the, um, the Earth, you you said it was as if you had lived your life in from space. You'd live your life in black and white, and finally saw what color was right. And and the blues you'd never seen before. Right. Do you act? Do you do you get emotional? Um, I did. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to see like you're not on the planet anymore. Yeah. You're in space, and there's Earth down there. You know. And for me, it was it was emotional. But I had to fly the shuttle, so it was like <laughs> I can't believe what I'm seeing. All right, back to you know, turn the hydraulic pumps off. Uh, it's like it's when a, I'm driving. You know, like we were driving up Mount Washington. Right. And like I'm driving, right? It's a, it's a scary road, so I have to pay attention. Everybody else gets. And then to you see. hit zero G. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody exactly. gets to see. And exactly. I'm like, well, yes. When, <laughs> when you do pierce the the envelope of space for the first time, I, I assume you did it. As a, as, a, as a regular pilot, correct? I mean, you 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 sort of touch the edge of. I mean, oh, on an F sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I fifty thousand feet as high as that went, and okay. that's kind of high. It's it doesn't look. It's a little bit. It's a little bit different, but you're not quite right. Not black, quite there. Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's on the way. Okay, and are you so in the moment that you can't perceive? You know, do you, is it a snapshot in your mind? I mean, you know, how, how do you how does it record in your mind? The I remember distinctly a couple things, and the whole chapter one is about the eight and a half minute launch. I remember seeing the east coast of the U.S. Yeah, the shuttle 
launches upside down and then it rolled heads up to point the antennas at the satellite. And you don't know if it's going to roll left or right. So yeah. if it rolls the one direction, the commander, the guy in the left seat gets to see Earth. And if it rolls the other direction, the guy in the right seat. And luckily, again, I'd rather be lucky than good. It decided to roll. So I saw the first view of Earth was of the East Coast at nighttime. And I, it was like, wow. And, of course, I'm smashed in my seat and the rockets are burning. And yeah. And, and I didn't know, but there was no doubt. Like, okay, there's Baltimore, Washington. There's Philly. There's New wow. York. You could see it all only in a few seconds, and then it was back to flying the shuttle. It's so amazing. That was, that was my first view. If you're tuning in, uh, astronaut Terry Vertz is here, National Geographic Live. Uh, Terry Vertz view from above. Terry, do you have Apple TV? <laughs> <laughs> I do. In fact, I got a story about that. Okay. Uh, the, the reason I ask is that uh, when it goes to the screensaver, uh-huh. they have several shots from space looking they- down on the, on the Earth. They do. Uh, uh, were you involved in it? Well, well, say what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I was uh, helped out on that project, yeah. Okay. So it, it happened after I landed. It, it just came out a few months ago. Yeah, so, it, yeah. I find it mesmerizing. I like playing a little game in my head of, of figuring out where it is on the planet. Yes. But there's one that goes down, for example, the, the coast of California. Uh-huh. And it starts up near San Francisco. And then before you know it, you're you're in, like, Costa Rica. You've gone past the, the Baja. And yes. It, it's, it, it's so fast. Is that at all what it's like for you? while traveling in space seeing landforms? That shot took us months to get, by the way. Oh. With, the, with the sunlight reflecting. You see the little lakes yes. in Central California. That shot took a long time. Um, so they s- slowed it down to nearly real time. It's not exact, but it's kind of like that. I mean, you're going five miles a second. So <laughs> to, oh, my God. It, five it only takes a second. It takes like minutes to cr- fly across America. And you know. what's the camera equipment you use to get those shots? Those shots were shot on Nikon still cameras, D5s, I think. Um, it's the big professional, you know, at the Super Bowl and baseball games. Yeah, yeah. Cameras, it's the Nikon version of that. The movie, the IMAX movie I shot, Beautiful Planet, was filmed on Canon, but they're both. So they do still either two or four frames a second. Still shots. And then the software guys on the ground process that into a movie. That's amazing. Yeah. It's but really these, cool things, to watch. these things are just, I do the, this, this is what's on my house at home. I turn it on, put up some music. <laughs> and while I'm working, you know, that's going by. If you touch the m- remote, it'll tell you where it is. Yes. The little thing comes up. Yeah. I have an ISS app on my phone that alerts me when the, when the, it's flying overboard. Oh, yeah. Or fly, flying yeah. overhead, I yeah. should say, the International Space Station. And my family and I still, Get the biggest joy. We've seen it, I don't know how many times, yeah. but it moves so fast. You see it with the naked eye, and it's just this solitary light that does not blink or change, yep, and right. it just zips across the sky. Yeah. It's incredible how fast that's going. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, five miles a second. Yeah. Do you know who's on there right now? So, like, when it flies over, like, oh, there, there goes Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, David Saint-Jacques is a Canadian guy, and... Uh, um, Anne McLean is the American. There's a smaller crew. The next group of three go up soon, but yep. I, um, we had Astro, uh, Nicole, what is her name? Nicole? Nicole Stott? Yes. We yeah. had her in studio a little while back. Uh-huh. Um, it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, awesome. I could talk to you guys all day, every day. Um, but I was, uh, I was given some hope and it was never able to happen, but I, I would love for us to be able to actually talk to somebody in the space station while they're in the space station. Do you guys do that? I know that you've, we, you've talked to classrooms and stuff like that, but, yeah. um, I think every week there's two, there's a certain number of media events, you know, the, mm-hmm. the NASA PAO people get 
X number of vests. So you can do it. Um, How about two for Tuesday? Would they go for that? <laughs> <laughs> they could be good. <laughs> you won't have to worry about hitting the button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask where the uh, where the spa- where you see the space program going. Uh, uh, the, the American space program. Obviously, it's a world collab- uh, um, collaboration for some of the the nations uh, right. around the world. Um, but what do you see as the as the uh, not too distant future of what's right. going to be taking place? So I, you know, when I look at the overall space program, I I think we're at the end of the beginning, and I, I mean that in a good way. And that the beginning of the space program was Apollo and shuttle and the Soyuz, and Gemini, these, these big government programs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're at the end of that phase. I hope, and that companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin. In the private sector, we have because of the internet, we have these billionaires who can actually fund it at a good. You know, Jeff Bezos has some spare change in his yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're just so much more innovative. They get stuff done so much faster. The private sector, the private sector does. Okay. Right? And it's, not- it's it's the it's it's a fascinating thing to see it happen. And, and, yeah. and to do to, when I when we Preston and I nearly died when we saw a rocket land vertically. Yeah, the SpaceX. It, it's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, where There's do like you a, see yeah. where do you see in my lifetime um, this going? Um, assuming I live to eighty. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I hope we go to Mars. I've written some op eds about this. I think the moon is a good. First step, we were talking about being a test pilot. So one, the first thing you learn is about being a test pilot is you should do a build-up approach. Yeah. You shouldn't just start. And we didn't start with Apollo. We started with Mercury and yeah. then Gemini and then Apollo. Mm-hmm. So I think the moon will kind of be like a Gemini okay. in, the so, big, in the big scheme like of things. Like a, a, sta- a staging launch area from, from the well, moon? Are we, are we going to have a moon base? Uh, Jeff Bezos wants to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he, you know, he's... Writing a billion dollars a year of his own personal uh, checks to you know make that happen, um, and I think we'll to have a moon base. We'll have to be able to find water on the moon, which yeah. is water's there, but can you get to it? That's a tough qu- thing to do. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll let uh, them okay. try and see if it works. And Mars viable? Mars is viable. We need to get a better um, rocket system that'll yeah. get us there and back quicker. Quicker, yeah. The normal. The normal rockets that we have now is about a three-year round trip. And if you use nuclear-powered engines, you can get there and back in one year. And so, personally, I think three years, that's a lot of food and underwear to pack. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Have they figured figured out the radiation protection issues? They they figured it out. It's there and it's bad. So that's another reason to go one year, right? You can... Water's a good protection. That's Water is... Lead is the best, but at hundreds of thousands of dollars a pound... Waste too much, yeah. But you have to have water anyway. So mm-hmm. you just take your water and surround the crew, you know. Really? Instead of metal, you put little water bladders, and that helps. So Never what, how that? about water and lead, like the water from Flint, Michigan? Brilliant. Brilliant. That's amazing. Brilliant. You need, yeah, you should start a contract. You <laughs> could be a subcontractor <laughs> in Boeing. Build this thing. Yeah. yeah. Start uh, a company. Oh so God. when uh, uh, <laughs> Commander Hadfield, uh, they did a documentary on his year in space, right? Um, Hatfield, uh, you mean Scott Kelly? Oh, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Kel- yeah, yeah. Kelly, it was, was Kelly. I, he flew with me. Yeah. So, so you're in that. You're in that documentary. Uh, with the time, well, because time, time did one. I'm in that one. Well, the specifically, I want to ask about because yeah. uh, you guys got a um um you got rations sent up to you. Yeah. 
and there was talk about the smell of space when when you were opening up the the capsule. Yeah, and and what is what is what's it what does space smell like? That, I was so interested in that. So um, if you tell him Old Spice, he's going to be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Axe, remember that? Nothing yeah. beats Axe. Oh, yeah. Axe yeah. body spray. They yeah. still have yeah. it. <laughs> so the uh, when you either do a spacewalk or you open the hatch because that spaceship was just out in space. There is a very unique, I've never spelled it before, and to me, it was like an electrical, musty ozone. If you had those old Lionel trains. And yes. Oh, yeah. like sparking. I know what you're talking about. There's some smell, I like that, smell. that comes with electricity, and it, yeah. that's just what it smells it's, it, like. It's a nostalgic smell. It, yeah. For me, it was, it's, it's, is that it what you It smells like the 1950s. Yeah. 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 Is there, I mean, is there something to that's, be studied they, they, there with just the smell? Does that tell you something about... Well, so space itself, there's nothing there. So you're not actually smelling that, but I think you're smelling the effect of this crazy temperature and radiation and pressure on the metal and on the. There, there's this fabric. It's called MLI, and it's uh, it's like a thermal protection fabric that we have. So anyway, it's like what you're smelling is the effects of space on this normal material. <laughs> Did you say you flew with Scott Kelly? I did. Yeah. Okay, because so my son was in. He's in in elementary school now, but he was in preschool, and he said something to me once about Scott Kelly, and I go, "Who's Scott Who's Kelly? Scott he goes. You don't know who Scott Kelly is, Mom? I'm like, no. He goes, he's an astronaut. And I was like, oh, and that's how I learned who Scott Kelly who Scott was. Kelly was. From he, your preschooler. From my preschooler. Yeah. And he got so Scott. into rockets and, and space and all of that that year. Yeah, That's awesome. I'll tell Scott. He'll be happy. <laughs> He'll be happy. You know, with the International Space Station, and uh, I know that regularly there are uh, experiments of sorts that are going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that takes up a, a good portion of your time when you're working up there. What has been the fruit of those labors that we may not be familiar with? Have there right. been some medications? Have there been, uh, you know, engineering things that we found out that we didn't know because of these experiments that have been taking place? So um, that's a great question. And the way science works nowadays, it's not like Newton, you know, gravity falls and he discovers gravity. Well, that all the easy stuff has been figured out. So the science, especially the biology we're doing, is like one piece of a hundred piece puzzle. And so, um, and a lot of what we do goes back to the drug companies. I did some stuff for some big pharma companies on um, E. coli uh, vaccine, vaccinations. And so they can use that to make better vaccinations for people on Earth. Um, there's some cancer medicines that have been worked on. Um, astronomy, where there's this machine that's trying to figure out what the universe is made of, is how much dark matter and dark energy is out there. Which is another whole mind-blowing concept. Not, we don't even know what the universe is made of. It's yeah. Un- it's unbelievable. And the station is trying to do that. So I wanted to ask... Because I'm, I'm sorry. sorry to interrupt. No, to, to, to piggyback on that, I'm, I'm curious as to, with the private sector getting involved the way that it right. is, is that someday we will see floating labs. You know, Pfizer yeah. has a lab yeah, to make right. a better Viagra or whatever it may be. Space boners. In space. <laughs> I, because that's kind of where I, I see all this eventually maybe going to, is that, that we have these facilities that are in space that are private and they're used for... Uh, production and manufacturing of certain things you can't do in gravity environments right. or or in that that need to be done in vacuums and so on. SpaceX and Blue Origin are building the rockets and capsules. There's a guy named Bigelow that's building private space stations for that exact thing. It's a mind blower. The station's good for research, but it's not manufacturing. It's not what it's for. I right. wanted to ask you, uh, Terry, about the the long-term effects of being in a weightless condition. And, and I know that there are different yeah. devices and exercise devices where you can retain some of your, your muscle uh, uh, and, and bone density and, and things of that nature, but 
how effective is that when you return to Earth? How um, how reduced were your capabilities? So bone density loss is a big thing. And after 200 days, they gave me two and a half hours of exercise every day. Um, I lost 0.0% of my bone density. So basically by lifting weights and running on a treadmill. In, in the I, station. I, or here. O- over half a year in space. When I got back to Earth, I had lost zero percent of my bone density. The week I got back, I did twenty pull-ups. I was in. I was in good. It was like being on a health two and a half hours okay. a day. It's like being at health spa. Wow. In some ways, wow. yeah. For me, the big problem was radiation because that can lead to cancer, and you right. kind of just have to wait and see what cancer you get. What What are What are your shifts like on uh, the ISS? So there's not. It's not like somebody's awake all time. Everybody wakes up in the morning and goes to bed at night. The, oh. If the clock is GMT, so it's London time. Yeah. Um, and there's a conference call usually about 7.30 in the morning. We have uh, one at 6, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. A lot we, less stressful. We, we talk to Moscow and Houston and all the different control centers. And then we go to work, do science. The reason we were there is to do science or maintenance, or cargo ship comes, or get ready for a spacewalk, or do interviews with the local rock and roll station, or whatever, <laughs> whatever we're doing. That's, you know, and then at the end of the day, we have another conference, and then that's when I would start to do my pictures and film this IMAX movie, film the whole thing in, in my spare time. Uh, NASA didn't give, give me any time to film it, so it's a pretty busy day, but it's 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 structured, but every day is different because Na- you have to do everything. NASA needs. I mean, listen, I I I have been a massive fan of of NASA in the the early days. I mean, every the whole thing, but but it is important a film like that, an IMAX film, yeah, generates such zeal and such interest, and 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 they you know they they I think they need to understand more the impact of that. I think they're getting better at understanding yeah the importance of of creating fans of this. Of all the stuff I did, I think. Beautiful Planet was the most important one. I went to the Air and Space Museum. I don't get... I got zero point... I joke, I get a nude scene in there. (laughs) There's a scene like, how do you wash in space? So there's a picture... There's a scene of me. So I got paid twice what my crewmates did. Um, That's great. Two two times zero to do that scene. (laughs) Anyway, when I went to the Air and Space Museum, they told me that a million people are going to see that movie. Over... It'll be there for a decade or... Wow. And I'm like, that's... Of all these science experiments I did, which are important... No one knows about them, but a million people are going to see. Are going to be influenced. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of experiments, uh, the Chinese just landed on the dark side of the moon. Yes, and they are a growing cotton plant in uh, the lunar uh, module. Is that right? I, I just saw that. Yeah, they have the plant growing. Um, that was pretty impressive. It's really the far side of the moon. No one's ever landed there. Of course, we landed on the near side, the side you can see. But um, that was pretty impressive. And is it the first time anything's ever been grown in space like this? Or, or I'm sorry, on the moon like this? I think on the moon, uh, I don't know if the Apollo guys brought anything or not. I think that's the first time that's happened hmm. on the moon. Wow. I love it. Uh, going back to, to movies uh, of Hollywood films, what would you rank? And obviously the, <laughs> the, the right stuff is going to be one of the, uh, the, the top right stuff. number one. Yeah. What, what would you put as, as like a top five maybe if you can think of that? So the right stuff is the best. Uh, Apollo 13 is the best. That's a great. great movie. And it's filmed. It's real humans. They yeah. filmed it in the Vomit Comet, that airplane. Yeah, yeah. So all the scenes are 20 seconds or less, and it's, real, it's not computer graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you like The Martian? I love The Martian, yeah. And book's um, phenomenal, too. But yeah, I liked... Uh, 2001 was great. I watched that when I was in space. Oh, God. Um, so it's funny because it, that, you know, you're in space I watching know. a projection of what space would be like. We watched Gravity, too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> cool. I know the filmmaker. Um, 
Interstellar, I like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a father-daughter story, which yeah. I love. I got yeah. a daughter. So, but, yeah. Yeah. but talking about depicting the 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 length of time, the, the the time that you know things would need to train. You talk about a three-year trip to Mars, and yeah. and, and they they deal with the extremes of that sort of deep space, you know, journey. Yeah. yeah. And how much it would take. Yeah, the the Martian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the science about what to do, you know, how to live on Mars was was really interesting and pretty good. Now, the big giant Mars ship appeared and took them to Mars, and that's a minor detail. Like we we don't have that Mars Mars ship. Have that yet? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, right. But once he was on Mars, it was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So when you're in space at night, right? Okay. Uh, and by at night, I mean you're on the opposite side right. of the Earth as, as a the sun. sun. Yep. Um, are the stars? Like crazier than you've ever seen, yeah. or they are. And you made a great distinction because night GMT, uh-huh. we could be in the sunlight or <laughs> nighttime. So you go around the Earth every hour and a half, so you have sixteen sunrises and sunsets a day. And you, wow. your body doesn't work on that clock, so that's a good distinction. But when you look at, um, and I, I was doing a talk with Chris Hadfield one time, and he said, "Oh, you can't see stars at night." And I was like, "What <laughs> space station were you on?" If you turn the lights off and you let your eyes adjust, um. You can't. There's more stars you can imagine. I mean, yeah. the whole sky is filled. Yeah, because the most I've ever seen was uh, I was uh, I camped in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um. And and there was no moon. Right. So that That's was amazing. That was the most I had ever seen, right. and I just wasn't sure that if you were on the opposite side of of Earth, if you would. See, it's I mean, even more. Like I know the basic constellations. I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. but you know I know Orion and yeah. the Big Dipper and. And I could never recognize a constellation in space. No just kidding. so many stars. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe there's nobody that has to watch over things while you sleep. <laughs> well, they, on the ground, the mission control. There's got, yeah. There's people 24-7. There's Gus, the security Earth. guard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they wake exactly. you if they need to get to you? That alarm, when that alarm goes off, there's no doubt that okay. something is right, something is significant <laughs> is happening. Yeah. Hey, how about uh, seeing other planets with the naked yeah, eye? So more luminous than than yeah. here. So yeah. I could see planets. Um, of course, Mars is red. Yeah. And Jupiter and Saturn are kind of yellow, orangish. Uh, they're easy. Venus is super bright. One planet I saw that I think most people on Earth have either never seen or don't know it is Mercury. It's yeah. all, it's right next to the sun. Yeah. If there's trees, you don't see it. Because it's always right on the horizon, right, you know, right mm-hmm. next to the sun, and it's a, it's just something I think most people never notice on hmm. Earth I, in space. I saw it a bunch. I have a pretty wow. kick-ass telescope. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it has it has it has, but it has sun sun filters. Would I be able to see Mercury? Oh yeah, okay. You, you can see it with your naked eye if yeah. you don't have trees or buildings and you know what you're looking for. Okay, it's you know it, it's always when it's farthest from the sun. Perpendicular, it's still really close to the sun. Okay, so you only okay. see it in the morning and evenings. All right, I'm gonna have to. We have research to have you back. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most yeah. definitely for your for your, for your next uh, coffee table uh, book and IMAX film. Yes, <laughs> we could spend forever talking to you, but we've we've used up our dump button <laughs> for the amount of times that you cursed today. So you've hit your allotment. Uh, but Terry, it's an honor to meet you. Thank you so much for coming by here. This, this is great. It's yeah. good to be in Philly. Appreciate it, uh, Terry Verts, guys. Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. 
And coming soon to OnlyFans. I'm kidding. Football is back, and this Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme Swoopin' and Win Sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash or 2023 Eagle season tickets. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at acmeswoopinandwin.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Uh, There's something I want you to try out. I kind of gave an assignment to everybody on the show because I, I was watching a movie a couple of weeks ago. And an actor that I really liked, uh, kind of for some reason, I saw this person uh, cast in the role of somebody who works here at MMR. If there were to be an MMR, the movie, I had, I was like, that would, that'd be the guy who'd play him, probably. And I just made a mental note of it. And then I started to expand that a little bit. I'm like, well, who would play this person? And who would play that person? <laughs> and I ended up casting an entire uh, movie, MMR, the movie, of the people that we work with. And I thought it might be... A fun little assignment for us to cast MMR the movie and compare and see who we end up having play these roles. You might want to try doing that at your own job. Who would play those people that you work with if you were to cast a movie, let's say, or a TV show? Yes. You know, I mean, like The Office, you talk about a mundane, standard uh, job. Maybe you have one of those, and it might not seem an interesting movie to cast. But if you were to, who would play who around The Office? So when you asked us to do this, uh, there was uh, two reactions. I hated the idea, and I loved the idea. (laughs) Because I knew I would love the idea, but I knew how difficult it would be. It's hard. So I had to. I had to decide how um, how you approach, and you you sort of get an idea of how casting directors go about. Remember, so harken back to when Michael Keaton was announced to play Batman. Okay, right. you can now. Of course, he's Batman. Yeah, but then but what? Right. Excuse me. So I'm thinking: Do you cast in spirit? Do you cast in looks? And how I approached everyone here. Yeah. And honestly, also. You know, there there are stars, and then there are sub-stars, and there are people who you just, you'll, and I know exactly, you'll see the guy who's the UPS guy yep. on Growing Pains and go, he looks just like Casey. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but you don't know that guy's name. I started with looking like, yeah. and then I went into, yeah, but you don't necessarily have to nail exactly what they look like. Just a, just a basic uh, ballpark <laughs> of that, but... Who would be able to pull off that person's personality acting-wise is what I went with eventually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. In some cases, I did that. Yeah. In some cases, I went with looks. In some cases, um, there's absolutely no correlation to... In, in a few of them, I cast several people. I'm like, it could be this person, that person, yeah, yeah, that yeah. person. I did that with one person. So I have a couple okay, of good. those. Okay. Did you guys worry about hurting anybody's feelings by casting? No. Them? Okay. Uh, I, I always, oh, I did I, big time. I, I always skewed positive. Yeah. Because uh, I figured I would catch less crap if I did that. Right. Um... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, casting me in, in this... Oh, I made sure that you... Uh, this is, like, really somebody good-looking. Really? Yeah, because I thought... Yeah, but, they, okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but, uh, but also, you don't have to. Also, there's there there is a guy who I would... Who I was thinking of 
and he I, it wasn't my selection for you eventually mm-hmm. but um but he you know he would have to grow a, a, a little bit of beard to play you I yeah. mean, somebody could grow a beard to look like you or uh, i and and i thought of that there's a very a bearded person here in a, at our offices yeah. and i was like i can't think of anybody and i'm like well forget the beard and the hair yeah. it's pierre i'm talking about forget the beard and the hair and mm-hmm. just go with an actor that they can put that stuff on we could put a wig on and have him grow a beard and then they might be it's able to pull funny it off. you mentioned pierre he was my most difficult okay yeah he was yeah. hard Nick, I, I had fun with this. It was challenging. Um, and Steve, like, I didn't want to just go with a bald guy for you because I thought I get that all the time. I know. Hey, and I thought my best... uncle looks exactly like you. And then I see the guy or meet the guy. At the right. end. And not, no offense to this guy I'm always meeting, but Jesus Christ. So I thought that that was kind of lazy. <laughs> and so for, for me and we love TV and movies so much that I wanted to um, I thought a lot about the actors who I think could bring out the personality in the people that would be they'd be playing. So yeah. some of these may seem a little bit out of left field, but I think that the, for some of them, the actor would do justice to the person that they'd be portraying. All right, so I say this. Do you want to progress um, per... Because not every, I, I just did air staff, and you did a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start going air staff yeah. around the room? Yeah, that's each what we'll person? do. Okay. Each person. Oh, we'll All right. and rather lead. than do the whole list, we'll do who would you right. have played this person. All right. So right. Uh, this is, uh, we have an official announcement. It's uh, MMR, the movie, the casting. Yes, I was hoping. As per members of the Preston and Steve show mm-hmm. and... If you know uh, the staff well, then then maybe you can have some suggestions and feel free to uh, text those in. But I want I want you to try this exercise at your own job today. Uh, also, I, I probably should have asked this a while ago, but uh, it's okay if the actor is no longer with us, right? I, sure. I, um, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. No, uh, I did for at least one. Okay, because that's Preston right, whatever, would have been man. Vincent Price. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Who do you want to start with? You want to start you with pick. our show? You pick. Yes, yeah. our show because yeah. that's uh, that's all I did. And, and air step. Start with our show though. Okay, uh, well, let's start in, in the, the name yep. the, the, that leads the President's Steve show. We'll start with me. How about that? Oh, okay. uh, I had a hard time casting me. Yeah. I, I don't I, have anybody for you. You don't have anybody oh, really? for me? No. Okay. I'm curious what you guys oh, do. Do you want to start with me? Sometimes yeah, Steve. The Steve? Who I, plays me? The, the original guy I was thinking of that I think has your uh, instant likability with looks. Okay. Uh, do you remember the guy who played in, in uh, but I, this is not who I went with, but I just want to explain. <laughs> yeah. In uh, in a liar, liar, the guy who's the defending the dad who's in the courtroom battle with Jennifer Tilly. No, okay. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's been right. so long so, since I've seen that. Since that, I okay. knew would be the reaction, and no one know would know who he All is. Right. I went with Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan. Oh, gray. Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah. Wow. He's Damn. got. He's got the. Uh, he's with. The, got a little bit of the beard. Okay. Kathy's shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, But I got to say no on that. He's too young. Listen. Listen. It's okay. So wait till we get to you because I have have two options. In some cases, I figured younger playing older or older playing younger. I'm actually the most thrilled with... the, Jamie with, with, no, with this casting. Okay. I told you, Preston, I needed to go good looking because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But what do you guys think about Idris Elba? Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, All right, so Case? No, no. For so Pierre, I'm just going to jump ahead. <laughs> I went with Idris Elba. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have two people here, and you can take your pick, Preston. All right. I went with David Harbour or Josh Brolin. David wow. Harbour was one of mine, too, Case. That's From a good Stranger one. From Stranger Things. From Stranger yeah. Things. He's I love that guy. currently playing Hellboy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nick, who did you have as me? Uh, I like both of those, Casey. Um, 
I went with Dylan McDermott, and I think Dylan McDermott brings some gravitas. I think that he can be a really serious actor. He's got a beard, uh, but he also can be funny in a, okay. in, a, in a sort of a sly way. So, Kathy, am I better looking than I think I am? Is that what these people are telling I, me? You're so handsome. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think they're overdoing it. No, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, so before you get to yours. Okay. I like Dylan McDermott, though. I think no, that's a good choice. I'm going with David Harbour. Okay. All right. Yeah. Honestly, I Not think. Not Josh Brolin, huh? I think, I think no. because there is a likability to him as well. Yeah. Also with the bit more. He has a rare sense of humor. Yeah, Josh, what I like Josh about, Brolin's way more manly than I am. Uh, I don't know. You're anyway. pretty manly, but he's also got, like, good pipes. You know okay. what I'm saying? All right, Kathy. Uh, for you? For me. Oh, uh, you, you I, I didn't have anybody okay. for you. Here's what I have for me. All right. Uh, here's who I'd like to see play, <laughs> right. to be honest. Okay. Uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, that's a good one. I li- uh, he's just, yeah, that is a good one. He's a likable guy. He's a decent looking dude. He, does he look like me? No. Uh, but I would like to see him play me. Listen, it's all subjective. I, I don't I don't see that. And then the other one I had, albeit he's much older than I yeah. am, but I don't know why, if we wanted, you know, because I've got the gray and the beard yeah. and everything, uh, Gary Oldman was somebody that I put down, too. He's crazy, though. I, I know, but he can play anything. You're right. He can do anything. All right. He's a really, really talented I, actor. I, so. I, was going, I was going more for visual... I like David Harbour, Casey. I think that's David Harbour, I think, is the okay. best. That's a yeah. good call. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what? Should we do a final casting? Well, Marissa. 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 Marissa has oh, yeah. that. I'm sorry, Marissa. Because I, I might have somebody okay, as well. Okay, go ahead. Marissa? Um, it's funny because I had Paul Rudd for somebody else in the show, but for you, Preston, I had Ethan Hawke. Oh, my Whoa. gosh. Ethan Hawke is actually not a bad choice. Okay. I think David Harbour still wins, but I think Ethan Hawke, age range, right. versatile actor. He was great in Boyhood. Great in Boyhood, That's which Kathy loves. <laughs> What's that, Marissa? That was my inspiration, Boyhood. Okay. Can I also just put this caveat out there that we know that all of these actors are better looking than we are. Oh, yeah. You know? So, like, when, when the texts start coming in, they're like, oh, way too good looking. Way too... They're Hollywood actors. We're we shooting know. high. Yeah, yeah we know. Trust me. We no one it. says oh. how bad they look more than you and I do, Preston. Well, listen, how often have you seen a movie about someone's life, somebody you've never seen before, and then at the end of the movie, they show the real person that they played? Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. And you're like, wow, they really <laughs> aimed high on that. I wanted to do a, I wanted to do a, a thing with Nick Murphy, because they do it all the time on these shows, like The Parent normal shows yeah. where, you know, haunted house investigations, Preston, and then they reenact it. Yeah. It's always like a playmate playing the wife <laughs> right. and a su- like a super jack dude playing the And then you see the couple that they're actually portraying and it's laughable. Yeah. But they do that all the time. That's the nature of Hollywood. All right. Steve Morrison. I have I have all right. I wrote down a couple for you. All right. Uh, but I, I went the really, really talented thespian uh, to play Steve. I think perfect in this role would be Kate Blanchett. God. Because <laughs> wow. she could. She could. No. Uh, there, there are two that I have. There's an obvious one because of how you look and you've gotten your comparisons over right, the years. Right, yeah. right. Uh, is Michael Chiklis. Yes. Uh, great actor. Chiklis all the time. And he can do, he can yeah. do heavy roles. He, and in fact, he... He was in a Three Stooges movie. Yes, he was. Where he played As Curly. Curly yeah. So I know he can pull off the comedic comedy. Shot. Yeah. So I did that. And then the other one, because this guy's a very versatile actor, he really doesn't do it. And he has done some comedy stuff, but for some reason, he's older than you, I believe, but he could probably pull it off. Uh, I have, he doesn't look like you, uh, but J.K. Simmons is such a great oh. actor. I thought him maybe so. You I know? like that. I could see that. Okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna like the J.K. Simmons in that. 
All right. What do you? How about who do you? Or do you? Well, let's save uh, you for last. Save me for last. Right, Case. Um, yeah. So I think Who's Michael Chiklis was was an obvious one. Uh, Terry O'Quinn was another obvious one. Terry O'Quinn's. I've gotten. I've gotten <laughs> often. And when Lost was on, I got that quite a quite a bit. Um, but then also Brian Cranston. You know, when he shaved his head oh, in Breaking Bad, man. I would take that. Yeah. That's good. Take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, so I went like. Uh, I had Terry O'Quinn there, but I also did Bruce Willis because I thought mm. um, he's very smart. He's a smart actor, um, but he can be funny. Okay. All right. My first uh, the actor I first wrote down was Terry O'Quinn as well, uh, but I changed it, and I mean this as a compliment um, because of comedic stylings, uh, and it might be a stretch, but for whatever reason, it clicked for me. Chevy Chase. Hmm. Huh. Mm. And, I, and I say that because Chevy Chase has evolved as an actor and his uh, comedy stylings now are different than they used to be. And so I just thought perhaps he'd be it, able to pull I, off. I appreciate the interest. I finally, for oh, me. Let's go to Marissa. Oh, Marissa, okay. Marissa? I went uh, a couple. Uh, you mentioned some, so I won't repeat them, but also Frank Caliendo. Wow. And, okay. Because the voices. Uh, yeah, I think that was just <laughs> That's immediate with that. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love Frank, but. Yeah. Or Paul Giamatti. That's great. It, like, not billions, but like a few years ago. You mean pig vomit from private parts? <laughs> no, I was thinking. Uh, I, was, I was thinking like John Adams. Clint Howard or the yeah. back of my balls. I was thinking, yeah, Clint Howard or that little tab of flesh behind my balls. <laughs> I had Brian Cranston as well, too, but I just didn't want to repeat. Not Rocky Dennison or uh, no, John have, Merrick? I have Rocky Dennison for myself this okay. week. Okay. Uh, Steve, I finally gave myself Bruce Willis. Okay. Finally. Okay, I think I think uh, also structurally, Mm -hmm. I'm probably more along that line. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, the comedic level. I think, though, I have to say, J.K. Simmons is intriguing. Mm. I I like Cranston personally, but I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, I'm going to place my vote. I'm going to modify it. Okay, I'm going to place my vote for Cranston. Wow. What do you guys think? I, I'm. I still like mine, uh, but I think Bruce Willis is good too. I mean, Steve, you're you're an, you're an interesting cat, and there's, yeah. nobody, there's nobody quite like you. That's for sure. Uh, so kind of like Bruce. Kind of like Bruce. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're all really good, except for Paul Giamatti. I'm going to take Bruce or or Rocky Dennison. Okay. All right. Anyhow, it's, right, it's so, just Rocky Dennis. Dennis, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Dennison. No. Yeah. All right, well, we'll leave that one up in the air. Brian Cranston or um, uh, Bruce Willis or... Oh, we're act- okay, so we're actually casting and having to come to a yeah. conclusion. Mm-hmm. So, Sorry, I got it. Right, if I, uh, let me cast my vote then. I'll, I'll, I'll seal it up. I'll give myself Bruce Willis. Okay, all right, so Casey. Who's going to play Casey? Okay, you want me to go? You want to go yeah, for Casey? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. This, I feel, has always been the case, and I think it captures spirit and physicality. Jack Black. Anybody else put Jack Black? Uh, yes, that yeah. was one. I Everybody. have another one. Yeah, uh, uh, Marissa. I, who, did, who did you put down? Jack Black. I tried to go out of the box. I went. I was thinking Jack Black. Then I was thinking Zach Galifianakis. Then I went total left turn, and I said Adam Ferrara. Wow. Okay. Interesting, Kathy. Um, I had Rob Kardashian. <laughs> Rob. Oh. He's sweet, isn't he? <laughs> I actually have one, and I wanted to go outside the box, too, and you will not recognize this guy's name, but I will tell you the roles he's played, and I think he'd be perfect to play Casey, although Jack Black 
with the singing and all of that stuff yeah, yeah. is so Casey, it's ridiculous. But there's an actor named Dan Fogler. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Currently on The Walking Dead, he mm-hmm. plays a character called Luke. He was in Fanboys. And the Goldbergs. And the Goldbergs. He's the uncle. Yeah. And in yeah, Fanboys, he drives the uh, the van. Yeah. And I, Casey, he's a boisterous, He's he can fat. do really over-the-top stuff, fat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. He, no, but he's got... He's got similar characteristics to you, and he's funny, uh, so I, I put him down. But I, I think Jack Black is the obvious. And Marissa actually had one she didn't mention, which was the woman whose face was ripped off by the chimpanzee. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's, I didn't consider yeah. her. Remember no, that. You know right. I think she died, so. Oh, uh, oh wait, we, did, we could mention. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Casey, okay, so didn't you used to get uh, turtle Turtle, a lot? yeah. Yeah, it's just because I, I wore the backwards hat. That's what it was. I mean, Jerry Ferrara is that guy's name. Yeah, yeah, because I also got um like uh, Fred Martha Durst. Quinn. No, Fred Durst, and it was it was the backwards hat thing. I, I think okay, you know, I don't think facially, I look like those guys. I mean, Jerry Ferrara was like he's a big old Italian guy with giant eyebrows. You know what I mean? But <laughs> he was just fat and he wore a backwards caps. So. All right, we are we are casting MMR the movie. We have uh, David Harbour as, as me, uh, Bruce Willis as Steve, uh, Jack Black as Casey. Uh, now on to Kathy Romano. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I had fun casting this. I went with two. Okay, I, I have a couple as well. You'd like to go? Or, yeah. uh, I don't care. All right, uh, well, go ahead. I, I went with, if, if I was trying to do the... Uh, you know, um, uh, the darker-complected sexy gal, which yeah. is what Kathy is around here, <laughs> I initially said, uh, or to have fun, I was going to say Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Because uh, Kathy doesn't like Well, My she does kind of like her. Um, I either had Eva Longoria. I wow. Her. I love her. Okay. Eva Longoria okay for, that. for that part of it. But for acting and pulling off Kathy's... Sassiness and disgust that she shows on the air from time to time. I thought a really fun person to play her would be Kristen Wiig. Okay, I like her too. Just personality mm-hmm. wise, I think right. she, she could pull you off. Okay. I went younger playing older for what? some reason. What do you mean? Demi Lovato. Okay. Okay. Has a, a sort of exotic look. Mm-hmm. Older playing younger, Catherine Zeta Jones. Ooh. All right. Okay. 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 Interesting. I'm happy with my choice. Here. All right, all right, go ahead. Uh, and and I didn't, I, I, I didn't go mean like Kathy did on me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went with Jessica Alba, and I think that Lucky is you. Age, yeah. age wise, you guys are pretty damn close. I think She's they're both in their fifties, probably though. older. Yeah, but it's not like you're not boring. I'm not boring like her, for sure. But she can pull it off. She's an actress. Marissa, mm-hmm. what do you think? Kathy's role. Kathy, I hope you're excited about this one because I was really excited. This okay. was the one that was definitive for me. Okay. Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann. Oh, okay. Well, right. hmm. dark hair. She's a, she's about 30 years younger than Kathy. Stop it. No, no. She's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's about the same age range. I like her, yeah. She could pull off the She's sassiness. super talented. I, I yeah. get her voice, though, sometimes. I know. Oh, really? I love her voice. I yeah, love everything it. about her. Yeah, the, I, I I'm like with her. you, Kathy. I like her, I like her too, but her voice sometimes. What's that, Marissa? It, her personality. I thought she okay. could play Kathy really well. All right, Nick. I don't know why, uh, but this actress always reminds me of you, Kathy, and uh, she's gorgeous, um, just like you, Eva Mendez. <laughs> yes, and I love her, too. I love Eva Mendez, and I, I love Eva Longoria. Uh, Anybody named Eva. I'm surprised Where with that, these Latin ladies? What about Eva Gabor? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm surprised nobody went with J-Lo. Well, that was my pick for me, was J-Lo. How about Jay Wright? She was the first one I had in mind, honestly, but I thought she was too old. She's to too play. old. I, I, she's, like, sassy, and uh, I wouldn't mind looking like her, so <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that was my pick, J-Lo. Hmm. How about Cameron Mannheim? <laughs> um... 
Cameron Man- Manheim, the really... Oh, no, I'm thinking of a different one then. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking the, the big overweight gal. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking of that. Then I have the, I have the actress wrong then. I um, wish I would have thought of Eva Mendez, because I, uh, I, I think that's probably the best suited one for she, the and weight. You remember yeah. we were talking about it. It was her birthday the other day. She does, she's got some great comedic chops, mm-hmm. too, so she might be good in uh, Kathy's... Yeah, something about her personality, her smile, it just uh, reminds me of you. Okay. Who am I thinking of? Do we need to finally decide, or do you just want to move on to these? Uh, uh, we don't have a con- well, like, just, how about- we don't have a consensus here. Does I think the person get to pick? The yeah, Kathy. I, I either like uh, J Lo or Eva Longoria. Those are my two favorites. So okay. I don't know. You guys choose between them. <sighs> I'm thinking uh, Catherine Jada Jones playing younger. But uh, I uh, of the two, um, do we want to leave these up to maybe the the list? Yeah, maybe we can do that. All right, all right. Let's let's continue on because we have we have a ways to go here. Uh, Nick McAway. Nick was the easiest one for me to catch. Oh, no, no kidding. kidding. Yeah. Nick was difficult I'm for me. I'm happy about this one I as well. I immediately yeah. thought uh, of Nick. I thought of actor Chris O'Dowd. Oh. Uh, who has a big head? Yes, and uh, <laughs> he does. He's he's in, and he's got uh, he's already got Nick's beard. Uh, and I, if if you've seen, he's been in tons of movies. He was in uh, This Is Forty. Uh, what else is Chris? Bridesmaids. He's in that uh, Get Shardy show. I, I like this. This is flattering for me. I think I'm a, I'm a he said it right. Yeah, yeah Get Shardy. You said Shardy. Like I said, Torky in the Strong. Uh, you said Get Shardy. <laughs> TV show Get Shardy. I'm really happy with casting Chris O'Dowd. For Nick, that's not bad. Certainly not bad. Now, Steve, I, I gave I gave him a gift. I couldn't really think of anybody. I thought this would be a perfect time for Eddie Vedder to play <laughs> <laughs> to play Nick. You know, Steve, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I figured, why not give uh, give him a gift? <laughs> I was happy about this casting. I thought um, Jason Siegel. Oh, I think Jason Jason Siegel could actually yeah. yes. So yes. I'm not nearally that good looking, but uh, that's that's well, flattering. He's structurally, you, you're similar. Uh, he's not good looking. I don't consider him a really good looking guy. <laughs> he's not only. He's, he's, he's so no, is better. Looking. I was thinking uh, um, Jason Sudeikis. I was not uh, thinking. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah yes. Jason Siegel from uh, uh, the comedy movies. Yep. Okay, that's a nice one too. All right. Well, there's some good ones coming in for Kathy. Mandy Moore could play Kathy. Uh, and like then her. one that I thought was really good. Where was it? I lost it. Uh, da, 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 da. Leah Remini. Although pre what she's done yeah, to her yeah, face, yeah, I think Back Leah Remini would be Leo. really good. For I had you. someone yeah. else come to mind, and I can't. I got it confused, but there's an actress I have in mind, and I have to do a little searching. Cameraman, I was wrong, <laughs> but I'm thinking of who. It, I think structurally, facially, looks a lot like Kathy. Okay, and, I'm, and now my brain is. I'm Not having Cameron a cerebral hemorrhage. So time. many people. No, Maybe right. like when they become too bitchy on set, we can fire them and hire somebody right. else. Right? Yeah, we'll have a stable. <laughs> yeah. That'd be upper pro. Uh, Mar- so, oh wait, I, yeah. I wanted to give Nick's before we yep. move on. Uh, I picked Eric McCormick. From <laughs> Will and Grace? Yes. Yeah. Only right. because you're not sure, like, is he gay? He plays gay, but he's really not. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Thanks. Okay. Marissa, you, you, you see Nick oh, as being veiled ta- gay. She's taking a shot at everybody. <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, Preston, because I was so dead set on Ethan Hawke for you, I chose Paul Rudd for Nick. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's flattering. I could right. see Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd could work. Yep. Okay. And I, I had two for me. Uh, and I couldn't quite decide. I had either Kevin Connolly from Entourage um, or Mike Myers. And for for whatever reason, I get Mike Myers more Do often you? than you would think. Yeah, really. Uh, I don't quite see it, but some people have said that over the years. And and so, but I, that was that's funny because I got different uh, actors from everybody. I time. used to years ago. You know, if you were like seventy or older, people would say you look like Alan Funt. I mean, oh, <laughs> the candid camera. The, candid camera. I'm like, shut up. You shut the hell up. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on now to Marissa. 
All right. I think I have a good one for this. Can I, I, can I go first? Easy. Yeah, go ahead. I have yeah. a good one. All right. I went with Maisie Williams. That's who I went with. Really? Absolutely. I've always said, now, she would have to play older. Yeah. Uh, because she's a few years younger than Marissa. But from, from the, Game of Thrones. From the beginning of Game of Thrones, Arya Stark, who is played by Maisie Williams, I always thought, I'm like, that's Marissa when she was a kid. That's yep. Marissa when she was a teenager. So I, I'm 100% on board with that, Steve. All right. Yeah. Good. I went with Jennifer Goodwin. Uh, oh. Who's Jennifer Goodwin? That's a good one. Yeah, she was in. Uh, been a good one. Big Love, and uh, you'd recognize her presence. She's she's been. Um, Snow White and Once Upon. Uh, Once Upon a Star. Just not yeah. into you. Oh, yeah. Okay. She has a very uh, cherubic, uh, very cute face. Yeah, I could see that. All right, Nick. I also went with uh, Maisie Williams. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought that was the easiest, the, the go-to. Oh, and I also <laughs> had Anson yeah. Williams. Uh, no, Potsy. Potsy. Wow. <laughs> Marissa, who did you cast as yourself? Uh, well, I wish I'd, I have watched Game of Thrones because I don't know what Maisie Williams is like as an actress at all. The looks are good. I went with Jennifer Goodwin or Lacey wow. Charbet. Lacey Chabay. Wow, okay. Ooh, All right. Her left boob could be you. <laughs> I just want a big, bigger boobs. Um, <laughs> no, I've definitely gotten Jennifer Goodwin a lot over the years, especially when she was in uh, He's Just Not That Into You. Okay. So I always felt like nice. synergy with her. Uh, did you guys cast Nick Murphy? Yes, I, I, I did. did not. I'm very proud of this Me one. too. All right. Do you want to go first? Uh, well, hang on. Let's go at the same time. Okay. Uh, you ready? Three, two, one. Seth Nick... Rogen. No, no. <laughs> Seth Rogen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went with Nick Frost. Nick Frost is a good choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Frost. Yeah. Nick Frost maybe a bit more than Seth Rogen case. You think? I think. Uh, you know who else we had in here? Who was it? Who was, um, uh, wasn't Brian Posehn? Brian Posehn. Yeah, he's older. And plus, he kind of talks like this yeah. a little bit. But so. Nick Frost is pretty damn close. There's a picture of him up there on the screen right there. Yeah, they that's look, pretty good. They look a lot alike. Yeah. Nick yeah, Murphy and, and Nick Frost. And, and Nick Murphy likes Nick Frost an awful yeah. lot, too. But he was in Shaun of the Dead and uh, The World's End and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Pirate Radio. Anybody else? Did I did not do uh, okay. No, that's a good oh, like Marissa, did you cast him? or? Oh, wait. Nick Murphy. Hey, Nick. Oh, hey. You're on the air. Yeah, I like uh, Nick Frost. That's a good one. Uh, I was assuming Jonah Hill. That's usually one I get all the time. Jonah Hill, no. A lady stopped me in the airport and was like, are you famous? (laughs) Are you like an entertainer? I was like, well, I do. Porn. Internet stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Are you him? He was like, no, no. Think I have lady. Yeah, Murph, have you here. have you cast everybody too, or uh, kind of? Yeah, I like the Chris oh. O'Dowd for Nick. That's okay. really good. Uh, Preston, I like um, David Hater's you. Um, David Hater, right, right? Isn't that his name? Harbor. Harbor. Oh, David Harbor. Harbor. Okay, sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve, I think Bruce Willis like now would be pretty good. All right, I'll All take right. it, man. Yeah, All right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Instead of the guy up at the. Jack Frost. <laughs> we had Casey, Jack Black for Casey. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Kathy, the Eva Mendez, Jessica Alba would be a good one, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a there's an actress on that show, uh, Good Girls, Marissa. She was on uh, Arrested Development, too. I forget her name, but um, she would be good for you if you guys could bring up a picture of her. Okay. Um, Do you want to jump in here? And How about Vicky from yeah, Small yeah, Wonder? Yeah, sure, sure. All right, come on in here. Well, right, yeah. I'm coming in. All right, so the next one I have, we're casting MMR the movie, by the way. Do this at work uh, with your fellow coworkers. And moving on outside, uh, well, yeah, outside of the morning show, even though he is a part of uh, our, our show as well, Chuck, uh, Chuck D'Amico. Um, I didn't go that far. I didn't do it. I put down, because Chuck is just, he's like an every guy. He's great. He's super fun and sarcastic. Hello, everyone. Uh, <laughs> 
You know who I have is you, Chuck? Did you go with Cameron Mannheim? Uh-uh, I didn't go with Cameron. Here, we'll, we'll have Chuck come around. And by the way, we're getting into bizarre file time, but I, I cast the whole this damn staff. Me too. Um, But for Chuck D'Amico, I think might be, he doesn't necessarily look like you, okay. but I think he could pull you off, and that's Mark Ruffalo. Oh, oh, I yeah. like that. Good. Yeah. I got one for Chuck that I'm right. pretty proud of. Go ahead. I think it's, you're a fan of his as well, Chuck. Michael Keaton. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah dude. That, that would actually work. Michael uh, Keaton. Yeah, I love that. He okay. loves Michael Keaton. Yeah, and he does not look like you. It, it's not a facial thing, but um, he loves radio. He's been, in, he's been in a radio movie, and, and Michael Keaton's just a great actor, and I think he could get your persona really yeah. well. And okay. Chuck was Batman for a brief amount of time, so that's kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Was. Casey. I went with Adam Scott. I think that's a great oh, casting for Chuck. Uh, I, Step Brothers. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Wait, who is yeah. that? Yeah. He, he, you, you know him from, uh, he was Punch also on face. Yeah, uh, oh, Parks yeah, and yeah, Rec. Yeah. He was yeah. also, yeah. All right. right, Parks yeah. and Rec, right. He's a, he's a handsome guy. Uh, he it can be very sarcastic. That's good, Casey. And I think it's a good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. Marissa, did you, uh, did you uh, have a, anybody for Chuck? I didn't. Okay, right. that's all right. I gave Tina Fey for Marissa, by the way. That's good, too. Yeah. Who would you uh, cast as yourself? I, I used to get uh, Matthew Perry a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I see you more as a Courtney Cox. Either, uh, either that or uh, Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's who I guess. Moving on, we'll, we'll move up in, in the, the, the day parts here on MMR is uh, Pierre Robert. All right. And I had a difficult time casting Pierre. I had two for him. And I eventually had to cave and go with somebody who doesn't have long hair Look or like beard. Him. Right. And just who could play Pierre? Who do you want to start seeing? I jokingly said, originally said Idris Alba. <laughs> right. But then uh, my serious one is Peter Dinklage. No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't come up with one. I have. Try this on. Imagine the guy grows his hair out long or wears a wig and grows a beard. But I like, age-wise, I don't know why, Dennis Quaid. I okay. said to play right. Pierre Robert. <laughs> I tried to find somebody in that like age that. range. Do you yeah. know who did who did sort of um God uh Timothy Oliphant with longer hair. Wait, what do I know him from? I know the name. Uh, uh, he was in the office. <laughs> justified. <laughs> justified. Uh, you know who he is. Yeah. He's in Santa yeah, Clarita yeah. Diet yeah. or whatever. Yeah. He was in This Is Where I Leave You as well. He's a good yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I think he could pull off a passionate music yeah. DJ dudish. I had initially, when for some reason, I always think of Cheech and Chong when I think of Pierre Robert. <laughs> so I had gone like, um, like Tommy Chong. Yeah. But then I said, no, I'm going to Hollywood this thing. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Like about dude. that too. I thought he was a little too old, but he's got he's got he's mm-hmm. got a gravelly voice and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he could maybe do it. What about you, Nick? Uh, so I went a little retro with this actor, and it's uh, it's this actor from about ten years ago, fifteen years ago when he was in his prime. Uh, but I think it's because he could pull it off. Johnny Depp, mm. Pierre Robert. Yeah, and it's it's Johnny Depp sort of pulling off the Pirates okay. of the Caribbean, but doing that in a Pierre Robert vein. I think Johnny Depp can be okay, chameleon like, and yeah, I can see that. All right, Kath. I didn't have anybody for Pierre. Okay, right. Marissa, do you have somebody for Pierre? Just like Nick, I went for the chameleon, the the under understated character actor, and I said Brad Pitt. Okay. Brad Pitt for Pierre? Wow. He's going to love the F out of you. Yes, he would. Wow. All right. Anybody else or we move on? Uh, Pierre's tough. I mean, it'd be interesting to see like like a slimmed up Nick Offerman because he got that deep voice. Yeah. 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 Really sure. could kind of pull okay. it off with longer hair. All right. It'd be interesting. Okay. Um, 
Or Megan Mullally, his uh, yeah. wife. Big mm-hmm. Offerman's wife. Combine the two, yeah. I have a guy, but he would be too busy playing Weston. And that's, uh, can I say that? Yeah. Sure. Okay, Sam Elliott. Wow. Sam Elliott, third uh, leg of the stool, all-hanging <laughs> fruit. <laughs> all right. And Barn then, door. Then you have uh, Jackson. Cigars. <laughs> then you have Jackson. I, I I think I got to this pretty quick. I, I have two that I put on the list. Uh, one of them, just because he looks like him, and we've had him by here, the host of uh, Cash Cab, Ben Burnley. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But if I wanted to go with but he's not necessarily an actor. No. But no. he looks a lot like Jackson. Uh, I have Liev Schreiber. Ooh, that's Jackson. That's a good one. He's got a great, great voice. Yeah, um, he's a he's a you know fit, good looking guy like Jackson. I thought he might fit that bill, Steve. I went with Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Oh, I couldn't think of that guy's name. Yeah, I couldn't think of it, and and that's that's uh, on my list. But All right, that's not who I. Your, my Statham's on your list. Your Statham is on my list. Um, with the best case in life. <laughs> what do you think? I went uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, yeah. that would okay. be good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he's a black belt in jujitsu as well. Yeah. And he is technically an actor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. He, he was, was right. He's rated for years. Yeah. Kath. I went with The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> Dear God. I mean, the dude's in great shape. I, I really love Jackson. Okay, guys. He's <laughs> The Rock. All right. Nick. I went with Bruno San Martino. No, no. I went with, and, and I think it's because he could pull off the American accent and uh, and do a really good job portraying Jackson. I went with Daniel Craig. I wow. think that they look a little bit like uh, one another, and yeah. Daniel Craig is a great actor and yeah. has a good voice as well, so I figured uh, he could do that role. All right, Marissa, who would you put in the, the role of uh, Jackson? Oh, I don't love this one, my choice, but I went with Woody Harrelson. No, that's actually, I mean, it's, it's not bad. Actor. It's not um, bad, yeah. And and he can get in shape, seen yeah. him that way before. <laughs> okay, you guys want to weigh in on Jackson, or are you good? You uh, yeah, an idea for Jackson was the guy for who, um, who played the original Dario Nahara in... Game of Thrones. He was like the new transporter. Oh, that guy oh, would be pretty. The good. new transporter is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wait, was he the? Was he uh, the bad guy in Deadpool? In Deadpool, yeah, yeah he played yeah. Uh, uh, Ajax. Yeah. yeah, okay, he's good. Which led me to think the guy who plays new Dyer Nahara, good Pierre Robert. Mm. Um. Okay, yeah, because he does have long, long hair, hair and the beard, beard and everything, and so that's not bad. Yeah. All right, uh, I don't know the actor's name. I don't either. Ed Skrine is the first Cameron guy. Cameron Mannheim. The first guy, yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed Skrine is the guy from Transporter and Deadpool. I, yes. I think that's the guy you're talking about. Yes. All right. All right, how about Jackie Bam? I'll bet we all have the same answer. I think we do, yeah. probably. You guys want to go at the same time? All right, who do you say you have? <laughs> you want me to say it or yeah, what? Go all ahead. of us. All right, one, time. two, three. Adrian Brody. <laughs> <laughs> Could play Jackie, but Adrian Brody physically. And if you ever saw the movie, I pull, see if you can find in the other room a picture of him in Summer of Sam. Yeah, well, he's the punk rocker. He's yes. the punk rocker. He's got all that stuff on, and I mean, it's Jackie Bam Bam to a T. Yep. That's so funny. That was awesome. All of us. <laughs> I mean, at first I was like, "Oh, Nikki Six, maybe." Hey, you Not know, you left close. out though. You left out. Sarah. Uh, okay, Sarah, Sarah oh, Parker. I, I did, and I chose Dita Bontis. Yeah. Wow. Perfect. That's a good okay. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine's He's obviously more got the fair, the fair skin and the, yeah. and the dark hair. More perfect, Casey? Uh, yeah, Kat Dennings. Okay, maybe. Younger, maybe, maybe. Yeah. With, like Sarah is. Okay, I like Dita Bontis. All right, uh, Marissa, did you have Sarah? Hold on a second, yeah. Maybe Kat Von D? 
Katmandi as I well. All the tattoos. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how about uh, I'm really happy with who who I cast for Brent Porsche. All right. Actually, I have actually, a good one. I dug. Go ahead. Who do you have? Zach Wild. Okay. Oh, that is good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I I dug in. He's a guy we've had here in the studio before. Uh, put some long hair on him. Wyatt Russell. Yeah, that's oh, really yeah. good press. Wyatt Russell, who is Kate Hudson's sister. Yeah, and in this is brother. brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they had it. They worked it out in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was in uh, in this is forty. He plays one of the hockey players that's yeah. hitting on Leslie Mann. And uh, he's been in a few things since then, but I think he would be a he's a, Brent's a really good looking guy. He's got that same smile. Put some hair on him, and you got Brent Porsche right there. I dug deep for this one, uh, and it's an actor you may not know, but his name is Rory Cochran, and he plays um, uh, kind of the stoner in Dazed and Confused. He's also in uh, Argo. And uh, for whatever reason, there's something about Rory that reminds me of Brent. I'll pull up a picture of him and, and see if you can recognize him. Uh, Case, you'll remember him from Dazed and Confused. Um, and he he played uh, Slater in. Oh, in Days I know who he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, eh. eh, maybe. Someone with Jason Mewes. Jason Mewes. Okay. Yeah. For okay, maybe. Uh, this this was the one I I think I had the hardest time with. Was, okay. Uh, because I was oh. going kind of like what you were doing, Zach Wild. Like, yeah, like yeah. non actors. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know. You, you know who we left out and I couldn't cast uh, was Pancake. Oh, I got that easily. Okay, who Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's really good. He got rid of the curl. He straightened her, shaved his head down. Mm-hmm. Um, put a hat on. <laughs> put a hat on <laughs> and a jersey, and you got pancake. That's not bad. I went with the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Magnus for Magnus. Well, I forgot his name. Right? Thornson. Yes. Whatever his name is. No, uh, I think okay. Michael Sarah is a good choice. I like Michael Sarah. The one, the, the one who got me started on this whole idea to do this uh, was for Kevin Gunn. Yeah, and oh. Kevin's worked here for a long, long time, um, and I don't know why he doesn't necessarily fully physically embody him, uh, but he's kind of he's he's shorter in stature, and I just think he would play a good Kevin Gunn is Stanley Tucci, who's a great actor. <laughs> yeah. I love Stanley Tucci, hmm. but uh, if you put some hair on him, hmm. uh, and I think he could play a good uh, Kevin Gunn. Yeah, I think I have a good Kevin Gunn. He okay. would take this as a super compliment, but uh, Aaron Sorkin would be okay. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah he loves yeah. Aaron Sorkin. Um and then uh, who put who had a, a Bill Weston? I had yeah, Bill. Yeah. Okay, Kathy. Uh, so I went just to to capture the awkward moments uh, every time Bill walks into a room or has a meeting. I went with Steve Carell. <laughs> that Steve is, wow! The All second right. you said awkward, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. This is my posthumous one. Uh, Ted Knight. Oh, okay. Good night. Judge Smales from Caddyshack. Mm. Mm. Thank mm. you. Mr. <laughs> Scholarship <laughs> winner. Mm. He definitely has the, the yeah. voice, the vocal delivery. And the silver hair. Yeah, okay. Steve? What was Mario Lopez? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I see Bill as very Slaterish. <sighs> I went with uh, John Hurley. John O'Hurley. Oh. John O'Hurley. That's not bad. I, I gave Bill a big compliment, and I, I went with Richard don't, Gere. No, don't do it. Cross that off right now. <laughs> I went with Richard Gere. When, the, when, Kathy's, when Kathy's spending alone time in the bubble bath, she doesn't want Bill popping her mind. Marissa. She's got her Harlequin romance ready to go. Marissa? I want Sam Elliott. Uh, Sam Elliott? Okay. Yeah. Nick yeah. Had, or, uh, Chuck had mentioned that earlier. Because okay. I think Graham Nash should play Joe Bell. Wait, you think Graham Nash should play who? Joe Bell. Joe Bell. Oh, Joe Bell. <laughs> I said Joe Boo. I didn't even think Joe Boo. I didn't even think of Joe Bell. Um, wow, that's, that's an interesting. It's time to have a music meeting. Joe Bell is our uh, is our general manager. 
Uh, Why don't you fire Lennon or who gives a damn? <laughs> <laughs> Heard something funny on the David Duke podcast. <laughs> All right, so oh, man. I, I have one. It was a misstatement that Bill made the other day. I, I decided to to throw in uh, some of our promotion staff, people that may not, you know, know just listen on air, don't know oh, these yeah. people. But there was Eric Simon and Todd DeFeo, yeah. and I couldn't come up with anybody for Eric Simon. Oh, I, I have, him. I have, I have him. Eric. All right, who? Who? Well, this I said Ben Affleck. What? L- like look wise. What? Yeah. Eric Simon. Yeah. There's Don't an actor. The right actor? Wait. Ben Affleck? Yeah, like... Uh, Married to Jennifer Garner. Yes, Ben Affleck. Yes. Wow. I would go with no. DC Affleck before Ben Affleck. There's an actor that looks exactly like Eric. It's Peter Krause. Who, what's he been on? Um, the Eric he was on uh, Six Feet Under. Um, you'll recognize him. He was on... Uh, there was a there was a, a knockoff on SportsCenter. Peter Krause. Peter Krause. Yeah, okay. he was in... Um, he's in that new 911 show, Chuck. Yes. And, uh, oh, yes. he does look yeah. a lot like Eric. Sports Night, I think that's a, uh, that's that was right. called. Yeah, that's right. Which was an Aaron Sorkin show, by the way, Nick Murphy. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then uh, I actually did find somebody for Todd DeFeo. There's an actor named Eddie Marzen. Uh, in Sherlock Holmes, he plays the the detective, uh, the chief of police. Um, in Deadpool 2, <laughs> he runs the, the mutant, the place where they... Uh, mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah! Keep the mutants oh my in God, and Preston. keep them under control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, See, that's, that's way off. I, I was did, much different. Did you have somebody case? Yeah, I did. Mahershala Ali. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I had the shaved head. Yes, yeah. I had Henry Cavill. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, well, all right. I, I thought this would be a fun little character study of sorts uh, for for not only us to play around with, but for you to to go through as you're headed into work today. Kind of get the mind thinking: who would play, you know, that person that works next to me, or who would play your boss, and so on and so forth. And uh, if you have a uh, a fun environment at work and you guys might kick something around like this where people wouldn't get offended or pissed off. No, but I um, think you've killed uh, Kathy's uh, <laughs> fantasy now. <laughs> oh, no, that, I won't. That, that is not. We I'm did the not American Gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the American Gigolo. Alright, so anyhow, well thank you guys for playing along. I appreciate it. Uh, MMR the movie. Maybe someday, someday it will come to pass. Just real quick before you go, somebody suggested uh, for, for me, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> There are, lot, there are a lot of suggestions coming up. I don't know if we'll be able to post something on social media about it. Maybe get your your take on it all. But MMR the movie. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second. Disturbed are back with a new track. And no, it's not that margarita mashup. Check out the video for Hey You on WMMR.com. And while you're there, listen to Brett Porsche's interview with Dan Donegan, who gives us an update on the upcoming Disturbed album. Find it all at WMMR.com. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. Time for Beat File number one, brought to you by Red Robin. Hungry for a juicy gourmet burger with bottomless steak fries and a nice cold beer from Red Robin? Enjoy your yum at your local Red Robin today. Red Robin, yum. Uh, Lee, we'll start with this one. Uh, Sheriff's office is searching for a sandwich thief who they see shoved a foot-long uh, sub pan, uh, down his pants. A foot-long down his pants. Yeah, it was at a, uh, the crime happened at the Marathon gas station. Uh, deputies are still searching for the man in surveillance footage. According to the post on the sheriff's office Facebook page, the man went into the gas station and concealed a foot-long sandwich in the front of his pants. By the way, you can keep that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. 
Florida man bought a Polar Pop and left without paying for the sandwich. Listen, I work for Vivid Entertainment, and I think I want to offer you a contract. <laughs> That's right. He just sees him with yeah. his foot long underneath his pants. Okay, so a sometimes an innocent mistake is hilarious. Last Thursday, a mom in Scotland was embarrassed when she realized she had sent her five-year-old son to school to participate in a nativity scene, uh, and she accidentally gave him a sex doll to take along with it. Oh, wow. And I'll explain. Helen Cox says that she purchased an inflatable sheep on Amazon back in November without realizing what it actually was until her son Alfie was sent home from school because of it. We found out what the humming is. The the sheep's ass is vibrating. Uh Since learning of the incident, Amazon has removed the item from its website saying that the seller did not meet the retailer's guidelines. Oh, we're looking at it. Yeah, it is... (laughs) It is cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apparently, ghosts don't make great husbands. Irish Jack Sparrow impersonator Amanda Sparrow Large. God, do I hate Jack Sparrow impersonators. (laughs) Made uh, she had married an 18th century ghost named Jack back in January. Uh At the time, the 46 year old woman said she had never felt the connection to anyone like she had with this ghost. Because she's an idiot. Yeah, because but uh, things are apparently over, as she wrote on social media. Uh, She wrote, I will explain all in due course, but for now, all I want to say is be very careful when dabbling in spirituality. It's not something to mess with. She left him for an inflatable sheep. Oh, wow. Look at this woman. Jesus Christ. All right. A woman has gone viral online for allegedly canceling her baby shower because her family and friends were unsupportive of her choice. Of the baby name. Now, the baby's name was going to be Squire Sebastian Senator. And she wrote, overly kooky. Well, I'll explain. She, she wrote, Dear members of the Squire Sebastian Senator baby shower, I have a really important announcement to make. It brings me pain to have to tell you this, but I'm canceling the event. The unidentified woman goes on to explain her decision, stating that her friends have been spreading rumors and lies. She said, y'all have been talking S about my unborn baby. An unborn child. How can you judge an unborn child? The mother shares that she was not crazy or mentally unstable or drunk when she chose the unique three-name moniker, which she emphatically points out is only his first name. He will not be allowed to have a nickname. He is to be called by his full and complete first name. Oh, well, now it is kind of dumb. That's the explanation I wanted to get to. Squire Sebastian Senator is what you would have to call him every time you address him. No. I would not attend that uh, shower either. And uh, the woman defended her choice, claiming that her family is descended from a long line of both squires and senators. Oh, morons. She said, if you look back in our family tree, the survival of this clan is literally rooted in squiredom. We are what, all, is she, Highlander? We are all related to senators, too, she writes. This name conveys power. It conveys wealth. It conveys success. My baby's name will be a revolution, she wrote. Wow. The woman concludes her lengthy Facebook rant calling her family fake and claiming that her name choice will make her son extraordinary. Uh, those on Reddit were about as kind as, as the woman claimed her family was. Several on the forum website ridiculed the mother over the name that she chose for her unborn child, saying, no one's talking as about your unborn baby. They're talking as about your poor naming choices. Yeah. And another person commented, this could be the first child ever child to run away from home before he's born. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's quite conceivable. Mm-hmm. Think of the think of the misery the kid's going to go through with that name. Well, I mean, and then like when he starts to act up, yeah. and she has to call him by his full three names. Yeah, mm-hmm. going to get old real quick. <laughs> Even yeah. she's going to drop yeah. back. Uh, let's see. Doctors are bewildered as to how an extraordinarily shaped blood clot came out of a patient. It's all this. Yeah, it's pretty wild. On Monday, the New England Journal of Medicine tweeted a startling picture as part of its Images in Clinical Medicine photo series, which features photos of medical anomalies. The photo, for upon first glance, is eerily engaging, resembling a red tree that may have sprouted from the imagination of Tim Burton. But it's not anything fantastically fictional. It's a real blood clot. That came out of the body of a human being, as is the exact shape of a lung passage. More specifically, it is a six-inch wide unbroken cast of the right bronchial tree, part of the tubular network that distributes air to the lungs. It's pretty wild. Totally tubular. An unnamed 36-year-old male patient who had been admitted to the ICU for aggressive end-stage heart failure spontaneously coughed up the medical marvel. Wow. According to George Weislother, uh, who's a tra- uh, transplant and pulmonary surgeon. He said it occurred after the patient had been coughing up much smaller clots for days. When this particular clot came out of the patient, it was instantly oddly shaped, and it was folded in on itself. And when he and his team uh, delicately spread out the clot, they discovered that the architect of the airways had been uh, retained so perfectly that they were able to identify it Look as the right bronchial tree based solely on the number of branches and their alignment. And that, that is crazy. So that is basically a mold of his bronchial pass. That is correct, yes. Unfortunately, the patient who coughed up the curious clot died. Oh. Uh, that was from complications of heart failure a week later. Oh, my God. Though the clot is extremely unusual, it's not completely unheard of. But it's a, it's a pretty wild-looking uh, photo. And that is it. It's what I have for you in the Bizarre File this morning. So we're going to take a break. Coming back. <laughs> Coming back with that and more. We'll return in a moment. Stay with us. MMR spotlights the best rock in Philadelphia with Jackson's Local Shots. That's right. And this month's band is Sixth Century. Sixth Century, your local shots artist of the month. Check them out every Wednesday at 6.30 right here on the Mighty MMR. And you can hear and see more now at WMMR.com. Keyword, local shots. Sponsored by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Philly. Get in the studio. Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> what? Get his makeup done. Oh, my makeup. God. I'm like, I'm, you look I killed oh. as much time as I can kill over here. <laughs> but we we are excited to have our next guest in here. And uh, long shot is a movie star, Seth Rogen, Charlize Theon, Theron, and the gentleman that is sitting right here with me, Mr. O'Shea Jack. Hey. Hey. What's going on? I, call, I called her... Charlize Theon, and I think it's the I think it's the Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. Coming out, man. <laughs> Greyjoys, God, I hate the Greyjoys. Uh, you know what though? They're kind of making a little bit of a comeback. They're kind yeah, of starting cool. to redeem their name a little bit. Redeem that name is done, especially with the Ken doll that Theon Greyjoy is now. I know, I know. I know. Yeah, he is. He's a Ken doll. Yeah, You're right about that. So O'Shea is way into Game of Thrones. I found out by reading your Twitter account. Oh yeah, strong. And in strong. fact, strong. and in strong. fact, his uh, your 
uh, your your bio essentially says <laughs> the second of my name, thirteenth member of the Jedi Council, yeah. King of the Seven Kingdoms, and protector of the realm. Yeah. Currently training to beat Goku. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're way into all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I love it. It that's keeps cool. it keeps Shay Shay. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pop culture stuff, man, which is really cool. You're a video gamer. You're into anime. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and obviously Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get into Game of Thrones until late though. I couldn't. I just can't wait years in between seasons like the rest of the world. We're, we're finding that we can't either. A lot of times, like, f- for example, so I am I tried to get into uh, make a run at Game of Thrones after the fact. So I got five or six episodes in, and then I'm, th- I'm thinking, let it just wrap up, and then I'll watch it all straight through. Yes, yeah, straight you know, through. Because uh, when you do that, and it's something that everyone's telling me it's as good as it is. Yeah. You don't want to wait a week or two no. weeks. Or, or sometimes, like when The Sopranos was on. They would take like a year and a half, two years between seasons. Like, F that. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Season finales are always so big. Yeah, yeah. So dramatic, I can't take it. Well, I got to, I, I got on Game of Thrones early on, very, mm. very beginning. But I have, fortunately, you can go back and rewatch, you know, some of the episodes. So I have, I rewatched the entire thing. Yeah. You know, I started in like November and I just came up to it and I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, I don't want it to end. You know? Yeah, that, that's, that's the know. worst part. I know. But you know what? There's so much good coming. Like, in, for example, your film. Which yeah, is coming yeah. out, yeah. yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, long shot looks, it looks like it's a lot of fun. So, uh, had you known Seth before this, Seth Rogen, or is this the first time you guys hung out? First time ever. You okay. know, uh, been such a fan of his work that you feel like you've known him for years. Yeah. And super chill dude, super smart. You know, he has a wide knowledge of music so it's, it's he and his, he has a dog named zelda like you know it's <laughs> just it's really? just things that we could just bounce off of sure, cool. you know speaking of music all right and your dad's music career for those who don't know o'shea's dad is ice cube um and you played him in straight out of compton before you came in here i was asking steve a question he knows more about movies than anybody i've ever met and has anyone ever portrayed their own father in a story about their life? Or are you the first person to ever do that? I like to think that I am. I you know, I the never only one I know thing. of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? and then, uh, I did straight out of Compton. I was in my in the middle of my second year of college, and my dad's like, yo, this NWA movie, they're taking it serious. And at first, I'm like, all right, that's good, Dad. You know, good for you, man. <laughs> and then he was like, no, in a perfect world, you play me. And it wasn't about... This is my door into acting. I wanted to be a writer. So it was just about cementing my family's legacy. And then after after the film was done, they were like, hey, you're pretty good. You were very, you were better than good. Honestly, I, I, I saw the movie and I was like, I, I mean, I, I know my basics, you know, and I appreciate what went on. But I was surprised at how, like, uh, like moved I was by the end of that movie. Like, Jesus, you know, this whole thing that went into play and you were especially good. And you were, but you were going what to USC for for film writing for yeah for screenwriting yeah 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 so that that was your track but then your your dad's basically saying yeah if anyone's gonna play me it's gonna be you yeah and it started the the two year auditioning process and Gary Gray finally made you know the right decision <laughs> and, and picking me up he used to send us the role you were born to play <laughs> yeah hands down yeah but I was a fan of the music as it was coming out you know I was uh, uh in my mid to late teens. As a NWA hit, and, and then so all of the, the the bands after that. So I love that I get to see, you know, kind of, you know, obviously it's a theatrical version of what yeah. was going on behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was, uh, and I, <laughs> it was so funny. 
I didn't know that you were Ice Cube's son. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this dude looks so much like you. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, man. And he cast his run of the bell. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, because with Longshot and with Seth Rogen, a very unlikely rom-com lead, but he... Yeah. There's something about him that makes him work, especially in this, like a knocked up, he was paired with Katherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they would not normally be, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. in our perception, Charlize Theron, but he's got something that just works. And you play his best friend, correct? Yeah, yeah. And Seth has always been the relatable guy. You know, yeah. we, we feel like he we have friends in our circle that he reminds us of. And he gives us a shot. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, even though it's a long shot. It's a long shot. <laughs> Rule critics. <laughs> yeah. But, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, the whole environment that they, that they gave me to work with, Jonathan Levine, our director, he has a great job of finding the humor and pulling at the heartstrings. And you could tell Seth and Charlize's chemistry you know, from the jump, you really feel like these two are in their own bubble away from the world. You know, I, when I saw her in A Million Ways to Die in the West, which I mm-hmm. thought was an underrated film, and I'm like, does she have the comedic chops to do stuff? Yeah, she does. Yeah. She's really good. And so Seth Rogen's stuff is obviously known for the improvisational aspects of those films. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of that? Did you participate? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they want you to put some of yourself into the character. It makes it real. It makes it relatable. It looks like a real conversation. Sure. So, there, you know, he has a team of writers who are paying attention to how you work, you know, how you, what your timing is with jokes and things like that. And they're typing up stuff for you to try and try to make it your own. And as an actor, that keeps you sharp, keeps you on your, to- uh, on your toes. What about as a screenwriter, the screenwriter in you? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it had to be really cool because it's so much, I think we all think, Okay, you know, and even on major, major motion, epic pictures where they've brought, you know, they've had scripts. Sometimes the director calls like, you know, okay, Moses is going to do this tomorrow. We're going to change this up. And scripts have to be changed on the fly. So that's got to appeal to your on-the-spot creativity. Yeah, I love it. And, and as a, as writing being my first love, my, my primary job is to push the story along. Yeah, so yeah. you can ad-lib, you can do all types of improv, but as long as you push the story along, it should, it should stick. It should work, yeah. I want to ask you about uh, this, O'Shea, because we were talking earlier this morning. Uh, you know, your dad was in uh, Boys in the Hood, which, yeah. which I was telling my experience when I first saw it. I thought, ah, some gangbanger movie, whatever, blah, blah. Mm. And then I saw it, and I saw how deep it was and how just a masterpiece it was. And John Singleton's in a bad way right now. Yeah. He's in a coma. He had a stroke. Uh, has your dad remained close to him over the years? And have you been a part of his life as well? John, we as a family owe so much to John Singleton. And yeah, we've stayed close the entire time. Oh, man. My dad just recently went to go see him. And uh, yeah, I can see how it's affecting my parents. You know, mm. I can see how it, it's getting to them. John wrote my letter of recommendation going to USC. Wow. So like oh, wow. he it's it's you know it's it's heavy on my family right now. He's in our prayers and for as far as black people in cinema, John Singleton is oh, like man. you know he, he's our our cream of the crop, you know. Yeah. He, he's he's on our Rushmore. So you know, everybody needs to have John Singleton in, in their prayers. Yeah, yeah. I, it was just it was a sad story to hear for for that though and with your dad and with you uh, you know, there, to think that he would develop the skill set that he did, and then you obviously, mm. you know, uh, now you have music in your life as well. You're, yeah. you're, you're a musician and, and, and the screenwriting and all that stuff. Uh, but, you we're, you know, your pop culture sensitivity lies everywhere, uh, which is really <laughs> cool. So I was reading an interview with you where you said that, um, uh, like, a dream job for you would be writing 
scripts were video games. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people, I think for years, the big thing, the big point of contention was Roger Ebert said he never considered video games art. And I'm like, you're out of your freaking yeah, mind. Yeah, dude. It's, you know, there's so many people dedicated to gaming. You know, the you have the NBA making their own gaming league now. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a real serious thing. And I just always felt that video game films that are based on video games always got the short end of the stick. Like, they either told us as gamers a story we already knew the ending to, so it's no point of rewatching the game I just played. Exactly. Or, or, anyone, or they go too far off. Anyone come to mind like Doom effed it up? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, House of the Super Dead. Mario Brothers. Super Mario. Almost, like Nintendo <laughs> just was off making live action movies yeah. until just recently. Right. You know? Right. And and I just always wanted to be the guy who got video game movies right and. Even writing scripts for video games, because in my mind, I can make you pay $12 a movie ticket, or I can make you pay $60 a game. (laughs) You remember, like, for example, people don't remember, say, like, maybe it was the third Halo or the second Halo when that came out. I mean... It sold more in one day than any movie ever had. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just an incredible thing. Now you see with like uh, now do you play Fortnite and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, Fortnite, all that. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five made a billion dollars in one weekend. Yeah, <laughs> two days. <laughs> what what genre are, are you an uh, wow. RPG guy, a first person shooter? What what do you? What uh, do you a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, you know I've slowed down on the first person shooter because I just feel like Call of Duty keeps selling me the same game over and over. <laughs> it's and true, right? like like you an know? expansion pack. Yeah, it sounds just, like yeah. you know it's just the same thing. But, uh, yeah, 2K, you know, I love games that when you replay them, it's different. So sports games are always winning when it comes to that. It's different every single time you play. Um, When I was a kid, the first, you know, games that, like, as far as storylines grabbed me were the Final Fantasy games, you know, Kingdom Hearts, things like that. You know, so I remember, like, like when I played that first God of War game, I'm like, mother (laughs) effer. And they're supposed to make that into a movie, but if you played like the the last one where he's an older man with yeah, his, with his, his son, son, yeah, tell me that's not a a touching. You know, we're fans of the Zelda games too. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Of course. I, I mean, that's just that stuff's just wild. So yeah, Ocarina of Time is like one of the greatest games ever ever made. You know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. So what would you tackle if you wanted to tackle a movie to bring it to the screen? Um, what game. You know. Uh, I don't want to give out my right, ideas. Yeah, I, can't get, I can't give I out my you. ideas on no. the waves. They'll be like, oh, yeah, we were already thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we, speaking of a genre and all this cool stuff, Steve, the uh, uh, O'Shea's going to be, you had mentioned to me, in the new Godzilla movie. I'm, I'm a yeah. massive fan of that 2014 wow. Godzilla. I lo- I'm a big Toho fan. I'm a yeah. big uh, anime fan as well. And, and just those, the kaijus and all that stuff. This movie, I, I was telling these guys, I, I was literally tearing up watching the trailer for it because, I mean, they kept, you know, Ghidra Ghidorah yeah. as as exactly the way it looked in the yeah. Toho films, but with a way that we've never seen it before. Were you a fan, A, and B, what was it like working on that? Yeah, I've been a Godzilla fan my whole life, you yeah. know. Uh, my dad would do tours out in Japan and bring me back, you know, Godzilla toys Straight Outta Compton was the movie I was born to play. This is the second movie I was born to play in. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's pay-per-view. There's no way in the world that Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan should all be in the second movie. That's like third movie stuff. Yes. This is the second movie. And Mike Doherty, the director, did such a great job. I've seen it twice now. He's He did such a great job. When you finally give a nerd... 
the keys to the Ferrari, you know? We know how to handle it. It's, it's, it's stuff that we're passionate about. Yeah. And Mike, the score, he, he's got people to remake the original scores from the films. It's, it's amazing. And in the marketing, which is brilliant, they're using classic... Like Disney, they're using some uh, over the rainbow, yeah, and they're using just, yeah. very, very lyrical with, with Mothra, uh, you know, the raising wings, the, wings. the wings. But but it, and I tell these guys in the first one when Godzilla wakes up after the battle, oh. and on the screen on the Chiron it says "Savior of our city." I'm like, oh my god! I'm letting you know right now. Yeah, this is going to crush 2014. Ah, uh, I, I, it has it. every indication it will. Yeah. It's the movie we've been waiting for. Who do you? Uh, who do you play in that movie? I play Chief Warrant Officer Barnes. I'm the senior officer of G Team. Um, I, I take my orders from uh, Colonel Foster, aka Aisha Hines, huh? and uh, yeah, we are the grunts. They don't really care if we live or die. Right. <laughs> and, uh, we're downstairs to get the to get the mission done. We're part of Monarch, which is a branch of government who you know protects us from the things that bump in the night. So yeah. we know how to handle the time. And Monarch runs through all the films. Yeah. So so and and from Skull Island as well. So yeah. that it's all it's all this secret society. Secret society, <laughs> which I love. We love secret societies. Yeah. Speakeasies yeah. and things like that. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I get you. Did you get to play some pretty cool weapon toys and stuff like that? Oh and, yeah. yeah. You know, I had um, you know, I had some pretty intense training on Den of Thieves. So I, when I got to be in Godzilla, you know, I was like well aware of my weapon and everything. And you know, I'm not really doing too much though. But it's okay. uh, you know, we were made sure we were taught by Colonel Hans Bush. You know, Green Berets. They, they, they made sure that we were. You know, safe Looking and, right. and endangering safe, yeah. ourselves or anybody else. Right. I wanted to to ask you with uh, with this film um, with Longshot, uh, you have recreations of so so. Charlize Theron is a, was a babysitter to Seth Rogen when yeah. they were younger, and now she is become Secretary the of State, Secretary of State, running for the, the presidency. presidency. And uh, so, but there there are things that are set up that look like the Oval Office and stuff like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty dude, cool. You, you, you taking pictures of you sitting at the desk? And yeah, yeah. Of course, you know you got to get a couple of those. And they did, yeah, did such a great job with the replica. Um, but yeah, it, you know it's a good time. It's a good movie. It, it's just it was just such a fun set. Definitely one of the funnest in my early career. That's very cool. Nice. So, got a question for you? All right, we're gonna try some Game of Thrones trivia. All right, yeah, let's do it. Because yeah. <laughs> we did, we did this the other day. I was I'm I'm so biting at the bit. Uh, to test my own knowledge. So these guys came up with a bunch of trivia questions, and we only went through a few of them. Yes. You did pretty good. You did right. very, very uh, solidly. Uh, I think there were just a couple, and even the ones you got wrong were just shades of uh, yeah, it was difference. So, so yeah. should O'Shea and I play against each other, you think? or Why not? Now you, 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 How uh, about you ask him a question now, instead of us like buzzing in right. to see who's okay. first? You want to give right. him a buzzer? Uh, uh, come on, give him a buzzer. Hey, uh, what would you rather do? You want to? Uh, uh, man, I'm down for whatever. Man. All right, all right. All right. The music got me hot. He came to play. <laughs> <laughs> I, ready. I need a buzzer. Hang you. on, Casey. Okay, so got a buzzer. All right, for we got me. A I don't want to use the Pico power play. Oh, yeah. Marissa's got the other. Use buzzer. the bell. All right, we have right several here. buzzers. Yeah, I, I bought them on Amazon. All right, that's me. All right, and then we'll give O'Shea. You already have on this here that. Yeah, that one. Oh wow. Your ass off. Yeah. <laughs> this is treason. <laughs> All right, when you when you buzz in, hold up by the microphone. All right. so let's hear it. All right. All right, All right. So that's O'Shea, and then I'm. That's it. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. So let's knocking a few of these off. You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. And by the way, Steve doesn't watch the show, so the pronunciations are going to be a little weird. Oh, right? that's yeah, great. Well, you guys have to tell me. Sketch. All right. All right. 
A great man once said, I drink and I know things. Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. <laughs> you give the score next? I yeah. let him have that one. All right. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> All right. What is Prince Oberon Martell's nickname? Preston. Uh, he's the Viper. Mm. Um, Full name? Uh, oh, it's some... Um, wait, the Desert Viper. No. That's not it. I'm glad you win. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. I have here... Sand Viper. Viper. The Red Viper. Oh, the Red, Red Viper. So do I get negative points on that? No, no, no. no. Okay. All but, right. But O'Shea should be allowed to, to answer. Or, or he, I, if he, he passed. passed. If we get yeah. one wrong, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. He essentially passed on that one. What is the name of Jon Snow's Valerian Steel Sword? Preston. Longclaw. That is right. Woo! Thank you. Strong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finish the end of the night wa- Night's Watch vow. I pledge my life. And now my watch begins. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I have, uh, you have an answer, O'Shea? Not what he said. Uh, <laughs> How does the question end, It by says, the way? I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this night. My watch begins? No, I have oh, for, the, oh, for this night and, uh, wow, and all... All and, and liberty for all. And, and liberty, <laughs> liberty, 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 fraternity, fraternity, for fraternity for all. For all. Uh, and all my nights. Uh, all nights to come. All, all nights, nights to come. come. Uh, uh, right. so. That's our one one. Mm. All right. I thought the last line was, and now my watch. Oh, you know what? That's what they say in response. And now your watch begins. Yeah. 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 All right. So all no, right. no point. Wow. No, no point. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of Ned Stark's great sword? Ooh. Ice. Wow. wow. I wouldn't have known that. All right. strong. Yeah, that's just from, it's only in the first couple episodes that they uh, they reveal the name of that. All right. All right. I think you both have a shot at this one. What were the Mad King's final words? Yes. Burn them all. That's right. Nice. 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 Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, strong. All right. Protect me, Lord of Light, for the night is dark and full of terrors. Ooh, very good. Yeah. Oh, all right. Start to feel it. <laughs> What is the name of the royal executioner who beheaded oh. Preston? Ilan Payne. He's on the list. Yep. He's, He's on, on the list. list. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, All right. We're asking a lot of sword names here, you guys. Oh. All right. And not good for you? I can skip. No, no wait, no, wait, no, wait. No, no, no. It All might right. be the one I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If Shay thinks it's the one he might know. Right. What is the name of Arya Stark's oh. needle? Needle. Yes. 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 Nice. Nice. I actually know two then. All right. <laughs> All right. What is Jon Snow's birth name? Oh. Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. Very good. Very strong. Let's go. You're, you're damn good. All right. <laughs> two languages have been invented for the show and name them both. No one of them. Oh, damn it. Okay. He's got it. Dothraki. Yeah. Valyria? Yeah. Uh, he got it. Yeah, he got yeah. it. I couldn't come up with the Valyrian until <laughs> late. All right. All right. How many actors have played the mountain? Oh, wow. Preston. Two. No. <laughs> really? Wow. We forgot about Baby Mountain, remember? Three. Three is correct. Oh! Including Stone. the Icelandic strong man. Stone. <laughs> Hot for, you know, New York. Thank you for saying. All right.
<laughs> All right. If a member of the did I say this already? No. Do it again. If a member of the Night's Watch dies, what is commonly said at their funeral? Damn it. And now your watch ends. Yes. Yeah. And now your watch is over. <laughs> is it over or ends? Ends. Yeah. Damn it. Ended. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that's what we have. That's, uh, yeah. That's, that's it. Awesome. Thank you. Strong. I got skunked. Seven Dude, you to start, three. You started out strong too, Preston. Strong. I was like, <laughs> you know, we'll see Longshot May third. Lord of Light, protect the studio Hang for on. the night is dark and full of terror. <laughs> I have to do this. Bend the knee. Bend the knee for O'Shea. I appreciate morning. you guys. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, well, listen, uh, the movie's coming out, and uh, everybody will get their Marvel stuff out of their system this weekend. Thanos <laughs> loses. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll get out to see uh, a rom-com with uh, some really big names in it. Uh, Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron, and, of course, the gentleman that is here with us this morning. Dude, nice to meet you. Good luck with everything. Thank you, man. Long appreciate shot, you. May 3rd. It's O'Shea Jackson, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. This is Q-A. I'll take Nick McElwain's birthday for 1,000, Preston. All right, your clue. This local Philadelphia phenomenon visited the Preston and Steve show to play Jeopardy, therefore fulfilling one of Nick's bucket list dreams. Hmm. Who is 16-time Jeopardy champion Ryan Long? That is correct. Hey, see who is victorious. The Daily Rush video featuring Nick and Ryan's unofficial Tournament of Champions is available now on PrestonandSteve.com. I saw this uh, pretty cool list. It's from Listverse.com. I found it on BuzzFeed, but Listverse was uh, the origin of it. And the title got me. It says, 10 Myths about weapons and combat you believe because of movies. Oh. I love this. So it essentially is going to blow the lid off of uh, some things that you may have thought were legit about uh, weapons and combat and so on that you've seen from movies. Uh, things like uh, And even in The Last Action Hero, there's a scene where he, uh, Schwarzenegger is convinced that if you just shoot at a car, the gas tank will explode all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So... We'll start with this one, and you've seen this in movies before. Sealing up a wound by burning it makes the the infection go away. Cauterizing it, right? Yeah. Well, that's part of it. But right. uh, so you you may have seen this one used plenty of times. Somebody gets shot or stabbed, and due to not being able to go to a regular hospital, they end up burning the wound to stop the infection. In the minds of the writers, it probably works due to the simple equation of burned skin equals burned bacteria. But if they took just five minutes to learn how wounds work, they'd realize that it's the worst idea ever. Burning the wound doesn't just fail to reduce the risk of infection. It actually makes it worse than it would have been if you had done nothing. Doesn't Rambo do that in one of the... Uh... He does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, while it is true that heat kills the active pathogens already in the wound... It also causes serious burns, and those burns allow other, possibly worse types of bacteria to get in. That was a big mistake. As the natural defenses of the skin are no longer working. Cauterizing the wound, as you were saying, Steve, uh, is only acceptable if you're in a situation involving rapid blood loss. And right. there's absolutely nothing else you can do to stop yourself from bleeding out. And that you'd have to, you'd have to be bleeding <laughs> profusely. The only time I've held a lit torch to myself was to stop bleeding. Right. It wasn't to kill the germs. Yeah. Uh, you really did that? No. Okay. <laughs> but it sounds cool, and it makes you a real badass. And it's it, Preston, in a movie, it's the equivalent of walking away from an explosion without looking at it. Yeah, exactly. It's the most badass thing you can do yep. is to hold that or to heat up a 
sword and hold it to your wound. Yeah, that's yeah. how you handle it. There was a uh, you don't go. <laughs> It was a uh, a pretty funny movie that came out a couple of years ago with David Koechner was in it and, and uh, some guy that uh, Marissa loves so much. But uh, uh, he was in Empire Records, the kid from Dutch. Anyway, the uh, Ethan in, Embry. In, Ethan Embry. There we go. Uh, so Starring the kid that Marissa loves so much. <laughs> at one point in the movie, uh, one of the characters gets paid to chop his own pinky off, and but before they do that, they heat up a. An iron, right? Yes. So they chop it off, and then boom, they they end up burning the uh, you know the chopped off finger with an iron to sort of like stop the bleeding and cauterize the wound. With with right. burned skin, though, you're you're also running. There's all sorts of possibilities for infection and things yeah. of that nature. That's what it said. Yeah, yeah. yeah that uh, you actually make it worse. I made it worse. All right, here's one. Grenades don't send people flying. <laughs> oh, they don't. Grenades in movies portrayed as the ultimate weapon of destruction. You toss one in a house, and it goes up in flames. Their explosions are also shown to send people flying. That is, of course, except when the hero is walking away from the huge grenade explosion, which uh, case grenades are apparently harmless. In reality, grenades aren't capable of doing any of that and aren't even meant for that purpose. Grenades are used for incapacitation. And most of the active grenade designs uh, that we have aim to maim or shrapnel fragments. Uh, so it's not a it's not incendiary. It's gonna it's gonna cut through you. Uh, he said it says sure if you throw yourself on top of one you may end up getting blown apart though that would be the only case that grenades can do that. Uh, there are other better weapons used for huge explosions that would send people flying away. Haven't you always wanted to throw a hand grenade? Yes, a real hand grenade. A real hand. Pull grenade. the pin out and throw it. Yep, I would love to. Also, do Also, the German hand grenades from World War II, the potato mashers. Yep, mm-hmm. those yep. were cool. Is there a way that you guys could do that? I think there is. There's Hand Grenade City, which is open on the weekends. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know where where you would. I mean, I, that's a cool thing. If if hey, if they allow uh, axe throwing. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's, it'll be the new drinking sport. That's military munitions. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're so. not going to go to a gun store. And... Right next to I fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there are places out west where you can go and fire, you know, fully automatic weapons. If yeah. you pay, you can fire a 50 caliber machine gun and things like that. You got to pay for it. So maybe there's grenades. I don't know. Look at that. All right. Here you go. Here's another one. These are uh, things that we've learned from movies about weapons and combat, but just simply aren't true. Uh, warning shot to the leg is not a real thing. It says this is someone something that many people believe due to how prevalent it is in popular fiction. We think that it's a regular part of a cop's training to first fire a warning shot in the air and then, if the warning shot didn't help, shoot the legs to bring the criminal to the ground. We're not entirely sure where this comes from, but movies and TV shows regularly employ it. Actually, it says here no cop in any country is trained to do that for a few good reasons. For one... It is ridiculously hard to aim at someone's legs or any specific body part, really, when they're moving. If a cop is able to do that, then they're probably overqualified and deserve to be a master marksman in some elite division of the military. Another reason is that leg wounds can be fatal if the bullet hits the wrong place. Yeah, you hit an artery. And have equivalent odds of killing someone as wounds to the torso which doesn't actually work as a warnings per se. Isn't the safer bet to shoot the gun out of their hands, Preston? Yeah, you should do that. <laughs> it's just thing can. to do. Yeah. Disarm them that just, way. Disarm them that Or shoot past them to the person who's holding them hostage. Now, I have seen, I remember seeing footage one time, a time of a sharpshooter. Uh, it was in a situation where a guy had a gun. He didn't have a hostage or anything like that, but they, they had, basically he was, he was sitting alone by himself and... Um, he was holding the gun, uh, kind of resting his arm on yes. his knee, 
And every now and then he would just kind of dangle it down between his legs and when he was talking to the police. So uh, this sharpshooter had noticed this pattern that he kept doing that. And so he trained the uh, the sites where that guy would rest the gun down. And there's video footage of him shooting the gun right out of the guy. Wow, hand. that's cool. It was pretty amazing. So in certain situations, yeah, you might be able to do something. Like that. Ah! Sorry. Here's another one. The landmine click. <laughs> Uh, you says, always hear that movie. Yeah, we'd be more forgiving toward this one uh, as working knowledge of how landmines work isn't something TV or movie writers should have easy access to. Regardless, landmines are a real danger in many conflict areas of the world. And the only things that we know about them come from movies. The landmine click sound is so widely employed in fiction that TV tropes had a whole page dedicated to it. Uh, there is even a movie based entirely on that uh, creatively named Landmine Goes Click. As you've guessed, it refers to the belief that landmines make an audible click when you step on them and only explode when you step off. It says here, we don't need to tell you why that's inaccurate, because if that's how landmines work, it would defeat their whole purpose. They usually go off as soon as you step on them, as the goal is to cause the maximum amount of damage without giving you any time to think. So Maybe there are some that, some that do that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there, there's got to be different kinds of of, uh, of landmines, and then there's wired uh, explosives and things of that nature. But so the ones that I always thought were the ones that click, and again, this is probably based on movies. And uh, you know, there's a, I remember uh, there's a movie called The Boys in Company C, where the guy steps on the landmine, hears the click, yep. and the other guys come up around him and sort of wait down the that. trigger device, yeah. and then they go running, yep. and it explodes. Uh, so that's probably not accurate. I don't think it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, here, this says, here's another myth about uh, weapons in combat. Shooting C4 can't cause an explosion. <laughs> oh, man. You have to run a fuse into it, don't you? Uh, the impact is massively overestimated or un- underestimated, depending on what movie you're watching, despite information on how they work being readily available online. If the writers just bother to look for this one, it says uh, plastic explosives like C4. We'll take that. Movies and TV shows that have you think the C4 will explode just from being shot or tossed into a fire. As it happens, though, C4 is one of the most stable explosives that we currently have. It won't explode from being shot, and it burns really slowly compared to other explosives. You can even light it up if you're stuck in a tricky situation with no available sources of fire. Oh, we got to try that. <laughs> As plastic explosives are thoroughly tested by the military for stability before they're put into use. That's the thing. They want those things to be stable so they don't yeah, go off by you're running around in battle. Uh, this doesn't mean that you, shouldn't, that you should go around playing with explosives in your free time. Uh, some of them, like dynamite, are unstable in nature and will absolutely explode when they're shot, but well, C4 won't. We know, especially from Lost, and we don't know if this is true or not, but it seems to be true. I believe it to be true, scientifically, <laughs> that dynamite will sweat and cause nitroglycerin. Yep. That is, uh, that's true. So, um, can you shoot C4 with no, it would have no impact whatsoever? I believe that's the case. There's a place right next to the grenade throwing place okay. that I go to, Nick, uh, yeah, yeah, that okay. lets you shoot C4. It's called yeah. uh, C4 and after, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so, uh, I'm sorry, what makes it go off then? Is it an electrical charge? Like, I don't know. I, once again, for movies, there's a blasting cap that you stick in there. I don't know. Kate. It usually looks like a little, like a like a fuse type thing connected to a. Uh, it's like it's like a uh, almost like a, uh, like a, a meat thermometer. Yeah, yeah. 
Maybe that's what you use, Preston, a regular barbecue meat tomorrow. That's probably, you know, so no one would ever expect that, so. Oh, you going you to go barbecue? Oh, no, I'm going to detonate some C4. Also, okay. side note, C4 is a rapper from Birmingham, England. Oh, fair no, enough. Known for his off tra- uh, songs Off Track and Crazy Song. How okay. easy is it to blow him up? I don't know. <laughs> What's the actual technical term for C4 here? Um, it's the C word. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they reduced it down to C. It's like uh, D, D4. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't say here. I'm not really sure. What's right. the D for? <laughs> anyway, uh, how about this? Uh, getting shot isn't an automatic death sentence. You see that a lot. Well, we know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially so you, in movies, you know, you'll see somebody get shot and they're, I mean, they're gone. I've seen John Wick get shot 15,000 times. They don't, they don't, uh, sit and suffer for a little while or, or, you know, right. manage to make their way around. Uh, it says that uh, not only does it betray a severe lack of knowledge of how guns work, but it also causes unnecessary panic in real gunshot situations. As it turns out, gunshot wounds aren't fatal in most cases. Uh, we're not saying that a single gunshot wound has no chance of killing you. It certainly does, though it doesn't happen as often as you think. People have survived much worse than what movies would believe us would straight up kill us. Even in case of multiple gunshot wounds, there's a good chance that you can survive as long as you get immediate medical so attention. So it doesn't kill you immediately? <laughs> immediately, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. But also, I mean, it can if you get shot in the head or something like that, chest, right in the heart. Yeah. yeah. But you get shot too. It also it can break a bone. It can, you know, it, it can cause, it can rip up Nerves. organs. Yeah, absolutely. And, but some people get shot and don't even know they've been shot. We've had many bizarre file stories about that. I have a bulletproof vest made out of C4, and I wear that all wow. the time. Yeah. Now that I know that you can't uh, set it off by shooting it. Uh, cigarettes can't make gasoline catch on fire. Really? So throwing a lit cigarette in gasoline what? and spectacularly blowing it up has been a part of action movies for a long time. It makes it for a tense moment. Uh, but it says no matter how good it looks on screen, in reality, there's no way that you can use a cigarette to start a fire with gas. Well, this disappoints me. I yeah. want to <laughs> test that. Yeah. yeah. You know what's, I mean? what's, well, it's usually the vapors, right? It's the vapors that, ex- that that cause the explosion. Yes. You know, it's one of the most, and uh, hey, listen, I, I, I love the movie. It's a great action movie. But there's that final sequence in Die Hard 2. Where he takes the cigarette lighter and throws oh. it into oh, yeah. the trail of fuel. In the yeah. snow. In the snow. <laughs> yeah. A 747 taking off and somehow in Looney Tunes fashion, that whole st- that whole line of fuel lights up and blows up. The, and goes uh, up into the air. Into the air. Yeah. And, and yes, and I, I've seen, and jet fuel I think is even less combustible. As you would want it to be, right? Well, than gasoline because I, I saw one time they were... Um, it was a special, and they were talking about, you know, jets and, and just the fuel in particular. And there was a guy who took a match to this jet fuel and just sticks it right in there, and it just the match just goes out. It doesn't like that way. I mean, there are certain ways to combust certain fuels that you need to use that way to do it. And you know? in that scene, too, Steve, like, when, when after it makes the jump into yeah. the air and it starts blowing up the plane, the, the 747, it literally starts uh, making all of the air in the 747 explode. Yes, it, <laughs> it, it blows up from the from the back, from the cheap or, seats yeah. forward, so the last right. people to be incinerated is first class. Yeah, the flammable air yeah. within inside <laughs> the 747 explodes as well. I, I've also read that just explosions themselves, um, the way that they're portrayed in movies, are... Fantastic! That they don't. Most explosions aren't balls of fire. Aren't balls of fire? Yeah. Aren't, aren't, aren't as glorious to look at as the ones that you see in movies. Yeah. Hang on. We're watching the. We're watching the moment that John <laughs> McClane lights the plane on fire. It's you know. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. 
I want to go to Matt, who was in the Marine Corps and ran over a landmine. He can tell you what happens. Hey, Matt, good morning. Hey, good morning, Preston. How are you guys doing today? Good, good buddy. On. Hey, when did this happen? So I was in the Marine Corps between 2003 and 2007. I went to Iraq in 2004, and I was driving my la- uh, my truck with 1,400 gallons of fuel. I was a refuel operator. Jesus. And I ran over a double-stacked tank mine. And what the engineer had told me was there are two landmines set on top of each other, roughly about a foot underground, okay. and there's a, pes- a pressure plate. And all they do is takes about 25 to 50 pounds of pressure, and they explode. Wow. So I ran over both of them, and I was driving my truck. And it's not the, like uh, Nick was saying, it's not the ball of fire that the movies produce. Okay. It's just a concussion, explosion, and obviously the debris and goes everything with it. All right. How did you survive? Yeah. Well, I survived. I was in the driver's seat, and we were just driving along. And it, uh, the truck is a very big up-armored vehicle. Now, in 2004, they weren't really that up-armored, but they were strong enough to kind of withstand the blast. But it just you kind of take that, and uh, I'm doing just fine. I have all my limbs. I'm very fortunate. Thank God. Yeah. Matt, what, what about the, the fuel you were hauling? How did that not ignite? That's what the engineer was, was kind of shocked about, the fact that, the fuel uh, that I was carrying is the JP8, and um, just driving along, and, and it's one of those things that it's uh, you know fortunate that it wasn't stronger at the time. They weren't using really oh the God. explosive materials to yeah. really set fire to anything, but months later they started making the explosions much worse than what they actually were okay. when I got there. And then it, uh, yeah, the engineer was just kind of shocked that I made it through the way I did. I was very fortunate. How, I mean, I had to scare the hell out of you, but but oh, was yeah. it, was I it deafening? From, I suffer from PTSD to this day. I yeah. still work on things, and I still have that thought in my sleep every now and then. But it's just one of those things that you go through, you sign up for, and you kind of take it as, as a chance to being a driver in that country in those years. Was That's it most likely what's going to happen? Was it as deafeningly loud as you as we might think it would be? Oh, absolutely, and yeah. then some. And unfortunately, we're not you know able to go. Oh, hold on, let me put my earplugs. Right, right. Yeah. 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 We're yeah. driving along, and and I was actually because we were kind of roughing it. And when I got to the base that I was in in Iraq, um, I was pretty dirty. I hate to say that, but. Uh, the wax and dirt build up in my ears created almost like a protective barrier. No kids. Wow. So when I returned back to base, the, the corpsman that was checking me out was looking through my ears and goes, you know, oh, my God, dude, like your eardrums are safe almost because they're pretty damaged. And yeah. I had a lot of ringing in my ears for a few days after that. But because of the dirt build up in my ears, <laughs> it almost it stopped my the concussive nature from yeah. rupturing my eardrums. He said I would have lost like 50% of my hearing, would have suffered a minor concussion, and I would have been suffering from that for years and years and years. It, it's amazing you're doing as well as you are, but, uh, yeah, that, sure. yeah that's, that, you know, thank you. That's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, Matt, that's pretty yeah, wild. It's Thanks. incredible. I look back on it all the time, and I'm how in the hell did I... Yeah. All that stuff the way I did, as fortunate as I am. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Well, thanks for stepping up for the country, man. We appreciate it. Anytime. Right. Take care, bud. We'll see you. That's yep. wild, dude. Can you, and you're in a fuel truck. Unbelievable. I am a pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, yes, Casey. Line one. Do you want to go to him? Line one. Okay. Let me go to Tom. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Hey. Uh, you're talking about the gasoline with the cigarette. Yeah. Uh, we were drinking one day at a buddy of mine's garage. Oh, that's a good start. To <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Just drinking in the garage. Go ahead. We were, we were dropping a gas tank, and we dumped the gas into a bucket. A buddy of mine seen me smoking a cigarette. He's like, yo, man, you're going to blow us all up. I turn around and say, what are you talking about? He goes, you're smoking right above a gas get on the gas. I was like, you're really worried about it? I spit it out of my mouth into the bucket. Everybody cleared out of the shop within a second. <laughs> And then what I happened? That's when the whole place exploded. <laughs> no, what happened? I pretty much almost got my butt kicked by about 20 guys. <laughs> no, but I mean, did anything catch on fire? That's what I'm asking you. Nah, nothing caught on fire. It just went right out. Wow. Okay. Well, there so, you go. I, I did a little Thanks, research. And, and the reason why it, nothing catches on fire when this happens is that it's very improbable that anything will light because uh, gas uh, ignites between 500 degrees Fahrenheit and 540 Fahrenheit. And uh, the cigarette at its hottest is between 450 degrees and 500 degrees. So it doesn't okay. it literally doesn't get hot enough to light the gas. That's okay. why we were talking to somebody about the, the transporting the fuel and that the fuel, uh, the bigger issue is when the truck is empty. As opposed to when it's full of the fuel. Because of the vapors. Yeah. Because of that, yes. Yeah. You, you guys all have garages. You got to just... Uh, I always smoke out in the garage well, and yeah. fill up my tub full of gas. You got a bucket of way. gas in there? Absolutely. <laughs> Honey, you take my bucket of gas? <laughs> By the way, there was a great show called uh, Deadliest Warrior uh, where they used to pit, you know, like uh, they, they would take uh, from, from history... Uh, different fighting groups, you know, like the Vikings fight the uh, the North, uh, fight the uh, Mongolians, uh, the Mongolians, or something like that. And who would win? Well, they would also do modern military stuff. Yeah. And they would they would test all kinds of of uh, grenades and and landmines and things like that. And one of the things they would measure was the concussive force, not necessarily um, the actual fire or the shrapnel or things like that, but just simply the the air moving as fast as it does. And how that alone can kill you from grenades and sure. landmines and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah so absolutely. So you wouldn't see this big, you know, bright orange explosion with lots of smoke and stuff. It would just be bang, and it would be a flash. And they would say, "Yeah, these these they would they would set these dummies up and they would put these um, uh, detectors on there and they would say, "Yeah, all these guys would be dead. These guys would be okay. They wow. might be harmed." Pretty wild joke. My dad was in uh, Italy in World War II, and there was a guy who, uh, just a couple of feet back from him, they uh, they were uh, marching along, and they sat down to take a, a break along the side of the road, and the guy just, like, leaned back, like, ah, with his backpack on to rest, and uh, set off a, a mine, oh, but the backpack was so thick that it absorbed most of the explosion, sent some shrapnel around, but I'm like... There you go. Yeah, when you think your number's up, you know, that's just... A, and this guy driving over two yeah. stacked mines. Uh, so here's another misconception about uh, weapons and combat from movies. Snipers and laser dots. Uh, it says, in real life, landing successful shots is super difficult for snipers because of long distances, gravity, and wind. It's more science than fighting. And they say that uh, when when you see uh, it says it for one it's it's hugely impractical accessory for a laser dot for someone who's supposed to, supposed to be hidden as a glowing laser beam kind of instantly gives you away the position. 
More importantly, though, there's no way a laser can precisely pinpoint the location of the shot. Accurately calculating that based on the above-mentioned variables is a major part of sniper's training. Uh, even for moderately long distances, the position of their crosshairs during a shot is almost never at the same place as where the, the round will hit. Moreover, laser attachments don't work over long distances and are accurate in close quarter situations. I've used the laser dot. Uh, my friend, you know, uh, has a whole bunch of uh, rifles and so on and so forth. It took me to the range one day, and it's, it's it's pretty cool. It does help, but I can see in a short distance, that's part that's of the what deal. you want it. Yeah. But uh, what they do have is, Preston, they have taken the same targeting devices that they will use on jet fighters, and they've modded that down for rifles. And so you can, um, that that increases accuracy on a huh. tremendous level. Interesting. Uh, that technology is is moving along. It's pretty cool. All right, and the last one on this list is, and you mentioned this at the beginning, Steve, cars don't explode when you shoot them. <laughs> uh, Mythbusters has proven that no matter how many times you shoot a car, it simply won't explode in a big ball of fire, despite, despite how good it looks on the screen. Uh, firearms aside, it's surprisingly difficult to blow up a car in general as almost all types of fuels used in cars around the world are stable enough to not allow that to happen. The exploding cars myth causes problems in real life, too, as many bystanders are wary of approaching the scene of a car accident to help victims due to an irrational fear of the car blowing up. Did you see the... uh, Here's something that that just had me bust out laughing and got me angry at the same time. Did you see the gender reveal footage from Australia where the... Uh... I have it in the bizarre file. Okay, I'll let Coming you, I'll let you tell. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty it, classic. It, it, and apparently it happens more often than you realize it does. So oh, really? stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I was watching an episode of The Sopranos not that long ago, and uh, there's a scene where uh, a guy um, takes a phone book, has a woman hold it, and then he shoots her. And um, it, it, the phone book saves her life. And I was wondering if that was a complete myth. Like, if, if you hold a phone book, depending on the caliber of the gun and the gunshot, if the phone book would, would serve as a bulletproof vest. That's a good question. But on, on the uh, Deadliest Warrior show, one thing, one thing that I thought was, uh, it, it went contrary to what I believed. It has to do with water. Right. That no, almost no matter how powerful a, a gun is, the one the bullet will slow down uh, after about three feet of water. Oh, and that's it. They did it test after test with really powerful weapons. That going into water, it, it really like so in Saving Private Ryan when you see all those bullets flying yeah. through, that simply wouldn't happen. Uh. Would it? Would it really? Yeah, <laughs> really. They, they did it. Yeah, I, I saw. I'll see if I can find the footage for yeah. you. It's hard, it's hard to believe. I'd be curious. Yeah, but the way the physics work. Is, I know that water water will absolutely deflect the the the, the path of a no, bullet. It stops it. Stops it. Yeah, huh. it it, uh, it becomes ineffective after about three feet. Okay, it's pretty wild. It's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. But that's they, really they, interesting. They, they did shot yeah. after shot, and oh. and they they ran it through that. Nick, I'm so glad you brought up the Sopranos thing because I literally twice this week was going to uh, bring that scene up. Oh, I don't remember why, but. The reason they did that was to scare her, right? right? She thought she was going to get shot, and they, boom, they shoot it. Yeah. And the bullet stopped around, like, the letter S or something like that. Exactly. And I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, next time if it'll make it all the way, all the way through. Right. Um, it was an intimidation tactic, and, yeah. and the, but the phone book saved her life. Uh, here's one that is not on this list, and I'm glad the texters are bringing it up because that's all that's on the list. And I thought for sure this would be on there, is that uh, suppressors don't make the bullet, the, the gunshot go... Oh, no, right. no, it it, it 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 will reduce the sound by a fraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been at French Creek Outfitters and shot 
handguns that have suppressors on them. Mm-hmm. And what really what makes a lot of the noise is the um, is the bullet breaking the sound barrier. Yeah, that's oh. where a lot of that noise comes from. So you still hear bang. I mean, it's really loud. It's not. They just, just, it makes the gun look cool. Yeah, it, do does. it does make it look really it cool. It looks really cool. I've seen the ones where they put the potato over it. Have you ever seen yes, that? When in, you're making it, french fries. In the yeah. movies? And they use a potato as a suppressor? As a style, as yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. And and does it go... Same exact. Sometimes oh they'll God. just put a Mr. Potato Head over it. Yeah. yeah that's bad. All right. Uh, yeah, I've seen stuff like that, Casey. My, my guess is it really doesn't work. Some Anyhow. people are saying that they they would use phone books as uh, in target practice, and so they put the phone books at the end of, end of the range and shoot at the phone book, and then they would uh, pick the bullets out of the phone book itself. So no it, kidding, it, it would yeah. serve as a um, these a days term. that's probably the only use for a phone book, <laughs> right? What do you do when you get the phone book? <laughs> I don't throw it out right in the trash. Yeah, right? yeah, it's wow. a shame. Interesting. Uh, and somebody's texting and thinking I'm thinking of MythBusters with the uh, shooting into the water because apparently they did that too. No, that was it was. Deadliest Warrior, but I'm sure Mythbusters yeah. did that, too. So it's interesting stuff. All right. Well, anyhow, thought we would share the info. Interesting. Kind of an interesting list. Uh, we do need to take a break. Stay with us. Stream WMMR anywhere you have an internet connection. Listen on our mobile app or go to WMMR.com. The most hated jeweler in America makes it so easy to get engaged. Meet the beautiful, classy, and brilliant Krista. She's Stephen's most loved engagement ring and will dazzle. She takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant diamond in a classic solitaire setting. Meet Krista today, starting at under $700. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only. Free shipping and interest-free financing. It's so easy. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. All right, I meant to get to this story yesterday, so uh, better late than never, but it uh, it's going to take up a good portion of the bizophile. Maybe you heard this, maybe not. An Arizona man has spoken out uh, the heartbreak that he endured when he learned that the body of his mother, which he donated to a medical research center, was sold off to the military and blown up in a blast testing experiment. Oh, How the hell does that happen? So his hope is she's going to be used to forward knowledge of Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, Doris Stauffer, 73 years old, died five years ago in hospice care following a several-year battle with Alzheimer's, despite doctors saying that she didn't carry the gene for the disease. Medical officials feared the condition may have mutated and hoped to study her brain after her death to further investigate. However, when she died in 2014, her neurologist was unable to accept her remains, so her son, Jim, reached out to a number of donation facilities who he hoped would continue the investigation. So finally he settled on Biological Resource Center, BRC, in Maricopa County following a recommendation from a nurse under the agreement that the company, led by a guy named Stephen Gore, would send her brain to a neurological research group. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he found the right location, found the right place. Um, but Jim said, I feel foolish now because I'm not a trusting person, but in this situation, you have no idea uh, that this is going on, and you trust. And I think that trust is what they fed on. He recalled how an official from uh, BRC came to pick up his mother's remains within 45 minutes of her death. 
He signed an agreement with the official in which it was detailed that uh, of what would and would not happen to Doris's remains. So several days later, he received a wooden box that contained, quote, the majority of his mother's ashes. However, no information was provided about how Doris's body was used or where the rest of her remains were. Another three years would pass before he learned what really happened to his mother. The record showed that BRC workers... Deta- uh, detached one of Doris's hands for cremation. After sending those ashes back to her son, the company then sold and shipped the rest of her body, including her brain, which is what they wanted to have work, you know, uh, testing yeah, yeah, on, yeah. to a taxpayer-funded research blast testing project for the U.S. Army. Doris's cadaver was then strapped to a chair on some sort of apparatus, and explosive device was detonated beneath her. The idea... Did you see that? Woo! The idea of the, the experiment is to get an idea of what the human body goes through when a vehicle is hit by an IED. So that is, okay. that's useful information. Definitely is. But, All the fighting grannies out there. But you need to, you know, you, you got you to gotta know. You that should ask someone yeah. before you blow up their grandmother. Here's the deal. Jim said there was actually wording on this paperwork about performing this stuff, performing these medical tests that may involve explosions, and we said no. So we checked the no box on all of that. Yeah, no to blowing up. Uh, BRC and military records show that at least 20 other bodies were also used in the blast experiments without permission of the donors or their relatives. Uh, the donated bodies were all sold to the military for $5,893 each. Officials on the project uh, said that they never received the consent forms from the donors or their families that along, Hi, uh, that along with the cadavers. Instead, they were forced to rely on the assurances of BRC that the families or donors had all agreed to be used in this specific type of research. And how did they think that simply a cremated hand would pass for an entire cremated body. Well, this the guy running it was... Uh, Shifty? Yeah, big time. Jim says that he still struggles with the reality of the grisly end his mother's remains met, adding that his memories of her are regularly plagued by visions of the experiment. Jim is one of 33 plaintiffs named against the lawsuit against BRC and its owner, Stephen Gore. We blowed up a lot of bodies. In which the gruesome details of how the uh, center misused loved ones' bodies is compared to the horror novel Frankenstein. Now, it gets worse. Listen to this. It's worse than this? Oh, yeah. Gore was found guilty of operating an illegal business in 2015. It was discovered that he had been selling off body parts. More than 1,755 human body parts were found at the facility, which took 142 body bags to move and weighed 10 tons. Now, in a declaration for the lawsuit, former FBI Special Agent Mark uh, Quinar uh, described various unsettling scenes at the site in Phoenix. Quinar told of a small woman's head sewn onto a large male torso that was hanging from the wall in a, quote, Frankenstein manner. So they did that as like a... Its placement was described as an an apparent morbid joke. Jesus. He also spoke of a cooler filled with male genitalia, infected heads, and bucket of heads, arms, and legs without any identification tags. This is Ed Gein stuff. There were also blood and bodily fluids on the floor of the freezer. Listen, I want to make this up to you. How about some sphincter candle holders? (laughs) The BRC picked up the bodies of deceased loved ones from the family home, from family homes, and from there they sold the, the parts to middlemen for profit. 
Bodies were cut up using chainsaws and bandsaws, tools that are not supposed to be used when medically dismembering cadavers. Mm. There was even a price list for body parts, which included a whole upper torso for four grand, an intact torso for twenty nine hundred, a spine for nineteen hundred, a leg from mid femur to toe tip for six hundred. And you can make those thin slices, please. A head for five hundred and a knee for three hundred and seventy five dollars. A full intact body could cost anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars. So uh, the clientele, that's what I'm interested in. Who is paying for these knees and heads and necks and hands? <laughs> I don't know. It is. It, it seems to be testing. Uh, uh, facilities. He admitted that the bodies were not used in a way that donors had permitted and that he was overwhelmed working in an industry without regulation. Man. So Gore was sentenced in 2015 to one year deferred jail time, four years probation, and was forced to pay $121,000 in restitution, and that's all he got. So. The idea that they took a small woman's head and sewed it onto a large guy's body as a joke and then displayed it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's as gruesome as it gets. Who, who walks by and finds that funny? You know, um, I mean, you so might grin. I told you that was going to eat up most of the bizarre file Oof. time, and it did. So well, that's a hell of a story. Yeah, it's hard to follow that one up. Uh, let's go. You want another uh, bizarre medical thing? Yeah, why not? We're in that vein. Let's go for it. Uh, Human-animal hybrids are to be developed in embryo form in Japan after the government approved controversial stem cell research. Human cells will be grown in rat and mouse embryos, then brought to term in a surrogate animal as part of experiments set to be carried out at the University of Tokyo. It's all going It's all going to hell now. Human-animal hybrids. Supporters say the work uh, by renowned geneticist uh, Hiramutsu Nakauchi uh, could be a vital first step towards eventually growing organs that then are transplanted into people that need them. So, Are they taking pre-orders for whale penises? That would be a good thing. But uh, opponents have raised concerns. The scientists are playing God. They worry that the human cells could stray beyond the targeted organs into other of areas of the animal, effectively creating a creature that is part animal and part person. <laughs> Here's your werewolf, Casey. Right. Oh, <laughs> your rabid werewolf with bad credit. <laughs> for that reason, such prolonged experimentation has been effectively banned or gone unfinanced across the world in recent years. But in Japan itself, scientists were forbidden from going beyond a 14-day growth period, but those laws were relaxed in March when the country's education and science ministry issued new guidelines saying such creations could now be brought to term. I think of I Am Legend, and I think of the the thing that kicks that off is that they're looking for this cancer cure, Mm -hmm. and it ends up becoming this thing that causes this rage virus that destroys the world. Yep. And there you go. That's what I have for you. Scary stuff there. In the Bizarre File this morning, we'll take a break and be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. The most hated jeweler in America makes it so easy to get engaged. Meet the beautiful, classy, and brilliant Krista. She's Stephen's most loved engagement ring and will dazzle. She takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant diamond in a classic solitaire setting. Meet Krista today, starting at under $700. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only. Free shipping and interest-free financing. It's so easy. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. 
Rick Coombe with the best of Preston and Steve. Time to take out the trash this morning. What's going on this morning, Steve? Well, red carpet events canceled for the premiere of Liam Neeson's new movie, Cold Pursuit, after a controversial interview in which he volunteered information about his youth concerning race and revenge. Neeson says that in light of the dust-up, he's glad he didn't talk about when he sold drugs to preschoolers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kendall Jenner telling Allure Magazine that one of her worst days was when people noticed she had some acne during the 2018 Golden Globes. That said, Kendall did have to admit that even her acne has perfect skin and a tan. <laughs> oh, my God. God. And finally, Ozzy Osbourne, 70, was admitted to a hospital on Monday with a serious case of the flu. Ozzy had initially thought his stomach was upset from eating too much of his favorite snack, Tide Pods. <laughs> Our next guests are here to promote a film called uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon. It's about a woman who, who gets her life together. So I think it's only obvious that we play a song about a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, to, to begin the interview, the Walk the Dinosaur is what we're going to play. Uh, I'll explain in a moment. But we want to welcome the writer and producer and stars of the film here. We have Paul Downs. And please, I'm going to butcher your last No, but try it. All right. So I would say uh, Kalezo. Yeah, all right. Kalezo. Kalezo. And Jillian Bell. Oh, you butchered yeah. my name. <laughs> the easy one screws up. So we had a lengthy conversation about this song, Walk the Dinosaur. Yeah. And I guess, Paul, you've never heard this song in your life? No, or? I mean, I probably blocked it out. How do you block it out? I'm sure it was associated with tons of childhood trauma. <laughs> That's it. In therapy, this comes up, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Don was. One of the first questions they asked us, they're like, you ever heard of that song? Walk the Dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, sure. But these we are my kind of guests that do that. Oh, my yeah. God, I can't believe you know that song. But Jillian, you had brought it up. I love that song and Theodore, <clears throat> excuse me, Theodore Rex. And Paul had never heard of Theodore Rex or the song. I was wow. watching the trailer to Theodore Rex just outside, and Whoopi Goldberg gets paired with a dinosaur, and that is a movie <laughs> I'm going there's, there's a lot of physical comedy, a lot of tail comedy. Yeah. Sure, yeah. getting in the way, knocking yeah. things oh, over. Oh, no, he knocked over a vase again. <laughs> in one scene, he steals cookies and he can't eat them because he's a fake dinosaur, so he just throws them over his shoulder. He, right, he doesn't have the arm length to hit his yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, all, it's all rooted in science. Yeah. But, the, uh, but Jillian, I have to tell you, as you came in, I'm a massive fan of yours. Oh, I, I just you. think you're a nuclear talent. Your improvisational stuff is great. and everything. You're one of these people, and we all talk about people when we see they're in the cast. I'm like, I'm on board. Mm -hmm. But you, your improvisational abilities, you, you started doing improv at like eight? Yes, eight years old. And you were actually in classes at, at eight. I was. My parents I think wanted to get rid of me for a good solid hour. <laughs> but I think that that is a an incredible that training ground for. You know, I, I did stand up a little while and did some improvisational stuff and 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 being able to just. Think on your feet, or also just to respond and comedically act. It, it's it's uh, has to be, have been a blessing in your life. It's to have that. very helpful. Yeah. It's a good tool, especially for comedies nowadays, because everybody usually most comedies they want us to improvise. Um, most most movies I've done, they'll say let's do it as is, and then we'll do. 18 takes of whatever you want, and so you just kind of got to go with it. It's because I've shown your 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 22 Jump Street <laughs> rapid fire list of insults uh, is just is just great, you know. And I sh I'll show that to people all the time, and and it's funny because now there's like a a YouTube hole you can fall down that's all that sort of additional 
stuff that usually ends up on Blu-ray, you know, where they're they're they're, they're riffing lines of improvisation. Oh, I, I would love to watch that. I like watching bloopers when I'm when yeah. I'm in a blue mood. I love um, it's always sunny bloopers. Those oh are my, my god, oh, we dude, just so yes, we, we were just talking <laughs> about that, and and there's there's something about that that that's extraordinary. But I want to talk about the movie, which I think is very um is is kind of cool because um there are a couple uh, issues that I think are addressed in it. You're you're a woman who's um her life is not really going where she wants it to go. Looking for some direction, and and explain the, the genesis of your character. She's sort of stuck, you yeah. know, um, where we've all been. Where it's sort of like, uh, how do I move forward? Right. Um, if your career's not going well, if if you know you haven't found the right person, wh- whatever it may be, and she sort of figures. Well, how can I do something for myself? And she starts to uh, to run, and then she sets this huge, almost seemingly impossible goal of running the New York City Marathon. We've known people, a number of people who've done this, and even who have shocked us, who who will run. Um, we, a friend of ours, a comedian friend of ours, Bert Kreischer. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's he's a guy who just out of the blue starts doing these running these races and Ironman things. It just, I want to try this. I want to do this. Incredible what you can push your body to do. Right. So, so. Part of the character's transformation is, is you know, getting into shape. You were not asked to do this, but you, you took it upon yourself to do it as well and, and drop some weight, correct? Yeah, I lost 40 pounds for the role. Wow. Uh, on my own, yeah. Like you said, they didn't ask me to do that. But I sort of thought it would connect me to the character better. There were some things in the script that I thought... Oh, this is me. You yeah. know, I I identify with this woman wholeheartedly. And there were other parts where I just thought, I don't know why she's doing that. I've never gone through that before. Right. And I thought, if I go on this physical journey, it'll help the emotional journey. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing, though. As as you start to do stuff like that, and, and I think you guys are, are addressing it as, as well as that, a lot of times people who you would assume would support you start to like... What, what is this about? Well, it's interesting. Yeah. And, and, the, and the film talks about that, too, like yeah. toxic friendships or relationships and, and how you can sort of start to see who's in your corner. And they, you sort of get under... And it's, I guess we've all done it at some point or not. I don't know if it's, if, if it's born of jealousy or whatever, whatever it is. And it's, it's a human thing, but it, it does, you know, it does start to happen if someone's doing well on a, on a, on a weight loss program or they're doing something with, you know, exercise and getting their life around it. Maybe it makes people feel, maybe I'm not doing enough. And so they tend to respond less than supportively. It's interesting when you start to change your life in any matter. Right. And if you see if your friends root you on or if they go against it, some people don't like change like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, Paul, the, 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 the basis of this story comes from reality, yes? Yeah, I was living, I was in my mid-20s living with my best friend, Brittany, who is not Brittany Forgler, who Jillian plays, but right. is inspired, Brittany Forgler is inspired by Brittany O'Neill, and she was just the funniest person I'd ever met. She made herself the butt of a joke. She was just always willing to be humiliated and have a good time, and sort of like we all were, but she wasn't going, her life wasn't headed in the direction she wanted it to be headed and she had to figure out how she could get on a path that she was proud of and she's we were living together and she went for her first run and i thought this is a movie and i started outlining it it's funny because when you find that one foundational thing like that you know that one thing that you do you can build on that and do other things and it sort of helps get your life in order but that like for example i'm sure the character britney if if running that thing fell out of her life everything else would start to fall into disarray her, but you just need that one thing. Yeah, for her, it's about setting goals and pushing yourself and testing yourself to see how far you can go in a certain area. And then that comes after that, you start feeling pride and you start feeling hope and you start yeah. allowing yourself to dream. And that takes place in all areas of your life. Everything it, falls into place. It's a simple thing, but it's 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 hard to do it. It's hard with anything like this. And there's complications that we don't always talk about in transformation stories. There's yeah. an emotional journey there. And... 
and sometimes you can struggle internally and and I think that's a beautiful part of the film that that most transformation stories don't hit on. That's what they're, they, they, they by the way it's getting great critical reviews and it's Thank it's you. it's doing very well and, and and they comment on that because a lot of times no matter how earnest the movie tries to be they'll Hollywood ties it and it'll oh my god they just nailed it. And, and so, you know, something that resonates a little bit more truthfully is is this approach because it's it's not always cut and dry. So let me ask you: Do you do you yourself uh, were you enamored now of 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 running or? Um, I do enjoy it yeah. actually. At first, I was very nervous to start <laughs> running, and it, it's a vulnerable thing. Do you feel you... that everyone's looking at you when you do it? Yep. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I was doing it in my neighborhood, so okay. everybody's kind of keeping to themselves there. But right. uh, but. Yeah, it's it's hard to start something that you don't know if you'll be good at, and and um, I was definitely starting from scratch. I looked up on Pinterest how to start running. I looked wow. up this thing that said couch to five k, and it just started. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, just informed me how to do the first steps, and that's what this movie was about—like baby steps, those first steps to push yourself towards uh, towards your dreams. Paul uh, Jillian mentions trying something that you're not sure if you're good at or not. This is this your only time directing or first yeah, time directing? The first time I ever directed, and that's the funny thing is, you know, Jillian and I when we first met talk, talk about this movie. She'd never done a dramatic leading role before, and I'd never directed anything before, and so we were both sort of looking at each other, placing bets on each other, thinking, <laughs> can we do this together? And so we really, it, part of I think what drove both of us to do as well as we could in this process was making sure we didn't let the other one down. Mm. But but it's it's funny because. Uh, you can. There's humor, obviously, in, inherent to this. To this, anybody who goes through a transformation of this kind, and especially on the earlier part of your life, where you're finding out that you're, or b- before the journey, as you say, think <laughs> the way you're living is not the the, the best, and and uh, and and so that's part of it. But that makes the um, the heartfelt part of it resonate more. You know, if if you can connect, because I find that I think we can all connect to someone who's a little, you know, self deprecating, and, and it's easier. You know, sometimes. It, when, when someone starts, if you already had somebody who was just, you know, a, a marathon runner to begin with, it'd be like, well, this is... People can't relate to that they journey. They can't relate to that. They can mm-hmm. relate to um, having trouble, struggling to make that first step towards anything. The right. marathon is symbolic. It's it daunting. It be anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jillian, in the first part of the trailer, uh, you look terrible. <laughs> and and it's not just... I your... look terrible? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's hurtful. By the end, no, no, no. By the end of the trailer, you look phenomenal, and you look like you, you. you but it's not just your your uh, your body. It's the hair is bad, the skin is bad. It just seems like when you go through um, the transformation throughout, it's two and a half minutes of a trailer. So I haven't seen the full movie yet, but it seems like they took time to make sure that uh, you were uncomfortable in your skin at the beginning of the movie, not only physically but emotionally, and, and dealing with this this person who wasn't going anywhere. I think that they they took that and made it physical as well. Is that is that true, or am I miss? Uh, reading it. No, I mean, I think there were certain things that, you know, were different about her looks from the beginning of the film to the end, but I I know what you're talking about. Like, the skin is a little bit, like, she's dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, I mean, I thought her hair was great, but sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, her, and her body is what I looked like when I first got the script. And uh, and then I, I lost the weight to... to to go through that journey and as soon as I was done with it I sort of wanted to figure out for me now now who do I want to be and how do I feel comfortable in my own body and it's a beautiful conversation it's all a part of the conversation and I wanted to experience it from top 
to, to yeah. end because it was it, it's important. It's important that I went through that so that I could speak to that experience. Have you guys ever gone to the doctor? Because I'm I'm speaking off the the trailer as well, where they've uh, they've sat you down. Know, okay, here's some stuff we got to change. Yes, here's some <laughs> things. Here's some things, and, and and you start telling you know what your lifestyle is like, and you're like, wow, I didn't know I was doing all this wrong stuff. And it's it's a lot to take in. It's it's a it's a lot to consider, and and changing your life is no easy step. You know, it's a it's a bit of a harsh wake up call. Yeah, because I've I've certainly had it a, a couple of times. I have lost, too. A, a, he just lost a whole bunch of weight, President himself. How, how much did you take off, President? This time, the, like forty yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah, it was about yeah. forty pounds. I just did that on my own. But years and years ago, I was like you know seventy pounds overweight. It was ridiculous. And the doctor's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you some stuff you don't want to hear, but this is what we got to do. And I was able to get it together. So this story, this type of story really speaks to me. And I think to a lot of people. That's the thing we re- figured out when we were doing this is we were thought we were telling a story about people in their 20s who were trying to get their life in order and find their way into adulthood. And it turns out everyone always is trying to figure out what their life is and trying to get on the right foot and trying their, try to find their path and their footing. So it seems, as we've been showing this across the country, that people of all ages, of all genders, of all types are relating to, to the character. And it need yeah. not be about a marathon, though. As you said, it's now to anything, any yeah. decision right. in life. So, so when you you started, um, you were at the Groundlings for a while, yes. and, and then it, you you were a writer for SNL. I think you were sharing yes. an office with Kristen Wiig. Was that the, the case, or are you writing together? I with wasn't, her? but I wrote with her a lot. Okay, yeah, and we so, had similar senses of humor. Weird, off. <laughs> but, humor. Yeah, how close to your characters are you actually? Um, uh, I'm. I'm. I won't lie. I'm not. A, I'm not exactly like my character on Workaholics, but I, she's in there a little bit. I'm uh, an odd lady. That's a great I character. Enjoy, yeah. You know, dinosaur songs and <laughs> bats. Before and, this yeah. movie, Jillian did a movie where she pooped her pants. Yes. Are you like her? <laughs> oh, that's like my real life. <laughs> that's how I met Utkar. She's in the film. Uh, he was in Game Over Man. He had like a real part, and then I came in to do just like a funny cameo. And but my character. Oh, I can't curse on this. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. But I will just say. She messes her pants. Yeah, she craps her pants. Yeah. 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 And she did method for that, too. Oh, I did yeah. full-on method. You have to. Go through that experience. Hey, Brando would have, so yeah. that's all I'm I had a lot of bean sandwiches. <laughs> Don't think it's a thing? Look it up. Beans. Have you done, you've done uh, voiceover stuff for, right? For I Canada? have. Yeah, you were in Gravity Falls, of, right? Yes. Yeah, that was a great Ooh, show. Gravity Falls. Yeah. And uh, because I, I, I'm just listening to the sound of your voice, and you'd be perfect for, uh, you know, doing Disney work and Thank stuff like you. that. Thank you. I'm on a show that's coming out called Bless the Hearts. It's coming on after The Simpsons. They've been they've been advertising the hell out of it. It looks really good. Is that Isn't like, it? oh, bless your heart? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What you say when you think okay. someone's stupid, but you don't <laughs> want to say that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have you here in the studio, we have had um, so many of 22 Jump Street in our studio, and ex- I'm excited to have you here. We've had Jonah Hill here. Channing Tatum, Wyatt Russell, Jillian Bell, Ice Cube, and the Lucas Brothers. (laughs) I've Uh, worked with Ice Cube twice now. Can you believe that? Yeah, well, the best friend. This fight. So that was uh, that was uh, with Charlie Day, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which, had Charlie Day in the studio. Yeah. So it's and all Tonto, my friends. Oh, yeah. Tonto comes out later this year, right? You're going to be in El Tonto with Charlie Day. I am. Yeah. And we just had Aaron Scotty, who's one of the producers. He's from this area. He's he's in from uh, Concha. Oh, and wonderful. Circle of life. Yeah, yeah. I just talked to Charlie about El Tonto, and he's so excited about how it turned out. I can't wait to see it. So, I, I, I mean, your career at this point is you're 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 becoming you know one of those people that that like is a go to, and and so. 
with the performing and stuff, do you still get a chance, besides improvisationally, do you still get a chance to write, or are you... I am. I'm okay. writing right now. I'm writing a movie. Right oh, okay. now I'm, I'm working on the rewrite. Not, right. in, not in this very moment, but um, <laughs> that's what if I you was? What if I had a computer <laughs> yeah. next yeah. to me? Yeah, like Doctor like Manhattan, and, and the I'm Washington. just like exterior <laughs> yeah, radio <laughs> building. <laughs> well, semi-built radio building yeah. at this point. So. <laughs> Anytime we ask you a question, just hold up one finger. Yeah, <laughs> hang on, I go. Hang, hang on. on, I got a joke. That's a great line. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm writing something right now. That's very cool. This one, we're both writing. We're both writing. So now that you get you get your first movie out of the gate, gets yeah. this kind of attention. You know, we, we always think that there's just an onslaught of, of uh, stuff coming your way. Does that happen or is it are you still in the word getting out stage? And It's sort of both. We were talking about that on the way in, you know, reading scripts and trying to figure out what's next. But I'm working on my own script that's very different than, than this one. So hopefully I'll be done with that one soon, too. Hey, when does the actual uh, New York City Marathon November? Take place? November. Yeah. yeah Did you guys shoot at it? We shot at the actual New York City Marathon. Okay. In 2017. In 2017, <clears throat> and it was on daylight savings time. So I think a bunch of the day that you change your clock. So I think pe- people were oh, an hour that's late. Terrible. Oh, yeah, no. I know. oh my god, wow. dude! I know, but it was really a magical experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Unreal. we were we we shot. I don't want to give too much away, but we shot uh, parts of the race and we used their equipment and we, uh, you know, there are fifty thousand people there. Well, did, you see, did you see any of the legendary moments where people have to, like, you know, pee outside or, uh, you know, their nipples were bleeding? I mean, well, it can get... a lot of that. Yeah. Really? Well, I didn't even That is there's... the unattractive part for, yeah. for me. The, 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 the defecating on people's yeah. lawns <laughs> and uh, all of that but stuff, are, which is part and parcel of the whole thing. There right? are volunteers who are just on the sidelines to Vaseline your legs. Yeah. That's really? their job. Yeah, and, and some men... What major city doesn't have that exactly. anyway? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. All year. And they're <laughs> these men, these muscle men, their calves were coming through. Their muscles were coming through their skin. And oh yeah. my god! It was really, it's really an. You're not supposed thing. to run that far. That's, that's why. Right. That's right. You're not, you're not supposed <laughs> to. It's right. All right. So I want to ask you, as you're chronicling Brittany's life, is she aware of this? And was she? And if she was, was she okay with it? So I waited a few months. Okay. And I said to her, we were on our couch, and I said, you know, I'm not sure if I should tell you this, but I'm writing a movie about you. Mm, that's awesome. And she said, what's it called? And I said, it's called Britney Runs a Marathon. And 12 said, Years of Slavery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, she said, uh, uh, I said, what's, she said, what's it called? I said, it's called Britney Runs a Marathon. She said, how fast does she run it in? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I talked to her about the themes of it, but her, her goal in real life was to go under four hours, which that's is like a real impressive. Wow. Yeah. Because I just know as somebody who is who's had their struggles in life with whether it be uh smoking cigarettes or you know drinking or um weight because I've I've gained and lost weight many many times when you sort of enter into this area of like trying to quit or trying to get started with running you don't want to tell anybody because yeah failure is a real possibility it's yeah. a very very big possibility so like you know the times that i've quit smoking it's like i'm not going to say anything until maybe like a month in right you know i i haven't drank in seven and a half years i i didn't say anything on the air until i had my seven year anniversary like you know what wow. i mean like i just wow. you just sort of like you know so yeah, you want to bury it yeah you know just in case you fail just in case you it, fail it, it's a, it's a, it's a built well other people 
use it the other way. They'll tell everyone because they figure they'll be shamed if they if, yeah. they, if they do it. It's, 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 but it's your personal mechanism, yeah. you know. It's, it's what yeah. you, you do. Yeah, totally. I'm real. Britney, her first run, she was a biker, and even when we fell out of touch, I would see a whiz go by in a business coat, and I would think, oh, that was Britney. <laughs> but she would. She went for her first run. It was two miles on a treadmill at the gym. Wow. And yeah, and she really like impressed herself. And seeing her come home and feel that pride and feel that hope was really exciting. That's I, awesome. I, I love that they didn't make you know like they, nobody that you just did it on your own for the weight loss because that's you know that's, that's yeah it's that's, not that's, the message of the film it's not the message of the film right. yeah it's, yeah, not, it's yeah. not really about that it's, it's not it's, it's a hook to get the audience yeah. to understand what the impetus is for this character's journey but really we're telling a human story about someone who's just trying to do better yeah awesome I think a lot of people are trying to do that Brittany runs a marathon is the name of the movie hey good luck with this guys thank, thank you, you. Thanks, thanks for so coming much. thanks for having us absolutely we, when we were throwing <laughs> He runs a marathon. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR.